Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Uh, as always, morning. it is a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege uh, I believe we've already been joined by our first guest. Who's already joined me so far? Rashard Miller. Rashard. Excellent. Uh, so we find ourselves in what some people call the silly season, right? So NFL free agency is about to start. The combine is over. Pro day season has begun. Obviously, the last games were played many months ago. And old, broken-down men look at young, strong men and tell them what they can and cannot do, right? With the hubris and the pride that comes with being older. And are they right sometimes? Of course. Are they wrong sometimes? Of course. The great thing about experience is that after a while, you start to learn what you don't know. That's when you truly start to become wise, Rashad, when you start to realize what you do not know. Uh, I had another Rashad on my show a few years ago. Um, a big, big man named Rashad Coward, who was a defensive tackle in college at Old Dominion, now plays offensive line in the NFL. If I had told Rashad, hey, you're going to be an offensive lineman, I mean, he was open to the idea. We talked about it a little bit, but he was, I mean, people were comparing it to Linval Joseph, and it wasn't a bad comparison. Uh, he moved well. He was enormous, and he was a very effective defensive player, but a combination of of Things that happen and need and anything like that moved him to the other side of the football, and he's managed to find an NFL career. So uh, Rashad, the other Rashad, Rashad Coward, shout out to you, and now I have Rashad Miller. So Rashad, I'm going to begin at the beginning. I want to start at the beginning of your career. When you were a child, who got you started in athletics, and what sports did you play originally? Um. My first sport was football, of course. That's my first love. My dad um, – actually was my first coach. He coached the uh, defense. He was a defense coordinator for our little league team. And um, I played deep, I played defense in, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the other sports I played, I played a little bit of baseball. Uh, in middle school, I started uh, playing basketball, but nothing really stick like football. Okay. And what positions did you play when you first started? Um, I played uh, I played left guard, um, and then I played defensive end and sometimes nose. I think we ran a 3-4 defense. Okay, so you always played big man positions, even from the very beginning. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. I've I always been bigger than, than everybody, so I was, I was able to use my size back then when I was younger. Got it. Yeah, well, some of my favorite things is the really big guys who played other positions growing up. Like, you know, they were the biggest kid out there, but they played quarterback. Or the biggest kid out there, but they played running back. And, you know, and sometimes yeah. if you got videotapes, it's hilarious because, you know, there's this kid who's a foot taller and 80 pounds heavier than everybody else, and he's playing QB. It happens. Um, yeah. And it's fun tape to watch when you watch this one giant kid just steamrolling 
you know, I mean, uh, and it's funny when I, the first time I ever played football in my life, I had a teammate. One of my teammates is actually in the um, National Football Foundation's College Football Hall of Fame. His name's Clarkston Hines. And we were the two youngest guys on the team, believe it or not. Um, we, we, we weren't even six years old yet. We were both five. We turned six during the season. So we kind of bonded uh, around that, and our parents knew each other. And Clarkson, of course, became a great player, was uh, drafted by the Bills, but he had a bad knee injury while he was in college and never quite came back from it. I sucked. Yeah. Um, so that was the difference is that he was great and I wasn't. But it was just funny because he was this big kid. Of course, later he turned very slender, like he, he stretched out, but he was a big kid, a husky kid at first. And my dad nicknamed him Roughneck um, because – most of us are just trying not, not to just trip over and fall down while he's looking at <laughs> football, right? So yeah. he's coordinated, he's powerful, he's fast, and we're just, you know, otherwise comic relief. And uh, yeah. he, played, he played running back, receiver, and defensive end, and I played defensive end and fullback. And uh, oh. yeah, yeah, well, they still have fullbacks in my day, friend. That was, that was back in the old days. And, uh, and so... I made a lot of tackles because he ran every play away from Clarkston, but he made a lot of tackles because he was so fast, he'd run down plays from behind. Okay, so yeah. you're playing big man positions right out of the box. When did you – obviously, you said football was sort of your favorite sport right, right away. Like, you liked other sports, yeah. but, you never, but your first love was football. Yes, sir. What was it about football that made it stand out above basketball, baseball, soccer, any other sport to you? Um, well, first, I kind of, I was kind of better than everybody um, at, at first, you know. I was seven playing with the nine and ten, so I kind of had to, like, adapt real quick. I'm playing with older guys, so, you know, I was playing with people people my size, and I was bigger than, bigger than everybody when I was seven. So, um, just adapting, and what made me enjoy it was, you know, being, being able to hit, hit somebody at first. You know, uh, now you now you get in trouble. You know, but back then, you know, literally you could just haul off and just hit anybody. You know, and that's what I enjoyed back then when I was younger. You know, and I still and I still still enjoy it till this day. Okay, and that's what I loved about it too, Rashad. Uh, I was a little kid. I was always on the smallest guys in the team, the other end of the spectrum from you, but I was a hitter. That was the one thing I brought to the table. I wasn't big, I wasn't fast, I wasn't a whole lot of things, but people would be shocked at how hard I could hit despite being one of the smallest guys. So that's the thing I miss. Like, even though I'm old, very, very old, when I still dream, I sometimes have dreams about football, it's not about scoring touchdowns, it's not about, you know, it's about hitting people. That's the part, I, that's the part. Like, when you're done playing football, Rashad, when you have football dreams, it'll be about hitting people. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I love it. Okay, so tell me about where you grew up and who else grew up around you in terms of other athletes that you might have been around. Um, well, I grew up in a small town in Mid South Carolina. Um, in the well, in, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and um, uh, it was a small country town. Uh, a few athletes I know of: Debo Samuel. He's, he's around the same place. I yeah, he'll do. 
something about South Carolina and we always talk about I'm from Virginia and we have a bit of a chip on our shoulder because everybody talks about yeah. Florida everybody talks about Texas and everybody talks about California yeah. but pound for everybody. pound thank you uh, South Carolina North Carolina Virginia pound for pound like look at the size of the towns we're talking about we're not talking about places yeah. with like two three four million people not, we don't have a Los yeah. Angeles in Virginia you don't have a Los Angeles or a Chicago or a New York City, anywhere in South Carolina. Um, so you and I come come from southern, from the south, right? Southern states. And most of the towns are smaller. The biggest city we have in Virginia um, has probably not quite half a million people in it, right? Probably one of the sub there's some suburbs of DC that have over a hundred thousand. I come from a town of about four hundred thousand. Um, there's a few other uh, Richmond is about 300,000 and there's, but most of the towns yeah. are 100,000, 200,000 people or less. Right. But the passion for the game, we don't even have an Atlanta, right? But the passion for the game in these towns, there are people like cousins and sometimes brothers, sisters, husband and wife stop speaking when certain rivalry games are being played. If the husband went to an office state and the wife went to Hampton, when the Battle of the Bay is coming up, it's tense yeah. in that household. <laughs> like we'll love each other on Sunday, but this this Friday, Saturday, it's gonna be tough, yeah. right? We're gonna have to yes, we're gonna have to yes, go through sir. it. Yes, sir. Right? Definitely Yes, sir. Definitely down here. Um where I'm from, South Carolina, is a big against Clemson and USC. It's really big. I literally seen yes. people split up. So I know. Oh, it know. divides families. It it, it 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 divides friendships. I try to make people understand. Yeah, I know we, we don't have we don't have one of those major population centers, but our high school and college football, the passion we have in the South, in these little yeah. towns, right. I'll yeah. stack it up. Name any place. Bring any place. The passion mm -hmm. we have. I know people where you can't talk to them after a bad loss. Like you can't talk to them. You just need to leave them alone. They need a day. Yeah. Have, have half a day. Half a day <laughs> to them. So yeah. tell me about your rivals. Um, we talked about rivalries. When the high school at where you were, who were the teams? You wanted to obviously beat everybody, but what were the teams you got? I, I'll use a coach, uh, our offensive line coach was named Russell Fletcher. He used to say, these are, this is a head on pikes game, right? Meaning that you don't just want to win. You want to win, and then when the game's over, you want to cut their heads off and stick them on a pike. What were the yes, head sir. on pike games? What were the games that, like, personal, that you circled, where you wanted you wanted them to feel you? Um, I can say um, Burns, Burns High School. Oh. It was was my was my biggest game. I always hated Burns. They are a in town rivalry, and right. and and they and they always been good for a few years. Um, They've been good they, forever. They won, yeah. they, 
Yeah, but they 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 want to stay for like five to six years straight, one 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 decade. So it was just like every single time, every single time I play them, every single time I see them, they gonna know who Rashard Miller is. And that's <laughs> I how gotcha. I try to post every game. I try to post every game like that. But when it's circled, and I know I gotta play against y'all, and know this is this is the money game, I'm coming for y'all. I'm coming Got for y'all. Got it. Got it. Okay, and then tell me a little bit about your recruitment process. How did it begin? Like, what were the first few schools to get in on you, and how did you decide? How did you navigate yourself through the recruitment process? Um, the recruitment process, uh, well, my recruitment process was kind of slow. Uh, I had uh, my first offering was after week seven of the t- of the 11 games. We, we went to the playoffs and lost in the first round, but um, I want to say uh, it was North Greenville University was my first team that gave me scholarship. Followed after that, I went to uh, the North South. That's an uh, All-Star game in in South Carolina. Uh, Upper State versus Lower State, and um, after that, I had a few more colleges hit me up. Uh, more. Uh, Morris Hill gave me an offer, and I want to say Bethany College gave me an offer, and a few JUCO schools offered me. Okay. Um, Mars Hill has put a couple of guys in the league, probably the most well-known current Mars Hill graduate in the NFL yeah. is Danzel Good, who I think Correct. transferred there from an SEC school, if memory serves correctly. Yes, sir. SEC. Um, yeah, yeah. But yes, I, I watched him. I saw him go good. He was, well, he was good, obviously, but uh, uh, yeah. he was, uh, he was yeah. a beat. Okay. So when you talk to coaches, uh, when you are trying to get through this process, what things were you looking for? Because some guys say, you know, I look for a place where I feel like family. Or some guys look, hey, how soon can I get on the field? Some guys look at a scheme. Some guys look at you know, how solid is the coaching staff? How long have they been there? I mean, what were the things that you looked for? Um, the things that I was looking for, you know, of course you always look for, you know, what type of defense that they're running or what, what is the team that they're running. But, you know, do I feel like home? Do I do I do do I feel like um do I feel like these coaches care about me? You know, of course I want a chance on the on the on the field, but you know, do I feel the love? Do I do I feel like they're going to support me, you know, through my downtime? Because, you know, you got five a.m. runs and, you know, I got class at eight, stuff like that. You know, so, you know, those are the stuff that I look for. I look for, you know. Of course, it's all about money and scholarship, you know, that comes into play. But, you know, as long as, you know, the coaches show that they care, you know, and they want to see me see success, so that's really the biggest thing. Okay, makes sense. And let's talk about, you know, what I call your welcome to college football moment. Uh, there comes a moment in everybody's experience, right? I was a, um, uh, I don't know, what, what's the invited, what's the, whatever the opposite of an invited walk-on is, I was the opposite of that, right? I was I did what happened. My dad knew one of the assistant coaches, and I was like, well, you know, I wasn't that good. 
but I just want to say I tried. I went out there. Yeah. I first lined up with the cornerbacks. Then the cornerbacks started running. I saw faster. I was like, oh, well, not a corner anymore. Walked over to the <laughs> to where the safeties were. It's like, <laughs> hey, this, this is closer, you know. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I never saw the field except special teams. I was L3 on uh, kickoff coverage, so they could rest, you know, some of their guys, you know, on defense or offense, or whatever. So that's that was my contribution to special teams. That was that's how I I didn't even letter. I got what's called a participation pin, you know. So it hit you. You yeah. got on the field. You didn't quite letter, but you got on the field. That was that as close as I got for me. I I wasn't good enough, right? So that's how I ended up talking about football because I I stood right next to coaches all day long. I got to hear what coaches had to say. I kept standing close to them, hoping they'd put me in. Mostly they just, they just complained yeah. to me, like what's he doing? Sorry, man. I, you, know. you got to run in. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you want, if you want me to go in for him, I was like, no, no, that's all right. You know, it's not that bad. But uh, what was your moment when you realized this is not high school? This is something completely different. Um, my first moment, um, I actually got two of them. Uh, was my first summer workout, and we did 110. I was working out over that summer. Well, at the beginning of it, but you know, college was a different, is a different breed. You know, you you they they expect you to make your time, no matter how big you are, no matter how how percentage of body fat you have, they want you to make your time. So that was a big shock for me. Was conditioning for my first summer, um, and then uh, the, my last one, my second one was uh, my first practice, full pad practice and how fast everybody was. I had to adjust to the speed of the game, you know. And, and like I said before, you know, I'm bigger than everybody. You know, that's what I'm used to. So I'm a bulldoze. I'm going to shove my way on, on through to my gap. But at this point, you know, once you beat to the gap, you know, and he's a college player, you know, they we, we, we're good. Everybody was the man back in high school, you know. That's yep. why you made it to college. And I had to adjust to the speed of it. And then I always had the strength, but the speed of it was, was so killer for me for that first practice. Then the second practice, you know, back then we had two of them. So that, so that second practice, I got better. You know what I'm saying? I knew what to expect. So the unexpected kind of, kind of shot me. I love how you said back then we had two of them. <laughs> You make it sound like you're you playing in the 1950s and 60s, Rashad. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I do remember two a days. And I once again grew up in the South. And I, really? these kids today, if they if they don't if they never had to do two a days in the South, it's a difference, right? There's a yeah, I remember the first time I went to a total practice, and I'm in you know Southern Virginia near the North Carolina border, 90 something degrees, 95 yeah. percent humidity. I'm not yeah. even a big guy. I'm sweating off seven eight. Yes. Yeah. I can't imagine what exactly. it's like to big guys. Yeah, I listen. It was it was something different. It was something different. I made sure I got all my rest. They went to all the meetings on time, but I made sure I get my rest and drink a lot of yeah. water. Yes. Yeah, that's where I learned about hydration. Oh, okay. Well, now I see why people keep talking about hydration. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. That's big key. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't think about. I mean, you know, I, I used to occasionally drink a little water. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. <laughs> like I wasn't a guy who. 
Oh, I, I didn't realize. Oh, 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 okay. I gotta, oh, all right. For real, because otherwise you're not gonna make it. No, sir. Soda was not gonna cut it for you. Soda was not gonna cut it for you. Right. Even so yeah, I had to change up. That was my shock. Was like, oh, oh, you really, you gotta drink, you really gotta drink water. Like I was, I probably was on like 15 to 20 ounces a day of water. It's like, I get, I drink other stuff, you know? No, water, like there's no, no offense to Powerade or, or Gatorade or any of the other aids in the world. Water's king. If you're working out yeah. hard, nothing beats water. I don't care what people use, whatever, something your grandma made, whatever it is, if you're not getting the water, you're gonna pay for it. Cramps are the worst. Yes, sir. I remember catching cramps back in back in high school oh. in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Catching hands oh. oh. I remember all those cramps. Oh. I miss lots of things about football, Rashad. I do not miss cramping. <laughs> you gotta stretch. <laughs> Stretching is big. That's what I had to learn when I got to college. Stretching, stretching was a big key. Back back in high school, like I said, I was big. I didn't really, you know, I just small people over. But you know, and, and I didn't never stretch. I stretched, you know, I did pregame work, warm up, but I ain't taking that serious. You know, I'm thinking about the game, about about what I do, you know, when they call left or right. You know, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about uh, uh, the tendency of the center and the quarterback. You know, and I'm looking. I'm thinking about you know, the office guard's feet and they line up, you know, a space away. I'm thinking about, about everything else except for stretching. So that was me back in high school. You know, now I, I, I got to take it serious. I got to. I got to stretch. I stretch every single day. Yes. Right, right. Stretching, yes. 100%, yes. <laughs> um, and, yes, yeah, hydration and uh, eat the right things. Now, you mentioned you're a big guy. Um, did you have to do any special things in terms of diet, or uh, how how did you handle nutrition? Um, you know, right right now, I just changed my I just changed my diet. Just changed my diet to Presbyterian. Um, I don't eat meat anymore. But I eat a lot of greens and and seafood and um, fruits. You know, I, and I actually feel a lot better. I feel a lot better uh, when I after I changed my diet. I've been doing this for like. Two months now, and I feel like I, I might not be looking back. I feel like I might just con- continue this, you know, and see where this diet takes. Because all the other diets that I used to try, it never really worked. I never felt good. But now, since I did this diet, the uh, pressure carrying diet, I feel a lot better. I feel lighter. Yeah. I'm lighter and, 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 and looser. You know. So this is, yeah. this is what I'm like. Yeah, the one thing that I had to struggle with was the last few weeks of the season. I also wrestled. So when I was in high school, the last few weeks of the season, I would, um, you know, so coaches are trying to, I was small anyway. I was undersized anyway. And so the wrestling coach is on me about making weight for wrestling. The football coach is looking at me like, you all right? Right? So (laughs) once again, multiple athletes, right? Uh, so I, I had to lose 13 pounds for wrestling wow. while the football coach is trying to get me to put on like 15 pounds. 
So uh, I could not, as the Bible says, one cannot be a servant of two masters. Uh, I was much better at wrestling than I was at football, but I wanted to be better at football. Sadly, God did not give me some of the things that football players need. So uh, I, I usually had to end up going with, um, you know, I had to go with, um, you know, what the wrestling coach said to do, because that was the sport I was actually good at. Uh, so, yeah, the last few weeks of football season, I was probably the third lightest guy on the team. Maybe mm. sometimes in there for a second sometimes. I remember the last time I weighed in for football, which is right before my first wrestling match, uh, so the last game time I ever laid, weighed in for my life for football was 143 pounds. I thought it was undersized. And I had a wrestling match coming up at 132. Literally, let me see, what is this? Uh, so the playoff game was, okay, so that's four days. I had four days to lose 12 pounds. So I had to, mm. no, 13, so four days to work, no. Yeah, sorry, 11, 11 pounds. I had four days to lose 11 pounds. Actually, ended up losing 13 pounds and was able to, you know, put a couple back on. But yes, yes. Uh, hats off to everyone who runs track and plays football, baseball, and yeah. whatever. You yeah. to do. Okay, so you're settling into being a collegian. You're dealing with the class load. You're dealing with practices that are more intense and faster. Uh, tell me, who are the people that helped you to settle in? Was there a certain group of guys you were around, or was it one of the member of the coaching staff maybe that really helped you to to settle in and become a college player? Um. Well, with me, I I, I tend to cling to the to my position group. So you know, I, I always say I live and I die by defense line. You know, so I'm always for my boys. You know, I'm always for the team, but I always for my boys. So I always had a good camaraderie with my fellow defensive linemen. Uh, uh, some coaches did, did help, you know, the academic coach helped me the most, you know, because that was his job. But, you know, I always wanted to make sure my grade was okay. You know what I'm saying? I always wanted to make sure I had a 2.8 to a 3.0 GPA. Okay, good. So, and, and let me just take to say a quick moment. A lot of people forget uh, that being – a student athlete, the student half comes first for a reason. And yeah. you will be yeah. the things that you learn from being the student half, you'll have for life. Sadly, football, if you're lucky, you'll have for another five to ten years. Maybe. <laughs> like if everything goes great. Um, I mean, you know, hats off to Tom Brady, he was about to turn 43, mm -hmm. Drew Brees is about to turn 41 or 42. And yeah, we'll see what I'm Vinatieri, but those guys are the exception. The exception. People play in the league at all. The exception. These are the exceptions to the exception. If you manage to yeah. play past 27, you've done something. You load into your 40. But those guys, I mean, those guys are almost hardly worth mentioning <laughs> because there's so few that do it. I mean, the number of guys who've managed to play football under their 40s, you could literally fit into a minivan in the history of football, right? Yeah. George Blanford, Tom Brady, Adam Vinatieri, Drew Brees, um, uh, Brett Favre, uh, oh, Morton Anderson. Jane, Jane <laughs> I mean, it's a short list. 
It's a short list. It's a, like, it's a very short list. I mean, literally, yeah. you can fit them all. In a hundred years, you can fill them all in a minivan. So, right? in a hundred years, you can fit all guys that manage to play into their 40s in a minivan. So, for most people, you're going to spend much more of your life doing whatever. So, what did you study? What was your, what's your degree in? Uh, sports management. Ah, sports so you plan to find a way to get around the game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. I love the sport so much that, you know, I, I at least want to still have a foot in the door with it. You know, I, I feel like, you know, if if when I do get picked up, you know, if I, and all that stuff, and when my shot is over with, you know, like you said, you know, a lot of guys are lucky to play till they're 27. So I still want my – I still want a, a hand, toe, foot in the door still with football. I, I just can't leave it alone. I just can't. You know, okay. I, I've been playing this game for so long. You know, I, I love the sport. I love it. I love it. I love everything about it. I love the the, the, the hard, hard, hot summer to the really cool <laughs> playoff game. I love everything about it. Yes. Yes. I, I, I could not agree more. Uh, I, I've been... The first time I ever sat down to write an article about the game of football was 1982. So that'll tell you how, how long I've had an obsession with the game. And, uh, you know, from the time I was a teenager until now, and I am, you know, I, I have a teenager, right? I'm raising a teenager. So it's been yes, most of my life. I just wasn't mm -hmm. talented physically. I was small and slow. That's not a great combination. Uh, and so yeah. I... Playing career came to an end around 20. I hung around as long as I could, and I realized this is, you know, once again, God bless those that have been given the gifts necessary to keep playing, but I knew my, I knew it had come to an end for me, and I said, how can I stay around this game somehow, kind of way, and that's, that's why we're talking today. So, yes, sir. tell me about how long it took you to, to make an impact, to, to start to crack the, uh, the depth chart. Where were you on the depth chart when you first got to school, and how long did it take you to, to see the field? Um, well, my first year I got registered. Um, SAT score wasn't 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 high enough. But um, after that, after after that first year, um, I uh, my second year I started. I actually started. Uh, we ran a three-four defense. I played no uh, at the point at, at at that time. I was like three fifty-two. So I, I was bigger. Right now I'm at like 320. But you know, uh, at that time, and I was a big body. I, I could push. I could push the. I could push the center back. And for and I love taking double teams. So I, I I did everything. And when it came to a pass rush, I always did a good club club swim club rip. You know, I always I, I always like shooting the gaps. You know. So those are the things that I guess my coaches liked about me, and that's how I got on the field my second year in college. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. I think I've been joined by our next guest. Who just hopped on with us about a minute ago? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, who just hopped on? Lamont McFadden. 
Lamar McFadden. Um, I'm excited about having, well, both of you gentlemen, but Lamont McFadden, you are one of, um, I hate to put it this way, but one of my guys, right? You're one of my guys. Uh, I've been talking about you. I've been bothering people about you for some time. I was nagging some people at some all-star games about you. It's like, hey, you know, if somebody gets hurt, somebody drops out. You know, I was in some people's ears. I was, I was, my big dream was to see if I could just kind of shove you into the senior bowl. Wasn't able to make that happen. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I bothered some people. I they I probably annoyed some people, quite frankly, about you. I think you're I think you're one of the most talented and least discussed players of your type around. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You did all the hard work. All I did was watch. Um, <laughs> so so we've got a smaller, quicker individual. We've got a monster human being. Um it's a defense fest, and I'll be honest, I grew up playing defense. I've always loved defense, and sometimes I get mad because the game is trying to diminish defense, and it's like, I think it's a mistake. I understand they're trying to get the kids who grew up playing 2K, not 2K, but uh, what do you call it, uh, Madden and everything to, to watch football. They're trying to hold their attention span. But, I mean, kids can love defense, too. Kids love Ray Lewis. Kids love Dad Reed. Kids yeah. cried when Sean Taylor died. I mean, I know kids that are, could still haven't gotten over when Sean Taylor passed. I know kids who have got Sean Taylor forever tattoos on their backs, their biceps or whatever, because yeah. it hurt them so bad when he passed. And he's, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. We haven't seen another Sean Taylor. So, like, no one should compare him with Sean Taylor. Like, it's unfair. Like, you shouldn't do it. Um, we, we won't see another Sean Taylor. That was a once, I mean, I love, uh, what's his name? Uh, this kid from Clemson. Um, Isaiah Simmons, I love him. Love him. He's not Sean Taylor. He's an amazing football player. He's gonna have a great career, but he's not Sean Taylor. Don't get Sean Taylor's name out of your mouth. Okay, enough <laughs> ranting. Enough ranting. <laughs> let me, uh, I love, like he could be great, but let him be great being who he is. Stop, stop doing that. Okay. That that. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, let me introduce you to the world. Um, I think you can play probably three or four positions in the defense at a high level. And nowadays that's needed because more and more offenses are trying to go up tempo to keep you from making adjustments and switching people out and things like that. So take me all the way back to the beginning of your football career, Lamont. How did you get started playing the game and who got you started playing the game? So uh I started playing football in um, fourth grade. Um, I had uh, two older cousins that was great athletes as well. And um, I always looked up to them just because they were um, a year older than me. And they played, obviously, when I was in third grade for a team. And, you know, the next year I just knew that I was coming out to play. So I think that's how I got started, man. Okay. Uh, and who are your cousins, if you don't mind me asking? Um, their names are Antonio and Jeffrey. And, uh, okay. you know, these are these always my big cousins that, you know, that we all made each other better throughout the years, man, always competing with each other, you know, pushing each other, always out in the park, you know, at the court, whatever it may be. You know, I always looked up to them and uh, wanted to be better than them, you know, so they – they always push me to new limits. So I always, you know, we keep them 
you know, in a soft place in my heart because they, they made me, they're a part of who, who I am today. Excellent. Well, well, first of all, hats off to them. None of us got here by ourselves, right? Nobody, right. nobody was born knowing how to play football. There's nothing right. normal and natural about slapping all the helmet, pads, taping your ankles, taping your wrists, uh, any of that. These are not things that creatures do in the wild. So everybody right. who's ever played football has to look to someone else who got them to play football. So I always want to spend a little bit of time at the beginning shouting out whoever that person is, saying thank you so much for putting this talented young person in the world to play this amazing, difficult, painful crucible of a game that asks everything from you mentally, physically, and emotionally. Definitely. So, so um, one more question for you, and then I'll hop back over to the big man, Rashad. So tell me a little bit about, obviously you talked about your cousins. Who else did you grow up around who might have been an athlete as well? Could have been other kids in your neighborhood, guys at your high school. Uh, who else was around you who was an athlete? Yeah, um, I grew up with a lot of athletes, especially in my class. Um, we we always we, we started from from yay high to you know all the way through high school, and there were some athletes that I played with goes by the name of, um, Drew Allen, Stu Allen, Julian Cox, Malik Hooker, um, a lot of a lot of players that I played with, man. Just throughout the years, we all made each other better, especially on and off the field. Got it. Perfect. Well, I'm most glad to hear that. And this is what I always explain to people. And of course, people, to some extent, I think they get it. You know, the old line from the Bible that almost every coach quotes is that, you know, um, man sharpens man as iron sharpens iron. We, we're only as good as those we compete against. If you never get a chance to compete against people who are good, you can't get better. And the best sure. way to get better is people who are better than you until finally you get better and can compete successfully. Uh, yeah. I'm going to jump back over to the big man because there's nothing quite like the competition that goes on in the pits, as people call it, um, in that yard and a half on either side of the football that, unfortunately, the camera moves away from very quickly. So I think the quote-unquote average fan or the casual fan has no idea of how, one, how complex, and two, how violent things are on every single snap of the ball in the trenches. They don't know how much technique oh, is they don't know how much toughness is involved, and they don't understand how much willpower is involved just to keep lining up play after play. And now, if you're a big guy and everyone's going up tempo, I mean, that's a test, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you know, it's a long drive, they're going tempo, they're snapping the ball every 18 seconds. It doesn't yeah. sound like a lot, but go full effort anything. Just find a wall in your home, fan at home, push against it with all your might for four and a half seconds, rest for, I don't know, eight seconds, nine seconds, and get back up against that wall, and then press against it with all your might for another four, four or five seconds. And then yeah. do it again, 70 times in a row. And then tell me <laughs> if the big guys in the trenches are athletes or not. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't think people get it. You just look at a bunch of big guys, they go, oh, they're just big. Okay, so... Um, who helped you to develop from just being a big kid into a technician? And uh, and walk me through that process of how you got better. Um, well, my dad was, was my first coach, so he really taught me everything until I got to middle school. Um, then, you know, you get, you get your own coaches. Well, you get the school got coaching. 
And um, and after that, you know, middle school, high school, I, I learned, you know, they taught me more about hands, you know, club swim and, you know, the bull pool when I got to high school, you know. And then college, you know, I, in, in college they just, Tedious on every single thing, your first step to, you know, your hand placement to, you know, you got to do this this certain way. So, you know, high school really helped me the most if, if I want to be technically correct. You know, that was a really big key to my development in football, you know, how to be a leader, you know, I learned that in high school, you know, how to, how to uh, make sure my – my teammate still is accountable like that in high school. So I, I, I learned a lot of stuff in high school, and development of my craft was a big key in that too. Okay, got it. And uh, we talked a little bit about being a multi-sport athlete. Uh, Lamont, when you were younger, Tell me about some of the different sports you played and how that helped you to develop overall as an athlete. Okay, so um, we played. I, I played uh, basketball, football, baseball, and then uh, you know, throughout high school, I ran track. Yep. And to be honest, I would say that you know, being a multi-sport athlete, um, it teaches you a lot of teaches you a lot of things about um, camaraderie and uh, working as a team. And, you know, being a leader out there and to be able to adjust the things on the fly because each game brings a different – it has a different aspect that you have to focus on. And to be able to decipher those things and, and, and to know what needs done and, and which sport, it definitely helped me just because it, it, create, it creates a versatility across the board. And for you to be able to utilize some things from another sport and another and and one sport is is great in itself. Okay, got it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, I'm gonna stick with you for one more question. I'll hop back over to to Rashad. Uh, when did you realize? Obviously, you're most sport athlete, but when did you realize that? Really, when it comes down to it, like when I have to make a decision sport that's at the heart of my heart is football. When did that moment hit you? When did you realize this is the sport? <laughs> when I first started playing, football always was my first love, you know, so I always loved football. Like, it was it was a time where, you know, I thought I was going to be a hooper. And, like, <laughs> looking back on it, I can't believe that I was thinking that because, you know, football always was my first love. And now that I'm you know, being able to live on my dream is just is just surreal, you know. Okay. So before we move on from your basketball exploits, tell me a little about what kind of because every every football player thinks he's a basketball player anyway. Everyone I've ever known. I have a friend right. who played D one, right? Was a starter at a big D one school, Pac twelve, but I think he brags about the most, right? Guy was a, yeah. a, a Two-year starter at a big-time D1 school, played in bowl games, the whole deal. What does he brag about the most? <laughs> His basketball exploits in the gym, yeah. right? <laughs> right. 
You know, that's the you want to get him talking. Don't talk to him about football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played a little bit up in Canada after college. But yeah, yeah. Don't we'll talk about that. Get him talking. Ask him about his basketball game. Then you can't shut him up. Um, right. <laughs> so tell me about your basketball game. What kind of player were you, Mr. Lamont McFadden? Uh, more so a facilitator out there. Um, you know, I played between two and the three. And, you know, we, we all – we all were, were athletes out there. We um I actually won a state championship in high school and um everybody that was on the course that one person was a football player. You know. Yeah. So we uh I would say that I do got some hooping games, you know, just you know, I always always feel like, you know, I can hoop. I just know okay. I can hoop, but I'm not gonna sit I'm not gonna sit here and just say like I'm a flat out hooper. But if you catch somebody slipping, they're going to catch these buckets. That's what you are trying to say. Basic, basically. Okay. basically. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep on me. That's all. Don't sleep on me. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> um. Well, before I move on, give me your, your top five basketball players. Who are your favorite five basketball players? Maybe not the best, but the guys you like the best. Who are the five you might most like? Okay. Um, AI. Oh! Yeah. We're about to be friends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely AI is my number one. Um, I would have to say Kobe and, is my number and two. And a terrific football player. A terrific yeah, he definitely football player. Was. Yeah. Because he could have won like, either sport. could have won either sport. But, so I would say AI, Kobe, um, LeBron, Jordan, and uh, for my fifth, you know, I always like CP3 as well. Okay. So you can play a little small ball with that lineup and, uh, you know, RIP yeah. to the mama. But that, you could, I mean, think Definitely. about that. Think about that. I mean, obviously that means that you're asking, um, you're asking, you basically have to get uh, uh, LeBron to play play the center, which he could do. And then right, you've yeah. got power forward. That's a heck of a, a small ball lineup. And then hey, who's going to stop you from bringing the ball up? Like, you can't stop that backcourt. You've got CP3, you've got AI, and you've got Jordan <laughs> in the backcourt. That's yeah. Trump. <laughs> yeah, we running the court. We running the court all day. <laughs> Man. Oh. You've got the all-time running gun basketball team in the history of the planet is what you've got. Yeah. Everybody can shoot. Defense. Everybody can pass. Oh, my God. That's Yeah, that's some trouble. <laughs> okay, well, right i got to make this fair. i got to ask the big man the same question. So, Rashad, who's your favorite? Yes, player? Um, I probably got to go with this. I got to go with Shaq. Shaq is Shaq is definitely there we go. That's a big man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love Shaq. Shaq was really a real. Uh, I was called Baby Shaq in middle school, my eighth grade year, when I first ever started playing basketball. I was nothing but the garbage man. I get in the paint, get my rebound, go back up, and that's and that's all they wanted. That's all I gave. But um, <laughs> Shaq would be my five. Um, Garnish. Garnish the Greek freak would be my four. LeBron James would be my three. Um, my two would be Kobe, and my one—that's rough. But I would have to say Russell Westbrook. Okay, 
So if your two teams played each other, it'd be one team getting all the rebounds and the other team getting all the all the like uh, three pointers and yeah. and breaking people down off the yeah. dribble. Yeah. Yes, sir. Because yeah, those are two. Have to those, score, no. Like if someone, if I just showed someone these two teams, I said, guess what position? Pick these two teams. People would guess wide receiver or defensive back for Lamont's team. They'd be right, and then they looked at you <laughs> and be like. I'll be an offensive defensive lineman to pick that team. <laughs> That's a good Next. line. <laughs> good stuff. That is good stuff. It's funny how things that make us who we are in football carry over to other sports. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm going to stick with you for a moment, Rashad. Tell me about going from being – you're the new guy. You get redshirted. Then the next year you begin to contribute. Tell me when you started to feel like a leader. When did you start to feel like, you know, I'm not just on this team, but I'm one of the leaders of the team? Um, I, I, I start feeling that way when 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 the coaches start getting old. You know, uh, my, I was always taught, you know, if the coach is not talking to you, then they don't care about you anymore. So mm-hmm. I always try to make sure I stay involved. I got to go to every meeting. I got to go to be on time to practice. You know, so I, I want I wanted to make sure that they knew that I was here for the team, and once once they got that feeling, that's how I got more involved, and and and, and that's when I knew that like that's when I knew like okay now I got a for sure spot now I, I got to make sure I got to I now I got to make sure I be you know I got to execute every single play, and that's was the biggest thing for me, and 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 that's how I got my little. My shine on, if, if I can say that. That's how sure. I got my shine on. You may. And I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the next couple of questions for both you and Lamont on two rooms that people who have never played the game don't understand how important these two rooms are. One is the film room, the other is the weight room. I'm gonna start with the film room. Uh, tell me about your relationship with watching film and when did it go from being something? I'm I'll just I'm gonna tell on myself. Um, we started watching in high school, but I'll be honest, the whole time when I ever watched tape in high school, film in high school, I was like, I was looking at myself, like, ooh, ooh. Every once in a while, I would catch myself, like, oh, that was nice. Hey, look at that hit I put on. Or it's like, oh, man, how'd I get fooled on that reverse? You know? Oh, yeah, everybody, everybody but I wasn't really getting what I should have gotten out of it, right? I was just watching me. And then later, I realized, <laughs> oh, I should probably be trying to get these offensive tendencies and try to figure out these things. Oh, well, when they're doing three to the field and one to the boundary here, I should probably be looking for these yeah. route combinations on third name. It took me a right. while to, to sort of realize, oh, yeah, that's probably what I should be doing. Um, tell me about yourself. Uh, when did film really start to click for you and who helped you get to that? I'll let all this man go first. You go first, boy. All right. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, high school, it was a, uh, you know, it was it was like I didn't know what to actually watch in high school. You know, it's kind of like I was just letting it play in high school. But once I got to college, um, my defensive back coach named Darwin Dixon, I mean, Daryl Dixon, he uh, he basically critiqued, you know, film down to a T for us and let us, you know, basically helped us propel and learning how to, you know, dissect a, an offense and, you know, peep their tendencies, you know, uh, for like they can they can get to different – they can get to the same play out of different formations. 
you know, just, you know, what is this guy doing when his hand's heavy in the ground or when he's light on his, you know, and he's light on his hand or, you know, what what type of, you know, what type of motions that they do and what, what plays they get out of that. You know, I feel like film study is definitely imperative. And when, if I, when he finally started to click for me, man, I just, I really was in a film, I've really, you know, been in a film room a lot ever since because, you know, it helps, man, especially when, you, you know, you, you see something and it comes to fruition on the field. That's like one of the greatest, that's like one of the greatest feelings ever because, you, you know, you basically visualize it off of watching that film. Okay, same question for you. Uh, I'll jump to the big man. And once again, people oh. don't realize film big guys study and what they do with it. Tell me about that for you. Oh, uh, well, my, in, in high school, my coach used to tell us, you know, just look at what they do for each play, you know? And, I, and that's how I started looking at it like that. And, um, and in high school, I used to look at, like, you know, they, the center used to look between his legs and then look up at me and then count one, two, three, and then, and then snap. Those were, the, those were the tendencies that I, I always looked for on, on the game field. You know, if he, if he looked between his legs at the quarterback, then he looked up at me, I already count. One, two, three. If he count at three and he snapped the ball and he does that five times on the game film, I'm pretty sure that he's going to do that when he sees but those are the tendencies that he has. Those were the those were the tendencies that I was looking for back in high school. Um, then until I got to college, and um, I started looking at. Then I started learning about okay, if the left guard got like two a two yard split and a, and a right guard got a one yard split, that's gonna be a a, 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 a reach block. You know, and that's when I started learning about you know the footwork of it. You know, the okay, I got look at I got look at the whole picture, not just at the center. Um, and then, and also too, I used to look at myself, but now in college, I kind of do both. I kind of do. So if the coaches go and talk about the other team, I might talk, I might go and watch practice and see, and see how, how I look at practice, you know, and stuff like that. Or if the coach talk about practice, I try to go and look at the game film against the opponent team. You know, I just try to keep watching film on my own, try to learn on my own. You know, I trust the coaches, but I also do want to know and get my own understanding as well. Okay, got it. And I think we've just been joined by, let's see who just joined us. Uh, let's see, it could be one of two people. I could Hi, try to guess. Keith. Who just topped on with us? Is that Keith? Keith, yes. It is Keith. Okay. Hold on for just a moment, Keith. Uh, I have loads of questions for you, young man. And uh, good luck to you. I know that you're currently trying to figure out, or maybe you have coming up next to you in your your football and future. Yes, uh, still figuring that out. I'm actually going to uh, Buffalo. Now, is this breaking news? Am I allowed to break this as news? No, I announced this on Twitter about uh, I think a week and a half ago. Oh, oh well. I'm okay with that. Okay, well, congratulations. Uh, it's a great program. Uh, a lot of really good players have come out of that program, and it's, it's a program on the rise, as you already know. Congratulations, uh, Young Bull, right? Officially Young Bull. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, hang out for me and I have a couple of, so we're talking weight room film room. So I'll have some questions for you about the beginning of your athletic career and then we'll talk weight room film room. Uh, sticking with what we just said about film room questions, I'll stick with you, Rashad, then I'll hop back over to Lamont. Tell me about a play that you made, because you're talking about spotting tendencies and things like that. A play that you made because of that, being a student of the game, that you could not have made. There's no way you would have made this play if you hadn't been watching tape. Uh, and especially if it was a big play. But tell me about what play that was and what you spotted. Um, okay. I was in the zero. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. Go ahead, go ahead, big dog. Um, I was I was in the zero, and um, I think I was playing against uh, South Point. Uh, that's in Rock Hill uh, back in high school, and um, and the guard uh, had a two yard split, and I seen where the other the, the left guard had a two yard split, and the right guard had a two yard split too. So they left me one to one against the center, but the center had his right leg caught back, so I knew that he was gonna gonna uh, drop back to his right. So I went to his left, and it was a smooth settling after that. It was a nice, clean hit to the quarterback. I loved it. It was a big play for the third down. And I learned that from from just watching film. Okay. Got it. And I'll, I'll hop over and ask that same question of you. Uh, so now, Lamont, tell me about a play you made. Apparently uh, it was like a game-changing or game-impactful play that you made because of something you spotted in your in your tape study. Tell me about that play. Right. So uh we were playing uh IUP. Um and um at the time they were number two ranked team in the nation. So it was a home game, night game, and they you know they had a mobile they had a mobile quarterback that was getting out the pocket all game. And uh they were driving down on us. We were up we were up six points. They drove down to about, I say about like the ten or eight yard line, and you know we was in uh this we was in a fire zone and basically my fit you know I was under three player, and my fit you know versus the run was front side a gap so uh play before this the the, the actually play that I made so the play before they ran it you know I fit it up and. You know, it was a uh, it was a gun there. It was gun there, with one out, with one flanker out out wide. So after they ran that play, they got in the same formation, like hurry up offense. They got in the same formation, and uh, I just knew, you know, my under three player with my my three would be the back based off of what formation they was in. And as soon as I saw. Since I already fit it up, you know, they didn't get no yards off of that first that first play that they ran. As soon as I saw the back step, you know, basically the fake, you know, for um, an RPO. As soon as I saw that, you know, I just I just buzzed my eyes out um, to to the to the number one receiver, and I, I basically drove out to the number one receiver based off his, you know, with with stem, his release and his stem to do a slant. And I got my eyes back to the quarterback, and next thing you know, I saw the ball. And, you know, I took it for 103 yards for the game with a touchdown. So, I mean, that was that was, uh, that was was something that, you know, we studied during film, you know, during the week before that game. And, you know, that was just like a play that, you know, that always resonated with me and, you know, stick with me because 
it was a it was a vital play to knock the number two team nation the number two team in the nation off. And uh, it was basically came off of film study, you know. So that's that's what I say about film study, man. It's definitely vital, and it could pay off. Yes, there there is not a more satisfying feeling on the planet Earth, right, than a game ending game winning interception. Like there can't be anything yeah. more, more 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 satisfying. Because the other team thinks they've got momentum, thinks they're driving. Oh, it's all defensive up in here. I love it. Okay, good. So right. <laughs> nobody on the other side of the ball to ruin things. Um, so they think they, you know, and let's be honest, all the rules of football nowadays basically favor the offense. So oh, yeah, when you sure. take all that momentum, all the advantages that they give to the to the offense nowadays, you take all that away from them. And you take the ball, which is the most important thing, and you take it and go all the way the other way with it, hats off to you. I've never had one of those in my entire life, be um, anywhere close to it. The only really game-changing play I ever made in my whole entire life was a, a – I blocked a punt once. I was a special okay. teams guy only by the time I got to college. I was not good enough to play offense or defense. So hats off to anyone who managed hey. to, to do that. Right on, man. Hey, no play is important, more important than the next. You know, every play counts. So, hats off to you for blocking that punt as well. Okay, well, there you go. There. Say, Coach Hurd, <laughs> if you're listening, Coach Hurd, somebody appreciates me. Um, <laughs> 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 but every good coach never wants you to be satisfied. I'm going to speak of people who are not satisfied. I'm going to bring in Keith, who excelled, uh, killed it, and then said, I'm going to go up to the top level, I'm gonna take my my talents to to the FBS and uh, see what I can do. So that's exciting. So first of all, Keith, thank you for joining us. Tell me a little, tell me a little bit about how you got started as an athlete, uh, where you started, and who started you as an athlete. Um. So I mean, I started playing football in third grade. Um, you know, I think I was kind of inspired by my dad. Um, you know, my dad played at Rutgers. He got drafted, um, I think, in 82 to Miami Dolphins. So, I mean, football's been in my blood with him. And, you know, he kind of got me started with my career. And then, you know, going throughout high school, I was actually a quarterback. Um, I played quarterback, you know, junior, senior year of high school. I started my senior year. And, you know, that was definitely, you know, my first love, you know, controlling the whole game. Uh, with the ball is a, a special feeling. So at first, you know, I was like that, but then uh, coming out of high school, I was getting recruited for a linebacker because, you know, I definitely had some defensive film to go along with, you know, my offensive highlights. So, you know, I was getting recruited uh, for that linebacker spot and Lehigh was pretty much the only one that was willing to offer me that linebacker spot. And so, you know, that's where I kind of, I kind of fell going uh, into the college realm. And you I mean, it worked out the best for me. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Okay. I had a Lehigh quarterback on recently, um, and he talked a lot about uh, where Lehigh is, right? A lot of people don't even know where Lehigh is. He talked a lot about where it is and how, he, how taken he was with that part of the country, and he set a bunch of records up there. And um, I think he's working in the business world now, but – uh, he was, in my mind, good enough. Uh, the issue is just getting the opportunity. It's just so hard. But, yes, and, of course, Lehigh has tremendous – I think he was in the business school. He bragged about Lehigh's business school. Uh, so so hats off uh, to getting to 
a great school, two great schools, right? Way to go. Um, in fact, I yeah, guess Lamont you, you. Started out, Lamont, you started out at Ball State with Coach Limbo, right? Yes, sir. Hats off to Coach Limbo, who I don't think people Definitely. mention him enough when they mention uh, just a, a great person and right. a hell of a football coach on top of it. Definitely. He's definitely more than just a coach, man. He's a great guy, and, and yep. he steers you right in life. You know, he definitely brings the best out of you. I, 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 hope we all, I hope we all get to have an impact like that on, on young people. A lot of times people focus on the wins and the losses, and, hey, we all are competitors. We all want to win. Everybody wants to win. Uh, but I don't think enough attention is paid to the impact that coaches have in the lives of the young men, some of whom, you know, don't have strong father figures. Sometimes right. the first man, some of these young men had in their life who said, hey, this is right, this is wrong, and this is, I expect more of you, and I know you can do better, and I love you, and I respect you. Sometimes the first man to do that in some young men's lives was a football coach. So is football painful? Does football hurt people? Does football do th things that sometimes aren't always the best? Sure. But I think when we do all the math on football, I think football comes out mostly to the good. Most definitely. Most uh, definitely I'm just, yeah. Yes, go ahead. I was just getting ready to say, man, football teaches you about um, so many things in life, you know, especially, you know, when it's adversity, you know, and things are getting hard when to persevere through and, you know, to, 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 to dig deep and situation that you, you you don't think that you can right no i could not agree more i agree a thousand percent um i mean i've i've had the great pleasure of serving my nation and we did an informal poll in my unit and so 36 men you know in my unit and of the 36 men in my men in my unit 15 of them have played either high school or college football that's over half um, I mean, almost half, right. sorry, almost half, almost half, just short of half. Uh, and then of the guys who hadn't, a bunch of them have played soccer or track or something. I think there's lessons to be learned, and I think football, especially because you're so dependent upon everyone else. If you're a great track athlete, I mean, certainly it helps to have good teammates, but if you're a great track athlete, you're a great track athlete. If you're a great golfer, you're a great golfer. But in football, right. it doesn't matter how great you are if you aren't able to work with the rest of the team. And that's what I found why so many football players end up in the military, I think, is that mindset of sacrifice and working together and suffering together to achieve something helps you to do lots of things. But like I said, I found it a lot uh, when I was in the Army. Um, so I'm going to stick with you. So Lamont, we talked about the film room. I want to move on to the weight room. That's the other place okay. where football players are really made, right? We, the practice field, the film room, the weight room. Everyone watches the games, but you're already you're you're the painting is drop the paint is drying on the painting by the time you get to the foot by the football field and people are watching the game. But the canvas is laid out, the sketches are made, the measurements are done in the weight room, the film room, and practice. Tell me about the weight room and what role that's played in your development as a person and as a football player. Man, uh, the the weight room is definitely imperative as well. Just you know, coming out of high school, I was probably about 155 pounds soaking wet. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, going out to Ball State and, you know, my, my strength coach, Dave Feely, he was, you know, he's a great guy. You know, he, he always 
made us made us like have to persevere through you know tough situations and that in that in that weight room you know it get real in that weight room and it's just like if you if you're not doing you know some some people are freak athletes right and some people are not so some people need to be in the weight room more than others and i didn't realize that coming from high school and you know that weight room definitely helped me you know prepare on the field because you know, you you reaching you reaching new heights. You know what I mean? Like when you PR in the weight room, uh, you know you're working with your teammates, um, like pushing each other. You know, basically, you know, going through the dungeon with each other. You know, just grinding. You know, and that that weight room is definitely vital in, in football. But at the same time, there's people that be in the weight room a lot and get on the field. You know, that don't make a sound. Hmm. So. You know, I mean, if you approach the weight room in the right way um, and, and, you know, can translate that to the field, I definitely feel like it's imperative when you can do that, for sure. No question. Okay. And could you tell me about maybe some of your moments that you've been proudest of, of, of what you've done in the weight room? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Um, so my true freshman year, uh, my back was broke. Um, I had stress fractures in my back, so I couldn't, I couldn't do anything as far as, you know, weights or anything because everything generates through the back. So all I could do was rest. When I finally got, yeah, when I finally got able to, when I was finally able to be in the weight room with the guys and, you know, really just working with them together, uh, that was, uh, Mm -hmm. it was one time, you know, I bent, I bent when I first hit the 300 mark on the bench and um it was it was just great feeling because I couldn't show what I could do you know prior to that moment you know I couldn't show what I could do because my body was letting me so that's one of the moments that you know will always stick with me forever because the, the excitement in the room and you know the guys just lifted me up and you know just really just basically you know being proud of how far I came and that that's that split moment and me hitting that 300 mark at 18 years old was, was a great feeling man for sure that's one of the greatest feelings for sure yeah well obviously with what you had to do to get to that that's got to be that's got to be special <laughs> I mean it's special yeah, about definitely. what your situation Woof. yeah man. yeah it was it was a long journey man but you know ever since then I've never looked back you know, I've been in the weight room ever since, you know, crushing it. So it's paying off. <laughs> okay. Um, now, obviously, we've got a big man. So I got to spend some big man time giving, so giving the big man some weight room love. So this is your chance, big man. Uh, obviously, a lot of guys get to brag about 40 times, three cones, verticals, whatever. But this is this is your moment to shine. Rashad, tell me about the weight room and your development and what things you did in the weight room. We may have lost Rashad. Well, then I will move over to you, Keith. Uh, I want you to bring me sort of through your quote-unquote upbringing as an athlete. As you said, you had a father who was a very good college player, got an opportunity to play professionally. That's 
by itself obviously sets you up for different set of expectations than someone who you know their their parents are you know medical professionals or whatever you to some extent we are reflections of our parents uh, at least to to some some extent talk to me about when football clicked for you right not just you're playing football but it hits you that football might be a big part of your life for years to come um you know i think almost around the age where you know i think 12 or 13 you know and pop warner you know i was kind of just bigger and stronger than the other kids playing football and you know it kind of just hit me that you know this could be something i could do you know in my future and be really successful at you know even in those grades you know i had the high school coach coming up to me and saying like hey like you know can't wait excited to have you and you know some private school coaches you know coming trying to recruit me to their schools so that's when i think i kind of realized you know maybe i'm not not in the normal category for football players uh for me so i think you know all those things um with the success and you know other people telling me you know there's something special in you is when you know i kind of thought there could be that future for me all right got it and i'll stick with you as we move forward uh tell me about your high school your your high school coach or coaching staff about things that they emphasize things that matter to them their style i guess you could say and then talking about the big rivalries uh Every, obviously, every you want to beat every team you play, but there's certain games, and there's a term that our offensive line coach Russell uh, Fletcher used to use. He used to have some games, and he said, "This is a head on a pike game," and by that he meant you don't just want to win; you want to kill the ball, cut their heads off, and stick them on pikes. He meant that metaphorically, obviously, people. But uh, tell me about that. Tell me about your your pro, your high school program, the coaching staff, what things they emphasize and style, and then which games did you guys really want to win okay yeah so i'll start with the program um i went to ramapo high school um our head coach was drew gibbs and you know we've been a powerhouse a public powerhouse since the early 2000s we chris sims uh came out of ramapo you know yes. had some really good yep. players chris hogan came out of ramapo um most recently so i mean we've been you know We've had produced great players. I mean, we've had a just great program since, you know, the early 2000s, since when Drew Gibbs uh, took over the helm. And, I mean, you know, he would just preach, you know, it's, ne it's never about one person. It was always about the team. And, you know, me coming in, I thought I was, you know, the top dog athlete, even as a freshman, you know, he was, like, preaching to me about how, you know, you're going to have a great future in this program. So, you know, I thought I was going to come in so and start, you know, quarterback my sophomore year. But, you know, it wasn't about me. So there's a guy who was actually better than me my sophomore year at quarterback. So he started over me. But coach said, you know, you're a good enough athlete to play any, like, to other positions. So, you know, that's when he finally moved me to linebacker. And, you know, I started playing linebacker sophomore, junior year. And that's, you know, how I got, like, how I recruited out of high school and all that. So those are the couple, couple of values he instilled in me and, um, you know, the rest of the players. And, you know, it's taking me to where I am now. And then, you know, talking about the rivalries we have, uh, our main rival should be Wayne Hills. Uh, in two, since from 2000 to 2014 or 15, it was either Wayne Hills or Ramapo winning the state sectional final for us. So, is you know, we're the two top dogs 
you know, our league and our, in the state. So, you know, we were always at each other's throat. And, uh, I mean, I remember my junior year, it was a bloodbath. You know, they ran the ball, I think, 60 times, only threw it about nine times. And, you know, they were just trying to shove it down our throat, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, eventually we lost that game by one point to them. Oh. And, you know, they, so, you know, and then right after the game, right after the buzzer, they ran onto the field and, you know, started stomping on our, our logo R. Oh. Uh, yeah, so that was that was deep in our seated in our memory for the next year. And I remember, you know, coming out as a senior for the following years, like, you know, this is, this is not just a game. This is personal. You know, you got to come after it. And I, that was a really good game for me. I think I threw for two touchdowns, ran for two touchdowns, and then had, I think, the game ceiling pick six. Um, yeah, and earned, uh, like, earned a player of the week for the county or something like that. And then you know, that, for me, that was huge, like, coming out against our rival, you know, making sure you made a statement, like, no, like, you guys did not even have a chance against us. You don't belong on the same field. So Wayne Hills was our thing. And, you know, we, Wayne Hills has also produced, you know, Greg Olson, uh, who is, you know, a top hey, dog brother, back then. Seven play quarterback there? Excuse me? Didn't his brother Kevin also play quarterback there? Kevin also? Yeah, he yeah, he was a really big recruit coming out of high school, but you know, he got in some trouble so he didn't pan out. But I mean he I think he went to Miami. He was he was also a top dog coming out of there. So it was it was good on good, man. It was a good time. Yeah. That's how you that's how you get better though, right? Every coach exactly. I've ever been around has this quote somewhere in his office, right? As as iron sharpens iron, man sharpens man. Every coach I've ever been around has that quote somewhere in his office. Um, so yes, you came from a hotbed, right? So New Jersey, it's funny because we had, um, we talked about South Carolina um, earlier when Rashad was on, how certain states produce a lot of talent, but sometimes people forget to mention them amongst the great high school football states. Everyone always mentions in some order, Texas, Florida, California. Right. Some people mention one first or the other, but those those three always come out. People forget how many great players come out of places like well, you just said New Jersey is a, a, a utter factory. Uh, South mm -hmm. Carolina, for a state with really no major population centers, just every year there's eight or nine guys in the draft from South Carolina who end up making an impact in the league. I mean, there you could be a pretty good all South Carolina team, a pretty darn good all New Jersey. You could put together a pretty good the all New Jersey team. There's some ridiculous animals from New Jersey in the league. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I, like I said, I'm from Virginia. We're particularly prideful. Um, we have a lot of players and a decent number of coaches, right? Um, coach McDermott with the Bills, uh, the Steelers coach, Coach Tomlin. I watched Coach Tomlin play high school at Denby High School. But yes, <clears throat> shout out to all the states that aren't in the big three that produce great players. I'm going to stick with you for another moment here, Keith. So you come from, as you said, I love the term you use, bloodbath, right? So you come through this bloodbath. Um, tell me a little bit about how that perception of having come through, you said good on good, playing against guys who are headed to Rutgers and Miami and uh, Michigan and all kinds of big time programs. 
when your time came, even though you might not have had the same opportunities, how did you decide? How did you negotiate your way through the recruitment process? Because you are playing against guys who are going to the biggest schools in the country. You know, I mean, I was kind of trying to tour camps, you know, in that summer going to my senior year because, you know, I had a pretty good junior year, whether it's, you know, talking about offensive highlights or defensive highlights, you know, I, I thought I was competing against, you know, some of the best. But with New Jersey football, a lot of private schools, you know, own that domain of, you know, getting those Power 5 scholarships or those big FBS schools, um, you know, getting that talent. So I think sometimes public school in Jersey, you know, they kind of get glossed over. So for me, you know, I think when I was getting recruited, um, you know, I was getting like a lot of Patriot League schools, um, a lot of FCS, you know, coming at me. So, you know, during that process, I think I was kind of thinking, you know, all right, if I'm going to FCS, you know, I got to make school count because, you know, you know, FBS is going to be the ones, you know, the NFL is really going to be looking for. So, you know, I thought, you know, Patriot League was kind of a really good fit for me. You know, I could play pretty quickly. I started my sophomore year at Lehigh and, you know, looking at the schools, I think Lehigh kind of offered the best football and academics for me because they just came off, you know, in, in my freshman year, we actually won the league championship nine and two. So I knew, you know, there was rich history in Lehigh and, you know, FCS, uh, you know, dominant. So I thought it was the best fit for me trying to, you know, maneuver my football career and, you know, also like my, also my future, um, you know, after football. Yep. 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 So I'll, I'm going to jump back over to Lamont. Uh, tell me, obviously, your, your recruitment process, you had two, I guess, recruitment processes. Take me through your first recruitment process to your first school, and then take me through your, your re-recruitment process to, to Cal PA. All right. So uh, coming out of high school, um, Ball State was my only uh, Division One A offer. And um, I would have a, I had a couple of D1 AA schools as well, and then some D2s. But um, going up to, I went up to, a, I went, it was the AAU tournament that I went to out there in Indianapolis. Um, and as I, I had to come back out there, well, initially I had to come back out there for the banquet, which was for all the top recruits um, that were going to go to Cal. And at the, I mean, not to Cal, but Ball State. And at the time, I wasn't committed. So um, I get a call, actually, on my way back from that tournament, on my way back to Pennsylvania. And I get a call from the, the coach that recruited me. His name was Jay Bateman. And, you know, he basically was calling me to let me know that my, my spot for my scholarship had closed up. So I initially lost that offer to Ball State. And, you know, at the time, uh, it was a kind of stressful process because I was just trying to figure out where I was going to go to school from there. And uh, signing day was coming up soon. And uh, Ball State actually went to the GoDaddy Bowl. And right before that game, I get a call from Jay Bateman calling me saying that another spot had opened up because um, somebody was leaving. And he, he thought that I would be the first person to call, you know, so. Uh, once he called me, man, I, I I just took advantage of that and I commit. I, I made that commitment to Ball State. So that was my first. That was my first recruitment process. And then coming from Ball State, um, 
at the time, uh, I was going through a lot of things, and I was actually in trouble at the time at Ball State to where I, I wasn't able to where I wasn't able to play um, when I wasn't I was restricted from being with the team due to some off the field issues that I got myself into. And you know, transferring from from uh, Ball State at the time, I was going through some things that were happening at the house. Um, it was an incident at my house where uh, I was home for the 4th of July and uh, it was a shooting in my crib. Um, oh. And, and uh, like, going back to Ball State at the time, I wasn't about to go back to Ball State. I was about to, you know, just be here for my family because I have three sisters and my mother and my sister ended up, you know, getting um, shot and the guy that she was with ended up passing away. So... Oh. At that time, I wasn't about to, you know, go back to school. So I, I, my mom basically pushed me to go back to school. I went back to school, and then um, I got myself into – I dug myself a deeper hole, basically, by selling the drug test out there at Ball State. So at that time, I was suspended uh, for about uh, – my, my, my whole year, my whole sophomore year was – was gone and I wasn't going to be able to come back until my junior year around like the fourth, you know, game. So at that point, uh, I had to make the decision to either, you know, stay or, you know, get back on the field. And so I finished off of that. I finished off that semester and the recruitment process to Cal, um, like I was initially trying to go D1 double A and all the D1 double A schools that I were attending to go to, we're still playing in the playoffs at the time. So I wanted to be out of school the next semester. And um, with that being said, those schools couldn't make a move on transfers because of NCAA rules with them being in the playoffs. And I finally get a call from basically uh, a lot of the PSAC West uh, colleges, which was Slippery Rock, IUP, and Cal. And um, I got a call from Gary Dunn, my, my head coach, and, you know, I'm forever thankful for that man for getting me back on the field because at the time uh, I was in a I was in a rough spot in my life and, you know, I was spiraling downhill. So my recruitment process going to Cal was just, um, it was, it was hectic at the time and I didn't, I wanted to be back close um, to my family with what was going on. So, that recruitment process was definitely uh, a special, a special moment for me just to be able to be back close to my family and to be able to get back on the field and you know continue my education. So that was my recruitment process both times. Yeah. Well, let me just first of all thank you for uh, sharing. I knew some of what you told me. I know not know all of what you just told me. I knew that you yes, run into some off the field issues. I want to thank you for being very honest and forthright and being a man. And owning oh, no doubt. like you didn't want someone else, you didn't say, you know, they treated me wrong or anything like that. You said, I did this, I did that, and I had to deal with it. Uh, that's exactly. impressive. When a, a young person for the first time says, I've, this is a problem I put myself in and doesn't try to find someone else to say, oh, well, because of this, because of that. So thank you for being responsible, no right? Doubt. For being a grown up. Oh, yeah, uh, no doubt, man. I believe, is that Christian? Who just joined us about two minutes ago? Uh, this is Dom. Dom Crozier. Oh, it's Dominic Crozier. 
Okay, so we have our first offensive player. We have to stop all the secret, top secret defensive stuff we've been talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm half, I'm half hitting Dominic. We, I have love for offensive players. Too. They, they have, they have their place in the world. Um, ah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have to have offense. There has to be points scored, so I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> but I, I want to thank you so much. And you you are, I think, one of the real hidden gems in this draft class. Lamont, you and Dom are amongst – like, I'm trying to get the word out, but the word doesn't seem to be getting out as fast as I'm trying, and then we'll see. Uh, but let me uh, let me chop, jump back to Keith for a moment. Uh, so, Keith, tell me a little bit about – what I call the welcome to college football. Uh, obviously, you were the man in high school. You played quarterback. I mean, you you, you player of the week. Uh, you did some amazing things in high school. Then you get to college and no one cares. Um, but tell me about that moment where it hits you. This is not high school anymore. This is something different. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I have a perfect moment. So we were doing some kickoff drills where, you know, you run down, you kind of get your placement feet and, you know, you kind of shed blocks. So I was, you know, as a freshman, you know, you come in, you're, you're not up to shape with all the seniors. You think, you think you're in shape, but then you come to college football, you, you're not in shape as you think you are. So, you know, we are doing those drills and I, I just finished my rep and, you know, I'm dog tired. And so I have to hold the bag for the next guy and our senior fullback H back, who was a monster at the time, he he's he's running down, coming down to me, and I'm you know I think it's just you know you kind of fit shed uh, and then fit the tackle, but you know he's coming rambling down at me, and he picks me up and tosses me on my back, and oh. I remember, yeah, and I remember I'm like this is this is not what I thought this was gonna be. It's like I don't know if I signed up for this, and I remember laying in the ground like dead tired on my ass and I'm like I don't know if I can do this anymore man but uh yeah, that was my welcome to college football just even in practice that was uh it was it turned quick for me yeah that's that's the thing that, that the way that was explained to me right is that you get a lot of guys who like playing football in high school right and they especially if they're good at it then you get to college and the guys who just like football get eliminated like either Either they switch from like to love or they switch from football to something else. And yeah. <laughs> if you just like playing football, you're not gonna you're not gonna make it at the college level. You better you better have a real focus. And then you get to the NFL and it's <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, you, I hope I hope you guys are who are trying to make that jump are in the Whatever the best shape you think the best shape you could be is be in is, add like another hundred percent of shape to that. Because um, NFL practices, it's not that they're more intense so much because they, they have to get so much done. Like there's no walking to anything. It's all go go go. Because you know they they got they're trying to beat Bill Belichick. They're trying to beat the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Like there's no time. Like I, I can't. We can't go over it again. You didn't get it. Get it on your own. I don't have <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not joking. Talk to anyone who's playing the league. It's like they coaches show you something once, you better have it. That's that's especially if you're like an undrafted free agent or a guy who's drafted late. You better not need a second rep 
because you might not get a second rep. You might get that rep. That might be it. That might be your last rep forever. So uh-huh. you better impress somebody with the rep you get. Um, excellent. That is a great story, Keith, because it is so indicative of that jump that you're making. So Dominic Crozier, thank you so much. Uh, I want to begin. Hey, at the, I want to begin at the beginning. So tell me about your birth, not your birth as a person, but your birth as an athlete. Tell me about how you guys started as an athlete. Who gave birth to the athlete version of Dominic Crozier? What happened and why? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess a long story. Uh, as a kid, I played all types of sports. I was playing baseball, soccer, basketball. My dad was a basketball player. I never played football before. Uh, it happened like third grade. All my friends were playing football, and my fr- my dad didn't want me to play football. So um, for years, I was kind of trying to convince him. In fourth grade. Finally started playing football, played running back, and then ever since then it's been kind of football, basketball, track. So I've always been always been the kid, always played multiple sports, never just kind of focused on football, but uh, just going that basketball. I played basketball my whole life, so it's uh, kind of Excellent. how that was me. Well, let's spend some time on your game on on the court. What kind of hooper were you? Are you a three and D uh, guy? Yeah. Were you uh, a uh, guy yeah. who brought the ball up or set other people up? What? Tell me about your game. Yeah, so uh, I I was always a small guy, so I was a point guard. Uh, I was basically my role was to give the shooters the ball and play defense. I can I can shoot a little bit, but uh, I wasn't the primary scorer on the team in most teams. But I was the guy who can defend and score and pass to people when they needed to. So that was my game. <laughs> okay, I got it. So basically, you're describing Rajon Rondo. Yeah, but better shooter, I would say. <laughs> better shooter. Oh. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. Rajon can't shooting version of Rajon Rondo. All right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> now I gotta find some of your um some of your high school basketball tape. Um, yeah, I was trying to find some. But I don't know if it's online or anything, but I'll, I'll find it. I have my way. <laughs> you might be able to. <laughs> uh, I knew where you grew. I know where you grew up. I, I'm sure some. I'm sure it's out there. Um, continuing forward. So. Uh, you also need to track and field. And you may have seen this graphic during the Super Bowl. They ran a graphic during the Super Bowl that showed that between the two rosters, the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers, 58% of the 53-man rosters in the Super Bowl had either in college or high school participated in track and field. Uh, so for people who say, you know, um, you just want to copy out of football or whatever, no, 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 you want to be as well-rounded as humanly possible. Tell me about your track exploits. What events did you run? And what were your favorites? And what were your personal records? Yeah, so I did track all throughout high school. Um, I did the 100, the 200, the long jump, and the 4 by one um, I thought that just it was just helpful for me, especially on the football field. It got me faster. Uh, it got me how to run with, like, perfect form. And especially for now, it's really helped my process running the 40-yard dash for the combine and everything. And having that track background just makes stuff a lot easier. I'm trying to kids now who haven't done track, so a little bit behind. But I feel like if you do, if you do track in high school, it sets you up for college, gets you faster. And if you're trying to go to the next level, it sets you up for the 40-yard dash and everything. So I'm grateful for doing track. Uh, I wish I was able to do it in college, but, I mean, it's spring ball and everything. You're just so busy. But, um, yeah, I'm grateful right. for track. What were, your, what were your personal records in your events, the, your best times, your best jumps? Yeah. Uh, in the 100, I ran a 10-7. Um, then the long jump, it jumped a 22, like a one, 
20, just over 22. Um, four by one. I don't remember the exact time, but um, I think we were number one in the league. And then was it 200? Was it 21 nine? Okay. So, yeah, anything under 22 right. seconds of the 200 meters is, is, is more than getting it. That's not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have one more question for you before I start moving it back around the room. Um, so I'll be from you to Lamont, then Lamont back to Keith. So tell me about your area, right? I know, I know, but uh, for those who don't know about where you grew up and uh, around whom you might have grown up, who were some of the athletes that were around you? Where did you grow up and how did that help to shape you as an athlete? Yeah, uh, so I grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, I know Massachusetts doesn't really get the rep for, like, high school fo- football or sports like that, but uh, we've had athletes, uh, a lot of athletes who go to bigger schools. Uh, one of the best athletes I probably played was A.J. Dillon out of B.C. Uh, we played him in high school. So, I mean, it's definitely – I think Massachusetts is definitely an underrated state. Uh, it's not as big, but I played prep school in Massachusetts, so we had – they're able to recruit from other areas. So, every single week you're playing, multiple guys going to Division One, and other football, basketball, track. So, uh, I'm grateful for Massachusetts. I know it's definitely like down south. They're playing football all year round, so the talent's just a lot like probably better and bigger. But uh, for the the league that we played in at the ISL Independent School League in Massachusetts, it's good competition, and um, it also helped me academically too. So just football and academics really shapes where I am in college. So that's about it. Yeah, and back when I was a graduate assistant, many, 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 many years ago, at University of Illinois. Uh, my boss, actually, who ended up being a head coach for a while in the PSAC uh, at I, um, uh, Coach, um, oh, my God, what just happened to my brain? Um, <laughs> getting old, but, uh, uh, oh, my God, oh, my God, um, I can see him in my mind. Oh, it'll come back to me. But uh, it's funny you mentioned Massachusetts. One of the areas where we were working was uh, Brock. There was a kid out of there who ended up going to Michigan. We, we tried to get him, but he ended up going to Michigan. And Greg McMurtry, and he was a terrific three-sport athlete. Uh, he was a parade All-American in basketball. He got drafted by somebody, the Rangers, I think, maybe, for baseball. Um, wow. And, of course, he was a terrific football player. Went to Michigan, got drafted in the fifth or fourth round by somebody. Knocked around the league for a couple of years. But, but yes, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, doesn't get quite the respect, as you said. Uh, I'm old yeah. enough to remember watching Flutie Brothers, Darren and um, and obviously Doug Flutie, uh, who mm-hmm. had terrific. Uh, and they were, once again, they played every sport. The Flutie Brothers, yeah. baseball, yeah. Uh, basketball, football, basketball. track, and hockey, I believe, if memory serves me correct. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they were like five sport athletes or something crazy like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that, but yeah, I think they, I don't I know, do some of their sports <laughs> overlap, so I guess they must have yeah, leaving yeah. some early, <laughs> you know, or something yeah, to I do that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Hats off to the Flutie brothers, who were ridiculous mm-hmm. athletes. Um, so mm-hmm. back to Lamont. Um, and once again, I, I thank you so much for sharing with us, you know, the, the trials, the trails, tribulations. I hope, first of all, that your family is okay, that everybody's fine, um, despite the, the events that you guys went through. Yeah, man. Thank you. We're making our way for sure. Okay. Well, I'm glad. Once again, I mean, uh, I hope that the healing uh, continues. And so you find your new home, right? Uh, for those who are familiar with the PSAC and don't know 
you know, sort of about it. It's one of the most competitive football leagues. Just I don't care what level you want to talk about. Um, you never know who's oh, yeah. going to beat who. Uh, the team that's at the bottom of the league might beat the team at the top of the league. Uh, it's yeah. it's ludicrously competitive football. For people who aren't familiar with the PSAC, tell them about it. Um, the PSAC, man, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not a conference to be slept on at all. Um, every game, you know, whoever you're playing, they're coming they're coming to play their best football, you know. So um, it's it's either you know get right or get left in the PSAC, <laughs> really. Um, it's a great it's great competition all across the board. Um, like you said, any given game, anything can happen. You know, so you definitely got to come correct every time you step on that field and um, ready to dominate every time because every every team is coming to play their best football against whatever team that you're on. You know, my coach would always say that, um, you know, on their schedule, on the, other, on the opposite team's schedule, you know, they got Cal circled, you know. So uh, when they come and play Cal, they're, they're coming to play their best ball no matter what they did the week before or, you know, weeks before or after, you know, when they play Cal, they're coming to play their best football because they want to upset us, you know. So PSAC is definitely um, great football across the board, especially uh, yep. on both sides, the West and the East. Yes. And uh, I had a minor brain fart a few seconds ago. I forgot the name of my old boss when I was a graduate assistant, Lou Tepper. Thank you, Coach Tepper, for the <laughs> opportunity. Uh, but yes, Coach Tepper finished his career. He's now retired, but finished his career as a head coach in the PSAC. He was a terrific linebackers coach and defensive coordinator for many years at, well, every level of football. And if you want to read a great book, uh, Keith, if you want to read a great book about linebacker play, my old boss, Lou Tepper, wrote one of the greatest books on linebacker play you will ever, 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 ever see. Uh, so if you want to read a great book about linebacker play, that's the man, uh, Coach Tepper. Shout out to you, Coach Tepper. Um, and uh, he became head coach uh, for a little while when Coach Makovic went off to um, uh, to take over at Texas. Um, was, I think, maybe three or four years, maybe five years, something like that, uh, was the head coach there. Uh, then, But he, he did a great job in his days as a coordinator. Uh, Eventually, you know, found his way back to head coaching. Like I said, when he got to uh, uh, IUP, uh, was there from uh, around 2011. Oh, and here we go, another tie-in. Uh, he finished his career, I guess, before he retired. He was the linebacker coach and D coordinator at University of Buffalo, Keith. That's where my <laughs> old, old, old boss finished his coaching career. So if you haven't read uh, Coach Tepper's book on linebacker play, I cannot strongly enough urge you to check that sucker out. Um, well, great yeah. book. Great man, great coach. Uh, and you'll never meet someone who knows more about linebackers than Coach Lou Tepper. Uh, so had a little brain lock. Right back, Coach. I'll never forget you. I knew who you were. I just couldn't – your name escaped me for a second. Um, but, yes, moving back forward. Don't get old, guys. Don't get old. Or take your – take your – um, so I'm going to, uh, jump back around to, to Dom Crozier. So as you said, came from a state where people sometimes sleep on football, but there's some really good football play. Uh, tell me mm -hmm. about your high school, uh, some of the rivalries that you guys, uh, and especially what, if you had what my old 
offensive coordinator, uh, well, line coach, own line coach, called head on pike, uh, head on a pike game. What he meant was, and it was just an expression, but that you want to beat everybody. There's a certain team or maybe a couple of teams where you don't just want to beat them. You would like to kill them, metaphorically speaking, cut their heads off and yeah. stick them on a pike, right? Uh, what, so tell me about the high school you attended, the coaches, the coaching staff, and sort of what their beliefs were, what they built their their program around, and who were the head on pike games for you guys? Yeah, so I went to Milton Academy, uh, a prep school right outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and um, like you said, we had we had a couple games that we knew when we get went into there that it was going to be a tough game, and we knew if we won that game, we'd probably win the league. So those two schools were St. Sebastian's. Uh, Lawrence Academy. Uh, out of Lawrence Academy, like I said, they had A.J. Dillon. They had Christian Garrison. A couple guys went to B.C. right now who started. And then um, at St. Sebastian's, they had a linebacker, Blake Gallagher, who started at uh, Northwestern. Uh, he's there right now. So we definitely, they yep. definitely had some players. And every single week, we try to go in there and beat them. Uh, they beat us a couple of years. We won my sophomore year. We won the championship. Junior year, they beat us sophomore. Then senior year, I got hurt. I was out for the whole year. Tore, I tore ligaments in my elbow. So that was a unfortunate season but um yeah this is those games and my turns that coaching staff they're great oh we have coach mac he's been there for i think 30 some years 25 years and he's already in the massachusetts hall of fame so he's definitely respected within uh massachusetts and new england so i love my time there okay excellent um and i'm gonna bring it back over to lamont so lamont you have now found your way to your second home, basically, as a football player. How long did it take to take you to become a leader? Um, obviously, you came in, you know, with all the things, the expectations, a guy coming from a, a larger program and dealing with all the personal issues. But how long did it take you to become a leader on that new team? Um, it didn't take long at all. Um, when I first got there, uh, you know, just to see how things were ran and, you know, the the way the players, um, you know, acted with each other and towards each other. Um, it was easy to, you know, take a leadership role coming from D1 down to D2 level and to take control of the locker room. But at first, um, some guys, you know, some guys wasn't, you know, really wanting to listen to me because I haven't played a, a snap in their, their program at first. And, you know, my coaches would keep on urging me to, you know, keep on, you know, keep on getting on them and keep on, you know, just being a leader and let it let it just flourish because they would see flashes and glimpses of it. But, you know, uh, just being that I was the new guy in the program and I had to earn those guys' respect, um, it, um, at first it was, you know, at first it was kind of light, but then over time, you know, being with those guys and earning their respect, once I earned my teammates' respect, it was just so easy just to become a leader because of, you know, they respected me and I respected them as well. And, you know, for them for them to know my story and, and also the way I approach the game and my mentality, you know, on and off the field, you know, going forward, um, they just they just followed suit and it was you know, it was easily just to instill that D one mentality into a D one program coming from Ball State to, to California University of PA. Okay. Yeah, and, and it shows. Um, when I when I throw on your tape, I also see the way you interact and communicate with your teammates on in the secondary, particularly. It I can see that you you set a standard, obviously, and, and other people wanted to reach that same standard. So 
Good yes, job. Um, I'm going to ask the Thank same you. question. Uh, Keith, you played quarterback, uh, and then you move over to playing sort of the quarterback of the defense. Tell me about the things that you brought from playing quarterback that helped you in making your adaptation to now you know, concentrating on playing defense. And then we can talk about the physical transformation because you came in with a quarterback's body and then you very clearly have a linebacker's body now. So uh, tell me about the mental side of becoming a, a full-time linebacker and then talk about the physical transformation. Um, you know, I think it was kind of easy mentally because, you know, as a quarterback, you got to think so much pre-snap and during the play that, you know, you got to decide what the defense is doing and decide what to do with the ball that, you know, I think it came very easy for the linebacker side of me to come out because, you know, it's almost the same thing where, you know, you got to communicate the defense pre-snap with, uh, you know, the secondary and the front, make sure, you know, what they're doing. And then also during the play, whether it's, you know, uh, recognition of the formation or, you know, you see the tight ends line back, uh, line back a little bit more, see if he's going to tie it back. But, you know, I think it was the mental transformation was, wasn't that hard and actually helped me a lot knowing, a lot what the spread offenses were doing, you know, who they were reading and, you know, RPOs or uh, some of their other plays. So, you know, that was really good for me coming in. And then, you know, for the physical side of it, you know, I came into Lehigh probably around 200 to 205 pounds. So, you know, I was a pretty light guy. They thought about, you know, even moving me to safety, but, you know, that just really wasn't for me. I knew, I told them, it was like, hey, you know, I'm going to play linebacker. You know, I might be a little bit light, but, you know, I'll get there. So, you know, coming in to my spring freshman year, you know, I def I really worked hard at, you know, putting on that weight and, you know, <clears throat> working hard in the weight room. Because, you know, I, I love <clears throat> whatever it is, you know, whether it's on the field or off the field in the weight room, you know, you just, as an athlete, you just love to get after it. So that was me in the weight room. I just got after it every day. And I think I put on around 15 pounds uh going into my sophomore year, so I probably weighed around 215 to 220 uh, that year. So, I mean, every year after that, you know, I kept just, you know, focusing on physically developing my body in the off season, and, you know, making sure I was ready for the season in the fall. And what do you weigh now? Right now I'm weighing around 230. Okay. Yes, so you very much look like a linebacker now. Like you, you the, the quarterback body is is now gone. Correct. Yeah, I'm I'm all linebacker now. Oh yes. Yeah, I mean, look at your neck. You know, that's that's, a, that's the first thing that gives it away. You don't see any quarterbacks with a neck like that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. All my friends say, you know, you got no neck anymore. You're trapped with <laughs> your ears. But uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's uh, it was a transformation for sure for everybody to see. Yeah. Um, I'll spend one more question on the weight room and then we'll move it around. So, uh, for people who are wondering about how differently you had to approach the weight room, uh, what are the things you've been concentrating on and what are your favorite, uh, lifts? What are the things you really like to do when you get into the weight room? I mean, for me coming into college, I think the big thing I've wanted to focus on was the bench, especially because, you know, you got to fight off you know, those 300-pound linemen, you know, making sure you got to shed off of them and make the tackle. So I definitely want to improve that coming into college. You know, something, you know, you focus on the big ones like, you know, squat too, you know, making sure you have the leg power to, you know, drive running backs back. And, you know, um, I think those are the two things, you know, I really focused on. But 
I think one of my favorite lifts is actually, you know, the hang clean or the power clean. You know, you actually have to, yeah, so, you know, you incorporate some athleticism into, you know, your lift, the Olympic lift. So, you know, I always really enjoyed that. So, you know, I always, I always got excited on leg day, you know, when we got to uh, do the cleans. So that was me. What are your personal records in uh, hang clean and power clean? At Lehigh, I think my record for hang clean was 315. I got the three plates up. Oh, okay. That's not too shabby. Yeah. You know what your best are in any, any of your other lifts? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if I've had the best numbers. But I think my best bench was around 325, and I think I squatted around 465. But I think, you know, I use the weight as best as possible. Yes. Once again, that's why you clearly no longer look like a quarterback. Uh, I'm going to move it back over to Dom. Tell me about your process in terms of being recruited. How did you, one, how did it begin for you? And then how did you figure out, was there someone, a coach, was there a family member? Who else helped you to navigate the process, move through the process of being recruited and making your decision? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, luckily I had some people help me in my corner, uh, my parents and my head coach at a high school. Uh, I, I getting recruited. Uh, it was a fun process, but it was definitely difficult. Uh, junior year, I was looking at some bigger schools, uh, BC, Duke, Maryland, uh, all these schools, Army, I'd offer them, UMass and them. And then, um, like I said before, senior year, I tore ligaments, ligaments in my elbow the second half of the first game. And then after that, like, a lot of coaches kind of stopped calling. They're not as consistent as they were before. And then um, Holy Cross is still there, like, calling me every single day, like, texting me and all this stuff. So uh, I thought that was kind of an easy process. I knew that if they were with me when I was down, they're definitely going to be with me when I'm up. So I committed there uh, my the fall of my senior year. Uh, ever since then, it's been grateful. My head coach is there. With, my head school head coach is there with me every single step. So he also went to Holy Cross. So it was kind of like an easy process to know to go there. And, uh, yeah. Okay. And uh, I'll ask one more question of you regarding your transition there before we move it back around the room with some other questions. So we talk about this. Uh, Keith uh, got to tell us about his. Uh, everyone's had a story sort of about their quote-unquote welcome to college football moment. <clears throat> what was yours? When did you suddenly have this moment where there was this stark realization, oh, this is not high school anymore. This is something very different. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, aside from everyone being, like, twice the size of me, I remember going into camp, and then we looked at, like, the depth chart, and there was – I was, like, fifth strength. There was four guys ahead of me. And I remember all all offseason coaches saying, yeah, like, you're going to be the guy, you're going to be the guy. They go in the locker room. There's four guys I've never even heard of in front of me. I was like, wow, like, this is college football. And I remember I had to wear – I didn't even start playing until, like, the sixth, seventh game of the year. I was just – this train between like four other I was a wide receiver going out when I went into high college so uh, there's four other seniors in front of me and I was like wow like this is, is kind of how it's going to be like no one really talking to anybody seniors didn't really talk to freshmen back then so uh, it's kind of lonely at those points but that was kind of my welcome to college football moment yeah it certainly makes you appreciative of when you finally get a chance to play doesn't it yeah definitely especially when I'm switching a running back Wide receiver is tough just knowing, like, I played running back my whole life. I played wide receiver when I went to college. So it was definitely tough in the beginning, but I uh, went through it and got through it. 
and before we move on, tell me about that. I mean, as you said, this happens. I mean, coaches will say, okay, I know you played position X your whole life or most of your life, but I see you as this. Uh, what was that like trying to figure that out? And what things did you have to do to try to make that transition? Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of tough. Uh, I thought that I'd be too small to play the division one running back. So I thought wide receiver would be good for my body. And I know there's guys, a couple guys in front of me who are really good at their position. So I just try to learn from them. But uh, it was kind of a tough process just knowing that, I mean, I, like I said before, I played running back my whole life and trying to switch position. But uh, there's injuries like the sixth, seventh game of the year, and I switched back to running back. And then ever since then, the game just came so slow to me and just natural. So uh, that was like, a good switch happening in the game. Would you say, Dom, there was anything that you maybe learned or gained from trying to learn to play a second position before you just went back to your more natural position? Were there any things that you were able to take from the experience of trying to play wide receiver? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely learned with wide receiver, you definitely learn more of the offense. Like, you know the reasons why certain routes happen and certain stuff happen. So being a, being a wide receiver in the beginning of my career, is, it kind of everything kind of opened up to me, like the offense, the reasons why, because we – met with quarterbacks like twice, three times a week. So there's no more of the offense. So I went to running back. A lot of the blocking schemes, wide receiver schemes, schemes are a lot easier to me to understand. So I definitely learned more about the offense when I went to wide receiver and running back. Got it. I'm going to swing back around to Mr. Lamont McFadder. So you're in your new home. You're adapting to playing PSAC football, which, as we said, is basically like a knife fight every week. and you've become one of the guys that people look to on the team. Going into your last ride, right? I mean, you've been a college football player for a while, and now this is your last chance, your senior year. Yes, sir. Tell me about the mindset and the goals that you set, uh, personal goals, team goals. Tell me about the, the things you came into your final year with. Um, Basically, you know, to enjoy it all, man. You know, just um, I know that, uh, there was a lot of speculation about just, you know, what's after this and, um, you know, but I, I just kind of like honed in on just focusing on it now. So, you know, my, my goal was to really just enjoy it all with my teammates, you know, soak it up with my teammates, you know, have fun and continue to lead with my teammates. You know, um, my personal goal was to become a better leader than I was the year before. So, um, I did a lot of, you know, studying and research on that and, you know, team goals. We obviously wanted to win the PSAC and um, going to the college football playoffs and win the national championship. We ended up falling short. But most importantly, man, I, I just, I definitely, you know, enjoyed it with my teammates, man, just the camaraderie and, you know, my teammates looking up to me. At the same time, it was, you know, it's all a great feeling, man. And I just wanted to continue to be a blessing to other people, you know, just to be the best me so I can bless other people. You know, if I'm not at my best, then how can I uh, push others to be their best, you know? So that was that was basically my goal, just to remain focused and, you know, leave a mark leave, leave a mark with my teammates for them to uh, pick up and, and carry. How do you feel – Looking back now at, at your senior season, how do you feel like your goals that you set personally and, and for the team matched up to the way everything ended up playing out? 
Um, definitely, man. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of um, maturation between um, the, the young guys that, you know, I had to, you know, guide along the way. Um, and that's not even just on the field. It's uh, literally off the field in the classroom. Um, you know, so uh, I feel like I've done my job for that because, you know, looking back on this 20 years from now, um, I'm not going to remember wins or losses, you know. I'm, I remember the times with the guys, you know, my teammates, my coaches. And for me to be able to uh, influence those guys and to continue to, you know, push the best, push for them to be their best, um, looking back on it, I definitely would say that, you know, I definitely, you know, did my job in more. And um, now it's, it's those times, it's, it's, it's time for those guys to, to be the leaders now because everything that I instilled in them, they all know what it takes. And, you know, it's on them now. You know, they don't have a, you know, big bro there to to, to lead them, you know. So it's time for them to stand on their own two feet. Okay. And, and that's a great point to make. Um, as I've mentioned all of you, uh, I hope you do appreciate and and love the experiences you're having. It will be over so quickly. Uh, it will make your head just utterly spin. But yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned some of those things about the things that will, that will stay with you as you move forward. And right. I'm gonna, gonna jump back over, over to Keith. Uh, once again, obviously you played leadership positions most of your football life. Tell me about your leadership, your leadership style, Keith, and what things you try to uh, move, inspire, uh, push, whatever term you want to use, the players around you to achieve, or how do you, and how do you get them to do it? Uh, <clears throat> I think with my leadership position, you know, I've never been the most vocal rah-rah guy, um, you know, in the locker room. I've always tried to inspire through, you know, hard work, and, you know, I think have kids, kids in my class or, you know, below me have seen my development, you know, coming from, you know, not even traveling my freshman year to away games, you know, not playing a game to, you know, being All-American senior year. So I think, you know, you know, the slow development and, you know, kind of like, you know, put your head down, hard work, kind of, you know, mentality, you know, always trying to improve yourself. I think a lot of people have, you know, taken that. I think, you know, with the status, you know, it kind of brings people along, you know, people see, you know, you being successful and, uh, you know, striving to be your best. I think that inspires others to be their best. I think that's my, how my leadership role has developed over my time in college. And with that, you know, I think I've, in the future, you know, I definitely want to try to be more vocal and, you know, try to inspire through my words. And, you know, it's something I need to improve on with that. Okay. And, and I have to mention, uh, as you sort of touched on very briefly, you had a tremendous career at Lehigh. What inspired you to decide, one, to pursue this new opportunity? And how did you finally decide to become, as you said, a, particularly become a young bull? Um, you know, I think, you know, it's development throughout Lehigh. You know, at the beginning of this year, I really thought, you know, this was going to be the end of my career. You know, I had solid sophomore and junior years, but, you know, nothing to, you know, raw, uh, you know, hang your hat on. You know, I wasn't all league or anything like that, even my junior year. Um, so, you know, I really thought this was my last year. And, you know, we had a whole new coaching staff come in and my new linebacker coach, uh, 
Charlie Noonan, you know, he came in and said, you know, this is your last chance, you know, to like really, you know, put your pedal to the metal and, you know, see what you're really about. And, you know, he challenged me. He said, you know, like I, you have the athleticism, you got the size, you know, you could be something special if you really put your mind to it, you know. I took that and kind of ran with it, you know, with all-season workouts, you know, preparing for games. Um, so, you know, I think that my final season, you know, and then I came out with the results I did, it kind of opened my eyes, you know. I was like, hey, there might be an opportunity after this year to, you know, keep playing, whether it's, you know, a fifth year at a bigger school or, you know, maybe uh, potentially professionally uh, somewhere else. So, you know, with that um, – I think it was just a, you know, final good year for me. And then my decision with the uh, going to Buffalo, um, you know, I was getting recruited, you know, for my fifth year. Uh, a lot of coaches were reaching out to me saying, you know, what's your ideas? You know, what are you looking for in defense? And, you know, um, you know, I was trying to sift through and, you know, make the best decision for me because, you know, you get reached out in this fifth year process by, you know, the top of the top. Like, you know, I, I got reached out by Utah University, Baylor, uh, like, you know, big power five schools, but, you know, you also have, you know, schools reaching out to you in the D2 levels like, hey, you know, what, what do you think about coming here? You know, you just got to sift through, you know, what the best decision for you is. And, you know, I thought Buffalo provided the best, you know, I could play right now and also, you know, have the highest competition possible. You know, we play opponents like Ohio State and Kansas State. So, you know, we're going to be playing some really good competition. You know, I think that was, you know, a selling factor for me that I could still prove that you know I could play against I could play against the best and compete against the best and uh, I think that was my final decision with them yeah well and I'll just mention one other uh, person who came out of the Buffalo program the Ohio State game is the game that launched Khalil Mack as a, a top NFL prospect he came out against Ohio State and was the best player on the field and people who had either heard of Khalil Mack but you know Meh, or had not heard of Khalil Mack. Everybody after that game knew who Khalil Mack was. And I had been talking about Khalil Mack before that game. He had had, a, I thought he had a really terrific junior year, but he came out that last season. And I don't think of goal setting. Um, he was physically bigger, but faster than he'd ever been before and was an unstoppable killing machine against Ohio State. Uh, a team that was loaded and they could do nothing with, with Khalil Mack. And when, um, when Urban Meyer came out, to talk to him after the game, Durham Meyer like ran over to him and grabbed him and said, like, you know, you're amazing. You know, you're like, you're, <laughs> you're, the best, you're the best defensive player I've seen in a long time. And you know, Urban Meyer's coached a few places, kids. I mean, you know, he's been around. Uh yeah. I think he compared he compared him to like Derek Thomas or something. I mean, he you know, I mean it was it was a moment. And so yes, if you come out and you, you know, are destroying Ohio State, I think Keith Russell's name will be bounced around. I mean, maybe not Khalil Mack level, but we'll hear, you'll hear you'll get some more talk. Oh, for sure. That's what, that's what I'm hoping for. Well, I'll be watching. I mean, I'd be watching anyway, but I'll, I'll be super watching now, obviously. <laughs> um, do you know what your what your jersey number will be at Buffalo? I do not. That's uh, something I need to talk about with my position coach. But uh, uh, I don't know if threes – I might have to retire the three and leave that at Lehigh. But uh, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three's tough to get. Uh, so when you know, when you love, when you know, let me know. So I'll, I'll know. Um, you know, obviously, when I'm trying to watch all 22, I'm going to find you. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to jump back to Dom for a moment. So 
you finally get to move back to a more natural position, you start to make an impact. We talked about the way you in the film room um, with some of the other guys. I haven't talked about that much with you. Now, obviously, Dom, you're, you're like me. You're a normal-sized human being. You're not little. You're just normal size. People just think you're little because you're used to seeing a bunch of freaks. Um, tell me about what the have allowed you to do, Dominic, in your development as a player. Wait, can you repeat that? I got to broke off a little bit. Oh, I was saying, uh, Dom, tell me about what the weight room and the film room have allowed you to do. You're, you, as you said, you, you've, you're, you're going back to playing running back, obviously, which is great. And now you're having to prepare yourselves for the physical rigors of being a college running back. Tell me about what the weight room has done for you. And then tell me what the yeah. film room has done for you in allowing you to also be more productive. Yeah, definitely. I think those are two most two of the po most important things uh, being successful on the field, the weight room especially. Uh, coming in, I was pretty small. Um, I didn't really – we lifted a little bit in high school with nothing compared to the college. And then my first two years, I was only gained like five pounds. And junior year, I kind of exploded for a new strength program, new coaches and everything. And uh, ever since then, I was able to gain like 10, 15 pounds just off the bat. And my numbers got up so dramatically in football. And just pairing that with – film also I think is really important watching film of quarterbacks because quarterbacks you know you have to watch everything on the field just knowing why linebackers do this why corners do this and I think once I was able to kind of master the film game just my running back ability just got a lot better like a lot of people I think that's also one of the biggest jumps from high school to college is knowing what to look at in film and how to attack like defenses so I think like after I was able to kind of learn that and master that just my skills just got a lot better and just Pairing that with the weight room just helps football in general. Got it. Okay, I just want a quick head count. I think I may be missing somebody. So thank you for being so patient. Okay, so I've got Lamont, I've got Dom, I've got Keith. Who else is on with me? Rashad. You are back. Very excited yes, to have you. Okay, excellent. I have so many questions for you. Okay, uh, quick little catch up. So. Uh, tell me about the depth chart when you get on campus and how long did it take you to climb the depth chart um, and and when you finally started to really make an impact on the field? Um, the depth chart, I was like number three. Uh, we ran a 3-4 a, a defense. I played zero, so we ran a, a half, number three my freshman year, one senior left, so I got moved up to two, and I just had to beat a junior out. For my second year, so I just had to grind and push and and and, and overwork and and outwork him, and that was my my, my main goal for the whole summer and fall camp was just to, was just to beat him. Okay, and yes, we talked weight room, film room. Um, so you talked. I think you talked a little bit about what the film room did for you, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and obviously. That's when it was I lost you, right? I was asking about your room. Okay, so, uh, so weight room. Um, obviously, you're a big guy. Uh, yes, sir. Everyone, even, I mean, Dom and I are normal-sized people. We're not little. We're just normal-sized people around very large people. Uh, so, but you are one of the very large people that makes us look less than normal yes, size. Yes, So, tell me about what the weight room has done for you. And what are the things that you've worked on and to help you develop in the weight room? Oh, man. Uh, 
I eat, sleep, the weight room. Um, squat is the biggest thing because that's how you anchor down in offense and defense. Offense and defense around, so squat is big key. But I love bench. Squat and bench is, is, is my biggest focus point. Um, bench so I can get the guy off of me, um, shed blocks, squat so I can anchor down. And power clean is the third one for me because you got to be – Explosive. That's the biggest thing with offense and defense line is how explosive you are. And power clean and, and hand clean is is a big key, and it really shows how explosive you are. Got it. Perfect. And can you give me like your personal records? Like what are what are your best numbers in those lifts? Um, my best numbers. I bench press four five. Um, that was literally. Uh, right after I tore my label. Oh. And, um, I bench pressed four or five. Yeah, I was really big. I was 350, 350, but I was just real big. I slimmed out a lot. But uh, and squat, 645, hard clean, 315. Okay. So what's my number? Yes, sir. Those are, those are very solid numbers. Um, yeah, yes, sir. And, and we, we were sort of bidding for the guys who were – at their last year, talk to me about the mindset that you had going into your final season. Uh, what were some of the goals you might have set? Personal goals and, oh. and team goals. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, my, my first personal goal was I wanted to make sure I was on every play, every, every, every down. I wanted to be at the screenshot on every film. After every, after every cut scene, you know, I wanted to be in the screen. Um, another goal was I wanted to be the defensive sacks. And tackles for loss, and I have did both my last season. Team goal, team goal was to uh, be the number one defense in the um in our division, and we was number five. We were actually number five, but we was like number three in run stops and running defense. So we really we we, we really got down. Our linebackers love coming downhill, so those was one of our goals. And as you mentioned, you know, you've been, quote, unquote, bringing sexy back. Uh, what is the actual factual now on your height and weight as you as you turn yourself into a powerful but slender version of yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm like six foot 320. Um, you know, I, I wanted to slim down because, you know, at the end, end of the league, they're looking for speed. You know, in the league, they're looking for speed. And me being six foot, I got to be less weight. So I wanted to get down like 310, 305. I feel like that's, that's, that's the best suit for me at my height. And I feel like the scouts would like that about me. Okay. So that means that you're – are you thinking about being more of a, a three-technique guy than like a zero? I mean, what, what are you hearing and what are you thinking about what position you might be playing? Um, I, I would probably be more – of a three technique, um, I'm not shy. I'm I would never shy away from doing my job. So if they ever put me into the five, I know how to work the five. I know how to work the zero, and I know how to work the three and the one. I, I feel like personally that I am an all-purpose defensive lineman. You put me anywhere, and I would do my job and and execute. Okay. And who are your favorite? We talked about your favorite basketball players. I can't not talk about your favorite football players. Uh, who are your favorite guys to watch and why in terms of football? Um, 
when I was younger, I used to love watching Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp is someone that I really looked up to, and I still do look up to. I still watch his highlight films. Um, the the Dominican Sue, um, Aaron Donalds are, are other two. Oh, um, uh, and an old guy, an old school guy, I used to like was was Deacon Jones. Deacon De- okay. De- Jones was really good. That that head slap was very very crucial. <laughs> now, when I'm 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 highly upset that they took it away, but yes, he he was a good athlete. What he's the reason they took the head slap away was because he was unstoppable with the head slap. Um, and people people used to think that the purpose of the head slap was to stun the, the offensive lineman. No, it's just to get him to blink his eyes. He just wants you to Sorry. blink because he was so quick. Yeah, that wow, <laughs> right. Once you blink, that's it. By the time you you're done blinking, he's past you. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are some great names. I'm gonna give you one more guy to watch, especially if you're gonna end up playing three technique. My favorite three okay. technique, and I love Warren Sapp, but my favorite three technique of all time is John Randall. Check out okay. John Randall. I will. Uh, I will. Okay. Uh, same question. I'm gonna jump over to you, Lamont. Who are your favorite football players to watch, and why, Lamont? Um, in the modern day, um, definitely uh, Tyron Matthew, Earl Thomas. Um, you know, growing up, I would watch uh, Brian Dawkins and Ooh. Ed Reed as well. Those are those are the guys. You know, I try to um, try to try to you know peep their game. You know, peep they, what they do and how versatile they are, and um, you know, emulate that into my game as well. And you know, just to up at a level in my game. Well, here's the crazy thing. The way the game is played, you could literally have all four guys on the field at the same time, right? You could right. You, you could have Brian Dawkins as almost like a nickel or, or dime linebacker, a guy who comes down to the box. And he can cover, too. I mean, he can stay with running backs and tight ends. Um, right. is one of the great slot defenders in the history of the planet Earth. Um, I mean, yeah. that's amazing at that. Uh, Earl is like a classic free safety. Earl and, and then Ed can play strong. He's going to play nowadays. He can play strong safety. Uh, that's a great right. You can have all four of those guys at the same time nowadays. That's an exciting bunch. Hard to argue with. Uh, right. <laughs> and I got to talk, I got to talk uh, weight room with you. So tell me about your things that you work on, Lamont, in the weight room, and what are your, your numbers in the weight room? Um, I try to I try to work on you know just being explosive, explosive. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that I do, um, I try to make sure that it correlates to you know doing doing stuff on the field. You know, so basically, you know, um, I do a lot of stuff with uh, you know, just explosion, man. Just as far as being agile out there on that field and being able to you know twi- you know transition them hits out there and you know high speed. And to be able to do that and, you know, strike somebody with, you know, a lot of velocity and, and power, um, that's what I focus on in the weight room. And uh, okay. some of my numbers, um, I don't do I do not do the uh, cleaning and stuff like that with um, the trainer that I work with, but we do a lot of uh, different types of, of bench press and um, different different types of pull-ups and, you know, eccentric, eccentric things out there, basically mm-hmm. the be able to, you know, be able to have the same strength and endurance 
that you had in the first quarter in the fourth quarter or OT or whatever the case may be. So sure. that's, that's what I focus on. Yeah, well, I remember Troy Palomalu, and he was, you know, one of my favorites, speaking of great safeties. Um, once he got to the league, he spent almost all of his off-season training time on, like, resistance work, resistance bands, um, and a lot of right. balance work. And they would right. give him, like, kettlebells and um, barbells, whatever, but he'd have to um, lift them while balancing on all those little uh, wobbly, I don't know what to call them, but it's like a, it's flat on top and round on the bottom. What are they called? That balance ball. Yeah, yes, balls right. and fireball. Yep. So that's what he spent a lot of time on. And despite the fact that he moved more and more away from quote unquote traditional weightlifting throughout his career, he always maintained strength and explosiveness and was one of the most amazing athletes to play well, play football, period. But I mean, he may be the most athletic safety ever. I mean, it's close. Oh, yeah. It's between Sean sure. Taylor and Troy Palomalo. Like those are the I would love to see those two go through like a personal combine against each other just to see who was the most athletic safety in the history of football. But it would have been close between those two. Those two both those guys were ridiculous. Definitely a hell of a player for sure, man. That's why you're oh Hall of Famer. <laughs> yes. Yes. And he, once again, he could do everything. He was maybe the best blitzing safety maybe ever. Um, and though he wasn't quite Ed Reed in coverage, he was pretty darn good in coverage. But the thing about him was he used to make these ludicrous plays in your backfield. <laughs> that was what he was known for. I mean, you'd be, you know, fourth and in inches, the ball is snapped, and boom, there's Fred Paul all in your backfield. Like, right as the right. ball's being hanged off. Right the ball's being, yeah. It's like, what? A lot, how does, a lot of people don't how know. How does he always know the snap count? Right. He took a lot of risk. A lot of people don't really yes. know that. Um, he took a lot yes. of risk out there. And, oh, uh, yes. Like, my my defensive coordinator, uh, but based off of the defense that we run, it's um some it's somewhat simulated from uh the Steelers defense during that time, and he would give me a lot of he would he would tell me to study a lot of clips on Troy Palomalu and everything like that. But obviously, I told you you know the four guys that I try to emulate my game on. Yeah. But um you know I had to watch some film on him as well because obviously you know that. I was uh, a safety that plays high, you know, in the slot and blitz as well. So with some of the things that he did as well, I would definitely emulate some of that in my game as well. And, you know, he would he would do it sometimes to disguise himself out of position. But yep. um, he, uh, like I said, he took them risks, you know. So, I mean, sometimes you got to do that out there like that. And, you know, and a lot of the times it paid off for him. <laughs> Well, well, the two things that allowed him to do that, one, um, and let's be completely honest, that he had one of the great defensive minds in the history of the game. Dick LeBeau yeah. coached uh, balls to the wall, like fearless. You know, he was a fearless defense. Right. He made calls that most D coordinators wouldn't feel comfortable making, right? Because if it doesn't right. work, you're you're done. I mean, people always talk about the the, the Tim Tebow overtime play in the, in the playoffs, right? Um, yeah. When it works, you're a genius. When it doesn't, people scream at you and you know so so that's that right but he was but he, he never coached scared so that's one thing and the other half of it is he had ryan clark and ryan clark who very rarely got much credit was one of the most solid boring but boring in a way that coaches love solid boring safeties in the league he did all the boring <laughs> stuff right <laughs> right yeah. 
okay, I'm going to cover this deep third while you go do that, right? I'm going to do right. this. I'm going to do all the stuff that nobody cares about while you're playing basically blitzing, you know, extra blitzing linebacker or tiny defensive end or, you know, what, all the stuff yeah. that you follow about all you can do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you, you have to have idea. a lot of fun. If you're gonna play, if you're gonna be Troy Palomalo, you need a Ryan Clark. Exactly, you definitely have somebody to you know have your back. <laughs> when you oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Because if not, you're gonna get burned all day long. I mean, it'll be exciting, but you're oh, gonna yeah. give up some big plays. That's a fact. Um. Okay. So same question for you, Dominic Crozier. Um, who are your favorite players to watch and why? Uh, in the modern day, uh, Tariq Cohen, I like to emulate my game after. Uh, yep. Back then, uh, looking at highlights, definitely Barry Sanders, uh, kind of like everyone's favorite, Reggie Bush, when we were kids. Uh, I used to watch Reggie Bush all the time. Uh, I think I kind of like to have my game after him. So definitely those three, modern day Tariq Cohen. Yeah. Those are so you like basically to watch the guys that like to make people miss. You're not a yeah. you don't you don't run to darkness. You run to daylight. power guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got so it. Sad is well, that, nothing wrong with that. People. Those guys live longer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's impressive right. to be Derek Henry or Jim Brown or whatever, but Earl Campbell. But no, those no. guys, you know, it's hard to be one of those guys for long. I mean, God bless. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's a freak of nature right there to do what he that's does. Him, Still in the league too, yeah. Running people over. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because those guys hurt. Like you got to soak for a while if you're gonna play. If you're gonna run to darkness, you better have a really good chiropractor. I know. Probably spend thousands, probably millions on just recovery and all that stuff, all the machines. So need money for that. Yes. Uh, same question for you, Keith. Who are your favorite guys to watch and why? I think growing up, uh, Brian Urlacher was one of my first big football linebackers I loved watching. I see I have a fat head of him in my room at home. Uh, so, yeah, him growing up was awesome. But, you know, some modern-day guys, you know, guys like Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley, um, those guys I think I really love to watch just because, you know, they were so – their mentality of the game, they were so intelligent, you know, <clears throat> getting downhill or, you know, wanting to drop into pass and you know they're just <clears throat> very smart with their game and then I think sometimes I like to watch some of the smaller linebackers you know just kind of see how they play like Deion Jones he's one of, he's only he's probably my size maybe even a little bit smaller but yeah. you know he still thrives in the NFL and I think I, I kind of watch him you know see if I I can do some of the things that he does you know because just the size thing with us um something I could actually put in my game yeah, five eleven and a quarter, two twenty-seven is what he was at the combine. So, you know, that gives you a, a benchmark of the quote unquote modern linebacker. I'll give you a guy that I see when I watch you, and he's a guy that decided to to retire early, but Chris Borland is the guy that I see when I watch you, Keith. You remind me a lot of, of Chris Borland. Yeah, I know exactly who that is. Yeah, that was Wisconsin linebacker. He's uh yeah. I remember he was one of the smaller guys coming in the combine, but uh you know, he could, he was just one of those players that, you know, knew how to play football and got after it even as a rookie. You know, he made 100-plus tackles. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. he was a really good player when he when he played. And, yeah, definitely someone I could see myself as. 
And he made a, a, a difficult decision because he loved football. And some people said, you know, he didn't know. I mean, I've talked to Chris Borland. He loved football, but he also loved his brain. And he had to make a very difficult decision. Um, and you mentioned uh, um, Luke Keekley earlier. And Luke Keekley, uh, somebody earlier mentioned, you know, Massachusetts, uh, where he, he played Boston College. He's from Ohio originally, but played in Massachusetts for college. That's another guy who made us, I mean, nobody loved football more than Luke Keekley, but he had a, a, you know, a tough series of, of concussions. And so when I say to every single one of you, definitely work on your plan B, you know, no matter what your your plan B is, make sure that's in place because football can be, we love this game, but can literally every play, I mean, everybody says this, but it's true. Every play could be your last. And, you know, you, you never know, <laughs> you know, um, there's, I mentioned this one, yeah, Rashad, when I was talking to Rashad, we literally could fit every guy who played after his 40th birthday in a minivan. In the 100 years of pro football, you could fit all the guys who played after their 40th birthday in a minivan. Like one of those nine-seaters, you could fit them all. In. I mean, it's a short list of guys who played after their 40th birthday. Um, you're lucky if you make it, like I said, best 27. Most guys are done pretty quickly. So, But, yes, Chris Borland was one of my favorites, too. So. I, I definitely see a lot of that when I watch you. Um, okay, uh, next few questions. I'll stick with you for the moment, Keith. The mental side of football doesn't get enough attention. Uh, you obviously played quarterback. You've played linebacker. Tell me a little bit about the things that you've done to keep yourself on top as the game progresses, like as you've moved on and become a better and better player. How have you improved yourself on the mental side? Um, well, you know, I think it's kind of taking different perspectives from coaches because, you know, I've, during my college career, I've had three different coaches and, you know, they've all, all taught me everything a little bit differently. Everyone's had a new perspective on, you know, how to play football. So I think, you know, getting as many perspectives as possible and then always, you know, staying on top of the film because you never know, you know, when the play is going to come to you and, you know, you have to make that one play season that, you know, is going to change the game. So I think, you know, consistency with, you know, growing as a player, you know, is just what football is being about, whether it's you know, mentally or physically, you know, you're always trying to strive to be better. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't see the mental side behind it, but, you know, you practice for two hours, but, you know, you're watching film for also two hours after that, you know, if you really want to be good. So I think, you know, the mental side is, you know, one of the biggest parts for me and I just try to keep striving to be better with that. Oh, my phone was ringing. Okay. 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 So, moving forward, uh, I'm going to ask basically the same question of. Oh, and I think we've been joined by our final guest. Who just hopped on with us? Uh, Gary Ramsey Jr. Okay, excellent. Gary Ramsey, sweet. Uh, hang out for us. I'm wrapping up with the first group of guests, and I'll be with you in a moment, Gary. So. We, we find ourselves taking a look now at the, the mental side of the game because the game is increasingly, they're taking, you know, some of the hitting out of the game, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We talked about guys like Luke Keekley and Chris Borland who had very promising careers that ended earlier than they might normally have if not for concussions. Uh, so that means that more, quote, unquote, mental reps are taken. There's less... Pat, there are fewer padded practices. Uh, they try to take the head out of the. It's fine when I say to take the. They're taking the head out of the game in terms of hitting, 
with your head, but they're putting the head more into the game in terms of you having to have a better mental grasp because there's not as many physical reps to take. Um, practice is more and more about refining things that you've learned from your mental work uh, of being a player. So Dom, as you mentioned, you had to try to learn playing wide receiver. You started studying tape with quarterbacks. Tell me about the things you're working on now as you get ready to take on the greatest challenge of all, mental and physical, of trying to become a professional player. What are you working on the mental side of that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, watching film, just watching people in the NFL, just all types of positions, like all types of different running backs, like Derrick Henry, um, Tariq Khan, like I said before, just looking at James White, looking at all these different running backs and how they're successful and how I can emulate my game and kind of expand my game to the next level. I uh, realized I'm going to have to be a catching back, every down back, uh, able to be able to run like even like a Derrick Henry or also catch like a James White. So uh, watching film, just seeing how these other people are able to be successful in the league and also watching people at the NFL Combine, watching some of these running backs do the drills, seeing how they're doing, how they're successful, seeing how I can also make my game a little bit better too. So I think the film just kind of never stops, just also looking at the guys who have been in that position have also been successful in their shoes. Okay. And I got to talk to the big man. So Rashad, everyone focuses always on the physical side of playing your position because it's incredibly physical. You're fighting 600 and some odd pounds of human being because you play positions that require you to two gap a lot. But yeah. tell me also about the, the mental side of the game. What are you doing to prepare for the mental challenge of playing in a lot of these increasingly multiple defenses that are played at the next level? Uh, mental challenge, uh, the first one is, is, is film study. You got to know what your opponent doing. So in, on game day, I'm, I'm more thinking about at what he's doing with his alignment and stuff like that. Um, mentally, in the game, you just got to be a monster. You just got to be wanting. You got to want to hit people. And when you play defense, when you play defense line, and when you're in the zero or the one or the three, you just got to want to hit people. You just got to want to just push this guy back. You got to want to get into your gap. You got to want. It's everything is a want. It's a must. You got to execute. That's that's basically the whole mindset. That's at least my mindset when I play, when I get on the field. I got to want. I got to execute. I got to do this. I, I was on the other I've asked everyone that question. Let me see. I'm trying to go through my mental. Uh, and Keith, we talked about it. Uh, Dom. Uh, oh, okay. Back to well, I almost forgot. Lamont. Obviously, as you mentioned, you play multiple. You're asked to do multiple things. Tell me about the things that you are asked to do in the defenses that you play, and what things you're preparing for in case you're used differently at the next level. Okay. Um, some things that I were at, you know, some things that I was asked to do was uh, definitely number one, be the quarterback of the defense. Um, it was it was on me to get the defense aligned um, based off of what personnel they were in. Um, you know, getting the right personnel on the field 
and, you know, making adjustments. I was always the adjuster. So uh, there was a lot of communication out there. And um, some, sometimes I was asked to play uh, the one high uh, safety. Sometimes I was asked to play in a slot, um, you know, whether whether it was a man or, you know, three or um, playing the scene in a fire zone. And then, uh, you know, also I was asked to play, uh, you know, down in the box and as a blitzing safety as well. So um, all those things, all those uh, attributes helped me develop more of a versatility, um, a versatile um, approach towards my game. And, you know, I think that's – I definitely – felt like that helped me out a lot because I never thought of myself as just one position, you know, just um, I always wanted to play everything on the field. You know, I, I felt like I could execute it at a high level wherever I was. And, you know, um, so sometimes I would say, you know, uh, if I was uh, at corner, um, this is what I would do. Or, you know, if I was here, this is what I would do. So I always wanted to be versatile. And the things that were asked of me demanded that I be versatile on that field. So, um, and which helped my my defensive coordinator um, put his trust into me because he knew I can get it done no matter what the obstacle or situation was or the task at hand was. So, um, that, I think that was that's going to uh, help me translate to the NFL, no matter where I play on the field, uh, whether it be corner, out wide, or in a slot. Or you know, playing the high safety, um, no, no matter which safety it is, you know, strong or free, um, there's no, um, there's no, there's no specific position, no more, the way the game is played. So you gotta, be, you gotta be versatile to do different things on that field, because there's not a, you know, a right or left safety or a right or left corner, or, you know, just it's, it's everything, everything can happen so fast, and you gotta be able to know a lot of things on that field. So it helped me with my versatility, um, not only physically, but mentally as well. So that's something that I would take to the next level for sure. Yeah, and that's an excellent point. And we saw, once again, going back to the most recent Super Bowl, everything is matchup based, right? Everyone's trying to find who's the guy that you don't want in space and then put that guy in space. So if you can build a defense where everyone in the back half of your defense is comfortable in space, you can take some of that away. And that's the move. That's the trend now, right? People are taking yeah. safeties and making them linebackers. People are taking corners and making them safeties. Um, so if you can't cover, you can't play football. It's essentially what they're saying. I mean, right. you better be able to rush the passer or cover. If you can't, <laughs> those are the only two options nowadays. I mean, stopping the run is so important. Don't get me wrong. But but the premium is placed on guys that can either give interior pass rush, exterior edge pass rush, or cover. You got to do one of those things if you want to play nowadays. And speaking of that, we have Gary Ramsey. So thank you so much for your patience, Gary. I do want to ask a little, a couple questions of you, and then I'll, I'll wrap up with my first group of guys. So first of all, Gary, thank you for your patience. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. So tell me a little about how you began as an athlete. What was it that got you started and who started you in sports? Uh, I started playing football when I was uh, when I was six years old uh, here at the local, you know, youth team. Uh, I always wanted to play football since I was like, you know, three or four, but they didn't have leagues for you know, kids my age. So I was just, you know, 
playing football with my friends in the backyard or, you know, playing in the house, playing Madden, and just getting around football as much as I could. So I had as much knowledge as I as I eventually accumulated now just from, from, from knowing the game at such a young age. Um, my dad put me in the youth football at, uh, like I said, uh, six years old, and we've been playing since then, uh, whether it's been, you know, track, picked up track throughout the middle school years, a little bit in high school, and played basketball, and sports like that, but it's always been football, and it's still football to this day. Okay, got it. And for those who do not know, where did you grow up, young man? Uh, I grew up in Frederick County, Maryland, which is about uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes outside Baltimore. Yep. Uh, and once again, you know, there's been some pretty decent athletes who've come through that area in, in multiple sports. There were some pretty good basketball players and quite a few good football players. Uh, when you were growing up, who were some of the athletes that you were around growing up? Um, so I, I feared, uh, I spent in good high school, which is a, a powerhouse in the WCAC. Um, they played yep. some pretty good football, like top 25 teams in the country. Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs went through there. Um, uh, Jelani Jenkins played linebacker a little bit of the league for the Florida Gators and then the Dolphins. But that entire conference, you know, whether it's at the Matha, um, that kids nowadays looking in my class as well, competing against our looking looks at probably NFL. Chase Young played him in high school. He went to the Matha. He's about to be a top five pick in the draft. And uh, just some kids that went through my public high schools and the youth leagues, like um, Zach Zwinak was a running back that played for Penn State in the uh, early 2010 area. And just uh, Robbie Hasenstein went to my high school as well. Is the left tackle for the uh, right tackle for the Rams right now. So we got a we got a few a few little legends. But I mean, the state of Maryland is so versatile. We've got so many great athletes. It's kind of hard to keep track. No, no, you did it. You did a pretty good job there. Uh, so hang out, and I'm going to swing it back around to my my last three questions with my my first few guys. So I'm back, jumping back to you, Rashad. Uh, tell me about uh, Rashad as you worked your way through your final season as a collegian. Uh, when did you start to hear things that might let you know that you might have chances to play continuously, you know, after after college? And tell me about your all-star game opportunities. How did you negotiate or figure out what you did or did not want to do regarding all-star games? Um, well, that's – I always believed in myself. That was the first thing. I always thought that I could make it to the, to the NFL. So – I always had that positive vibes of of making it, and when I started noticing it was when I got selected to go to the uh, HBCU Spirit of America Bowl game. That's when that's when I finally noticed that like okay, I can really make it. You know, I I could I could I could see my whole process coming to where I wanted to be at, and the bowl game was excellent. I loved it. It was a great experience. Um, I had a sack, two tackles for loss, and one tackle for one yard for a gain of one. Um, I was always in the backfield, like I said before. I always feel like I was, I'm an all-purpose defense alignment, and and that's how I showed at an All-Star game. You know what I'm saying? And and the coaches there was always telling us, you know, play like a professional. You know what I'm saying? If you want to make it, you gotta play like it. And and that's what I took out from that experience of, of that was, you know, I could really do it. And that was a good start. That was a good taste, a good first taste of it, of being a pro. Yep. I should say. Yep. Uh, same question for you, Lamont. Tell me about, you know, as you worked your way through, when did you start to hear, um, whether it be through your coaches or whoever, that there were some, you know, scouts coming to look at you and, 
Uh, also, tell me about how you decided what you wanted to do regarding All-Star Game postseason activity. Still with Hello. me, Lamont? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, just I'll repeat so, the question. I was just saying, same question I just asked. Uh, tell me about when you started to hear about scouts coming to take a look at you. And tell me about how you figured out, how you decided how you wanted to work your way through opportunities in terms of postseason and all-star games. So uh, um, after my junior year, um, it was a lot of a lot of teams that were coming in, and my coaches would uh, call me down from you know my apartment just to come to the office, and they would never tell me why until I got there. And you know from that that point on. It was actually during the season as well. Some people would uh, just come in and just try to, you know, basically get a feel for me, see what type of person I was, wouldn't talk no bar or anything like that. And then, you know, during that time, um, during the season, I was still locked in. You know, I wasn't really too much worried about, you know, the teams coming in at the time, you know. So, and then after the season, after my junior season, um, I was consensus All-American. And, you know, it seems like it seemed, it seemed like the teams just start rushing in, you know, just, you know, whether it was spring ball or, you know, in the, in the, in the season, you know. So um, it was just that's, – that's when I really start peeping, like, the scouts coming in. And when they start coming in, it was basically just small talking, you know, for them to just be able to meet me. And um, some teams actually came back a few times. So – once I realized that, it helped me know that definitely this is getting real and um, that I have, I do have the opportunity and, you know, to, to be the next guy coming from Cal, Cal U, a PA, to be that guy that goes to the NFL, no matter how, how I get there. So um, after the season um, with, the, with the bowl games and um, all-star games, really I wanted to uh, – I was pushing. I got a lot of all-star game invites for senior bowls and, and stuff like that, but the, the games that I was really pushing for were either the um, recent senior bowl, um, the, e, the NFLPA, or the East-West Shrine game. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get none of those invites. So uh, I basically held out uh, from the other games, uh, really just thinking that I was – not thinking that I was going to get those games, but uh, hoping that I was going to get those games. But – at the same time, I didn't want to put my body at risk just because um, I felt like I've already dominated um, at the level and of Division Two, and I wanted to go to um, the the top one of the top three All Star games just to showcase my talent, just to show showcase that I could still dominate no matter who's on the field. Doesn't matter. So after that, um, was just basically just focusing on my craft. You know, just focusing on my craft. That's that's what happened after you know all the scouts and everything came to talk to me, and all the All Star Game invites passed. Yeah, no, I understand. And um, like I said, I I I know some people, um, not the right people apparently, but I know some people, uh, especially at the NFLPA game. And I was I was trying to see, you know, obviously there's that first round of commitments and. Some guys, sometimes a guy will get hurt or a guy will change his mind. And I was trying to at least get you on that short list of guys that they would be pulled in. And I, I truly believe 
you, as you said, as you believe that you could have held your own at any of the top all-star games. So, you know, it turned out the way it did and you'll still get your chance, but I, I really want, would have loved to have seen you down in Mobile. Hey man, I appreciate the support, man, for real, man, but still going to make it happen. And, you know, just, I'm going to let everybody know that, you know, basically that, you know, I, I got a story to tell, you know, so. Yes. You have one amazing story to tell, and it's got some of everything, man. It's got tragedy. It's got redemption. It's got oh, everything. It's got foolish mistakes. It's got maturation. It's got, it's a movie, Lamont. You've got a movie. That's what you've got. You've got some of everything. Hey, right on, man. Still writing it, man. Yes, you are. And I look forward to the next chapter. Um, let me see. Uh, da, 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 Rashad, you. Okay. Um, tell me, Mr. Dominic Crozier, you were one of the more exciting, versatile, fun to watch players I've had a chance to, to see. Um, tell me about the things that you came into your final, what is it, the last ride? You know, the. Uh, you got one last chance to show what you can do at the collegiate level. Same question I just asked. Tell me about some of the things that, uh, you know, this year held for you. How did you, when did you start hearing about the fact that you were getting some attention from scouts and how did you decide what you wanted to do regarding postseason all-star opportunities? Yeah, so, I mean, kind of similar to everyone else's story. Uh, I had goals coming into the year. I want to be a thousand yard rusher. I want to be a patriot. I want to be a player of the year, all this stuff. And, we had some scouts come through practice and spring ball and come in during the fall, but I, I kind of didn't want to um, pay attention to all that stuff. I wanted to win the league. I wanted to do all this other stuff, focus on me, and not having to worry about the scouts or any of that stuff. And um, I mean, the first couple of games, I had pneumonia to start off the year, so it was kind of tough coming in. The first three games, I only had 80 yards rushing, and uh, I kind of just set a, just set a switch. And, like, if I really want to go to the next level, I really have to turn it up. And ever since then, um, I kind of blew up with games, uh, ended up over 1,000 yards. And um, after that, after the season, we unfortunately lost the first round of the playoffs. We were able to win the league. And um, after that, scouts were coming in during practice, fall practice, and the agents were calling. That's when I kind of really knew I had the chance to actually go to the next level. <clears throat> so after the year, I focused on that, uh, focused on which agency to pull and all that stuff. So um, it's definitely a fun process, still being written right now. Uh, pro day is coming up in a couple of couple of weeks, so it's uh, so been a fun process. But I didn't really know fully until the end of the season, uh, after the obviously successful year, being like pitching fan of the year. So, uh. okay, got it, got it. Okay, and obviously Keith, you've got another shot at this thing. Um, so I'm going to ask you about the goals that you've set for your. You got another bite at this college football apple. What are the goals you've set for yourself as you make the transition to Buffalo? I think, you know, definitely want to try to come in and start is definitely one of my goals. You know, you're coming into an unfamiliar environment. You really don't have the respect of, you know, your teammates or, you know, some of the coaches yet. So you definitely want to come in and, you know, earn the respect and, you know, get a shot right away and try to play right away. So I think that's one of my goals to start. So with that, and then yeah, I think also with you know playing those big schools, I think I want to make an impact with those games. Um, <clears throat> you know, kind of show off, you know, what I can do against the top competition. So I think if I 
I want to have my best games against those and some of those goals um, I think pertain to that and I think if I can do that you know I can have a bright future whether it's professionally um, playing football if I if I meet those goals. Okay uh, I'm going to stay with you for I guess this final question for you because the other question that's my usual final question is usually for guys who are done with their college eligibility and you still have a little left so I'll ask you what, what for you Keith will be my final question to you. Uh, well I'm, I'm, let me not lie. I have an unofficial final question for you after my official final question. So my official uh, final question, I guess, um, has to do with taking a look at or, or um, you know, as you sort of make your way through looking at this new opportunity, uh, have you already looked at the depth chart and where you might be yet? Or is that even, has that happened yet? Yeah, I mean, I think that was part of my decision-making process. You know, they talked to me about, you know, there was, you know, they had two or three linebackers that they thought they could play, but, you know, they needed another one because they, you know, you need some depth for the linebacker uh, position. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that weighed in part from, of my decision, you know, where I would go. But, yeah, I think they have two or three right now. They graduated one last year and had another one transfer out. So <clears throat> there's three guys there that can play, but, you know, some – just competition, you know, iron sharpens iron, like you said before. Yeah. And which one of those spots, I mean, once again, you're versatile. You could play probably, you know, one or more than one position, but which one, where do you see yourself? How do they see you being used? Uh, you know, Mike or where, what is the, the read you're getting so far? So I think they played the same defense as I played at Lehigh, you know, of kind of like a 4-3 with an overhang Sam linebacker. Um, they mm -hmm. think I could play any of those three positions, where it's Mike, Will, or Sam. But, you know, I am I played with Will this past season. I You know, I think I'm pretty comfortable at that. But, you know, as a Mike linebacker, the Mike is the quarterback of the defense. And, um, you know, with that, I think that could be like my, my role there at Buffalo is, you know, making sure everyone's on the same page. I think, you know, my game is, you know, I'm, I think I'm one of the – most intelligent football players in the field, you know, I'll learn the scheme, you know, get everyone lined up. And I think if I bring that to the table at Buffalo, I think, you know, they, there's no way they can't play me. So I think I'm going to try to pull that and, you know, play Mike or Will there. I think that's the best suit for me. And, you know, just try my best, you know, contribute to the team. Okay. And so looking back, if you could talk to yourself at age 17 or 18 when you're going off from high school to college if you had to give you know that keith the keith of that timeline right we're sort of back to uh that keith the the 202 pound keith who's still like a quarterback and you know his traps weren't up to here yet um if you were trying to tell him about things he should do and things he should know and things that might help him maybe a top five things to give to him what would you tell that 17 year old Keith about the next four or five years? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, I don't have many regrets coming into coming out of Lehigh with football. I mean, I think I've done as much as I wanted to there. Um, you know, maybe it'd be more off the field uh, things, you know, whether it's, you know, making friends with your teammates more, you know, make, uh, being a leader more with them on and off the field, um, you know, I think that's something I would want to improve on, whether it's, uh, you know, my teammate relationships or, uh, 
you know, my leadership, I think that would definitely be something I would tell a 17-year-old, you know, don't be shy, you know, you have a voice, you know, people might not want to hear it sometimes, but, you know, you got to you gotta say what's on your mind sometimes and, you know, don't be afraid uh, to say what you want and say what you need to say to the team. So um, I think that would be something, you know, just don't be timid with it. Uh, I think that's a lot of good lesson for, you know, 17-year-olds going to college that, you know, have the confidence that, you know, you can do anything you want as long as you put your mind with it uh, and, you know, put the work behind it. And uh, I think that would be the main thing I would tell my 17-year-old self. Okay. And, okay, this is an unofficial question, but there are – we have – we most of our listenership is, is hardcore football fans, but there's also some ladies who are hardcore football fans, and some of them occasionally want to know about the relationship situation of some of the players that I interview. So for the ladies out there, Mr. Keith Wetzel, what's your situation? Are you single and ready to mingle? Are you taken, engaged? What's the situation? No, I'm single, man. Football – Football's been my girlfriend for the past four years, so that's okay. taken up my life. So yeah, now now no girl in my life so far. Got it. Okay. Well, that's a great T-shirt. You should get that name. Football is my girlfriend. Keith Wetzel's new <laughs> line of T-shirts. Uh, get them now at his Etsy store. <laughs> Maybe I should. Okay. Well, Keith. Um, you'll get a follow-up email. And first of all, uh, best of luck to you in the next year of your career. And you're working on a master's, right? Yes, I will be. What will your master's degree be in, sir? What are you pursuing? Um, I'm thinking either between business administrations or supply chain management. I think either of those, you know, could be applicable to the modern world and, you know, will help me with, uh, you know, life beyond football. So either between those two, I think, are great choices for me. And what's your, under, what's your what is your undergraduate uh, undergraduate degree? I major in psychology and minor in marketing, so it's kind of like a consumer research consumer uh, yeah uh, degree where you know you kind of research what consumers buy and sell and you know how can you market. Ah, perfect. Well, for, first of all, for those of you who have not yet. Uh, caught up to watching Keith Wetzel do so. It'll be easier than ever before. Uh, there'll be several televised games as Buffalo, as you mentioned, obviously the Ohio State game will be one that I think many people will be watching. Keith, thank you so much. You'll be getting a follow-up email. Uh, if not today, then most likely tomorrow. Uh, respond as soon as you are able, attach a photograph, uh, provide answers to the questions, and that'll be part of the, what we call blue light specials articles I'm writing about under the radar uh, football prospects. And once again, it's a real pleasure. Uh, I look forward to seeing what the next year brings you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you bringing um, me on here. My pleasure. I'm going to move over to Rashad. So Rashad, big man. Um, yes, when is your pro day, sir? Um, admitted in college, we don't have a pro day right now, but I'll probably get going to USC, um, oh. University of South Carolina's pro day. Yes, excellent. Well, that's a great... So is that is that confirmed? Or are you still working on it? We we're actually still working on it, but I have a good feeling that they're going to allow me to uh, uh, go. Okay. Well, first of all, you very much deserve it. I hope that that happens. Please do let us know. I'm going to want an update from you regarding uh, when that is firmed up, uh, when your pro, when and where your pro day is, and I want updated information once you have your pro day. I want to be able to put into your profile. Uh, what happened, how it happened, all that good stuff. And yes, sir. 
I will ask that same question to you. Um, and I'll, I'll rephrase it slightly. If you are brought back, right? You go off, you know, you're playing professionally, you come back, they, you know, it's, uh, it's Rashad, you know, it's Rashad day on campus, right? You're getting toured around, they're showing you the new facilities, they're trying to get you to drop a check, you know, because when they bring the pro guys back, that's always, you know, the, the, the part of it they also try to do is, hey, would you like to donate? You know, so then you stand there at the big giant, you know, giant check that's six feet by, by three feet, and everyone's smiling, and there's, especially the people who are taking the check from you, they're all smiling. But when they bring you back, obviously, um, you get a chance to talk to the guys, the guys who are trying to go from where they are to where you are. Tell me about the things you would want a bunch of younger student athletes to know about the journey they're, they're about to embark on and uh, how to understand how to make the best use of that opportunity. What would you want to leave with them? Leave, leave them with. Hello? Yeah, I was just saying, Rashad, that sort of uh, rephrasing that question that I just asked of Keith, okay. if you were speaking to a bunch of the young cats, right? So after you've started your pro career and they bring you back and it's, you know, yes. Rashad Day and they're all yes, sir. celebrating you and they're, you know, retiring your jersey and you know, all that good yeah. stuff okay. and, you know, trying to get a big donation out of you. But when they bring you back and you get a chance to talk to the young guys, the guys who are 18, and, mm -hmm. you know, 19 and 20, yeah. What were the things you want to leave them with? What would you want to tell them about the journey that they're going on and how best make use of that opportunity? I would tell them that it's going to be a hard journey. It's going to be a hard one. It's going to be something that you would never, never, never expect. Um, there's going to be a lot of nights where you're just like, am, am I worth this? You know what I'm saying? Like, am, 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 can I get to this level? It's going to be a lot of nights where you'd be like, wow, I'm really here. I'm really here, I'm really doing it, I really got a shot. There's going to be a lot of nights where you just be uncertain about yourself. But the thing is that you have to remain calm and you have to keep grinding. You got to, this process is going to be hard. You got to step outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> and Lord knows that I stepped out my comfort zone a lot of times. So, you know, if it's something that you really want to do it, something that you really want to do, you just got to go and do it. You got to jump. It's a, it's a leap of faith, and you got to believe in yourself. Yeah, that's great stuff. Um, once again, check your email soon. Uh, we, we'll be giving you a follow-up email as part of building out your profile. And with my unofficial question, for those that love the, the big handsome men, the big sexies, uh, for the ladies out there, uh, what is your situation relationship-wise, sir? Oh, I got a girlfriend. Been been with her for two years now. Excellent. Uh, what is this beautiful young lady's name? Uh, Latia Singleton. Latia Singleton. Uh, I hope Latia. you and, and she are building something wonderful and special. I wish you both the very best. Thank you so much, sir. The pleasure is mine. Thank Check you for the Oh, the pleasure has been mine. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for for fighting your way back after whatever happened to knock you off. I'm glad you returned. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, hey, life happens, man. If that's the worst thing that happens today, I've had a pretty good day. Uh, yeah, but yes, I thank sir. you for providing your way back. Yes, sir. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Mr. Lamont McFadder, once again, I cannot thank you enough as well. You've been a player I've been uh, very much enjoyed watching all throughout this season. And I hope that I get to keep watching you for quite some time into the future. Uh, 
Definitely. You obviously had some trials and some tribulations. If you were looking back at yourself, that high school senior who was, you know, going through this process and trying to figure out what the next, you know, four or five years of his life might hold, what would you want to tell young Lamont, you know, 17-year-old Lamont about how to prepare for this and what might be coming? Man, um, looking back, I would tell my young self that um, along the way is going to be trials and tribulations, man. Along the way, um, you have to persevere through no matter what happens. And um, whenever it gets hard um, and you feel like quitting, just to remember why you started. Um, that's something I would tell my young self is that just to remain humble, remain hungry, and remain focused through it all because um, in the end, it's going to, you know, it's going to be even sweeter than it was going through all that, you know, like, that's what I would tell my young self, man. I would tell my young self a lot, but most importantly, man, just to persevere through it. No no matter what life brings you, it's going to be stuff that tries to derail you from your path and to remain focused and never lose sight of your goal, no matter what is happening to you or in your life that is going on at the time. It's better days coming. Yeah. Well, well said. Very well said. And once again, my, my sort of last unofficial question uh, for the ladies out there, uh, what is your status, young man? What, are you single, ready to mingle? Are you taken? Are you locked down? What's the situation? Listen, I am in a relationship. I am in a full relationship. I have a girlfriend, and uh, she would hold me down for a year and a half. You know, so, uh, Excellent. I'm Excellent. off the market. <laughs> you are off the market. Okay, back off. <laughs> Back <laughs> off, Lamont McFadder is completely off the menu. Sold out. Um, what? What? What is this wonderful young woman's name? Uh, her first name is Lachelle. Soon to be Lachelle. <laughs> oh, wow! That's surprisingly close. <laughs> surprisingly. No, I'm I'm just playing, man. But uh, you know, her first name is Lachelle, man. Um. And uh, she, you know, she's a wonderful woman, man. Uh, I, I can't thank her enough for everything that she, you know, yeah. everything that she does for me and just, just being by my side throughout, especially all this that's going on yeah. as well. You know, she brings well, peace to me. Beautiful. I can hear in your voice how much she matters. So I wish the two of you nothing but wonderful times together. Uh, and yes, there'll be tough times, but I think that if you've been through this, I mean, <laughs> as tough as the jump to the NFL or whatever league you might find yourself in, if you find yourself playing up north, find yourself playing wherever, nothing will be as tough as some of the things you've already been through. So, so once again, hats off to just everyone who's been around you through some very tough things. And I can tell that you've grown up a lot in the past few years, Lamont. Oh, most definitely, man. I appreciate you noticing that, man, for real. Definitely nice to hear some positive reinforcement. Well, like I said, it, you're an impressive young man. I, I look forward to what the future brings you. There'll be an email following. Uh, so when you get that, just respond with to the questions in the, in the email. Send a photograph of yourself. There'll be a profile popping up. And for you, I may do some sort of special follow-up questions because your story is so amazing and emotional. Uh, so I may sort of tweak some Thank things. You. But either way, you an email from me or from uh, Kofi, my co-host, and we will definitely uh, 
have some things we'll want to talk about in the future. But it's been a it's been great it's getting a chance to finally catch up with you. There's a lot still coming. You know, like I said, you have a lot Most coming definitely. in your future. I think. As it was this old saying, it'll be greater later. Uh, I think that's going to be very much true in your life. Absolutely, man. Still writing the story, like you said, man, for sure. Yes, yes, an amazing story it is. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank, thank you. Certainly, certainly, very much my pleasure. Uh, and like I said, uh, your representation and everyone else around you, uh, let them know how much I've appreciated that you've, in this very busy time in your life, that you guys have made time to be here. I am going to focus, no certainly, I'm going to focus now on, on Dom and I'm going to focus on Gary. Gary, once again, thank you so much for your, for your extreme levels of patience. Uh, so Gary, you're from an area that I know fairly well. I have friends and family in that part of the country. I grew up in Virginia, but I have a lot of family all throughout Maryland, DC, and even into Delaware. And it is a slept on area, I think, to some extent. Now, as you mentioned, I mean, Chase Young is an absolute animal. Uh, Good counsel. Uh, Damatha lost a legend uh, not too long ago when, when Morgan Wooten passed. But I mean, it's a tremendously talent-rich area, and a lot of great people have come out of that area. You mentioned Devon Diggs, also. Um, um, tr um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He went to um, yeah, West Kendall, Kendall Fuller, who just won a Super Bowl. And Kendall Chief, Fuller, right? Um, but, um, number seven overall to the to the Texans. Tr uh, Trayvon Austin, right? Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, from Dunbar, yeah. Yes, right, exactly. A lot of great, great talent uh, coming out of there. Uh, tell me about your high school and some of the things about sort of the culture there, the coaching, and your rivals. Like, who are the teams? I know there's you wanted to beat everybody, but who are the teams that you really wanted to beat? Yeah, so um, so early on in my high school career as a as a youth, like a youth, like eighth grade year, um. In Maryland, a lot of a lot of schools, like a lot of um, really talented kids, will try to go to private schools. Um, the, the private schools, especially the WCAC, is the most competitive private school in this area for sure. Uh, conference in this area. So um, I was blessed enough to have a good counsel looking at me coming out of coming out of eighth grade, and we made the decision as a family to you know go up to you know Albany, Maryland, and start my start my you know, high school career and education there. The counsel. Uh, it was a cool experience, you know, just like like you know, you know meeting new people from all over the state and area and playing some high competitive football. Um, ended up getting injured my sophomore year. Now I'm from ACL as a sophomore and my family and I sat down and, you know, we just kind of discussed whether it was, you know, the smart investment to stay for the next two years or was it better to come home and attend public school, you know, save some money as well and continue to play high football, high, high caliber football at Lincoln High School, which is um, a powerhouse in the public school, 3A. They were just in the state championship uh, these past two years and they won it about two or three years ago as well. So. When uh when I was there, Coach Connor, the great coach, um, just just got entered into the uh, Maryland football, high school football Hall of Fame. Um, you know, highly 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 touted, a lot of a lot of achievements on his on his track record. So I knew when I was coming in there, I was going to have a great experience and you know get some, get some good coaching. I wasn't you know losing out on good good coaching. I was a kid tending to develop as a player. So junior year went by, you know, played some played some receiver, played some um, some safety. I was about six foot three, 175 pounds in high school, so I wasn't the biggest kid just yet. Um, senior came around, and I ended up getting a little bit bigger, and ended up becoming an outside linebacker for for his defense, which is about a weak side defensive end, which is a stand up outside linebacker. And um, mm -hmm. had a great career, great season. Um, biggest game of the season was definitely playing Oakdale. Oakdale's a newer, a, a newer branching high school that just got created a few years before that game, before that year. 
Um, that's actually my district at high school, but I was in a um, a program to get into Ligonor to play football there. Uh, it was an engineering program to get me into the school. So we ended up, you know, going about 15 more minutes down the road and was at Ligonor High School. So playing that was a big game because a lot of the kids I grew up with and went to school with were nationally districted to that school. So it was a big deal. You know, every time I make a play, the, the crowd would be going nuts and saying, like, you know, chanting, like, you know, Gary sucks or whatever, you know, just it was it was a cool experience, you know, just, you know, having, like, people hating on you from, you know, right down the road. But um, you definitely love playing Oakdale, love beating Oakdale, or Bannon as well. But so actually after that after that year, um, recruiting, was, recruiting, I had a lot of, a couple of D2 schools, D3 schools looking at me as well. Like I said, I was kind of undersized, coming off injury, didn't have the best film coming out. But um ended up making the decision to go to Bridgewater, which was um, my cousin had gone to Bridgewater in the, um, in the early 2000s when they were um, – fighting for the Stag Bowl, which is the D3 National Championship. So I knew a little bit about Bridgewater. They had some rich traditions and rich history, um, great coaching staff there as well. And I made the decision to go down to Harrisonburg, Virginia, Bridgewater, Virginia, and take a great college career there. Yep. And I am familiar with it a little bit. Um, I, I had friends that played at uh, – I've had friends who played there, and I have friends who played at some of the, uh, I guess, rival schools uh, in that okay. same conference. So I'm very familiar. Uh, some people know it more for basketball. Um, they've had some pretty good basketball players also make it through that that program as well. Uh, I'm going sure. to ask the last couple of questions of Dom Crozier, and then I will be right back. Mr. Crozier, also thank you so much for, for your uh, high level of patience as well. Uh, no problem, no problem. Now, as I'm sure you've heard, a lot of scouts see you as a return specialist, third down back, um, hmm. orbit, what is it? Uh, you know, sort of a, um, what's the term they use? Uh, you know, sort of space player, right? Satellite play, satellite back, space player, blah, blah, blah. Um, you hmm. mentioned Tariq Cohen, uh, Darren Sproles is another name I've heard hmm. sort of invoked. Um, now, what is your actual factuals now in terms of your height and weight? Uh, I'm going to be around uh, five, seven, and about 180. Yeah. Okay, so that definitely fits in that sort of Sproles, uh, Cohen area. Okay, so yep. you're going to be asked to do some different things. You will be asked to play some slot receiver at times, to line up in the slot at times. You'll be asked to, you know, uh, be a guy that takes some end arounds or reverses. You'll be asked to, to do some things in space. What are the things that you're currently, and of course, obviously, return punts and kickoffs. What are the things you're working on now to prepare for that kind of role? Yeah, so just exactly as you said, they're going to probably going to be asked to do different things at the next level. Uh, I've been working on returning. Uh, luckily, every day they're in practice, I would always look at the specialist because I knew at some point this 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 uh, problem was going to happen in the future. So I've been working on punt return, kick return, also receiver, uh, catching everything like I told you before. I'm a freshman at play receiver, so I already have some of that background hands and all that stuff. So, uh, like you said, I'll, I'm definitely working on receiver catching, whether that's from the slot, whether that's from the outside receiver, whether that's from the backfield. I'm uh, working on that just so I know I can have the advantage at the next level. Okay. And do you know when and where your pro day will take place? Yeah, so our pro day is going to be at Holy Cross March 24th. Excellent. Well, then I will want an update, uh, you know, sure. shortly thereafter of, you know, who was there and how you did and 
you know, what the experience was like. It is something that, as I'm sure you've heard, about 3% of starters, you know, starters, not guys on the team, 3% of the start, a little less than 3% of the starters in a college football, uh, college football programs will even get into a camp. I didn't say make the squad. I said get to a camp. Less, a little less than 3% of collegiate starters will be in an NFL camp. If you're one of those people that's in a camp, you've already beaten something like 97.2% of the competition. Uh, that is how rare a thing it is. So congratulations just for being considered at this point. Uh, I do look forward to hearing how you test. I very much look forward to finding out who is there. Uh, I think it'll be an exciting time as you move through this. Uh, once again, the question I asked, sort of looking back, if you were being pulled before a group of, say, recruits coming onto uh, the campus in Holy Cross, a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds sort of looking at you and you're trying to let them know what this college football thing is about and what life is about and being a student and all that, what things would you want to leave them with? Maybe the top five or, or the most important things in your mind? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the most important things that I had to learn later on in my career it's not just only focusing on football and making sure everything else in your life is, is in check. Uh, whether that's – and that's off-the-field stuff too, whether that's, like, school, uh, whether that's working on community service, uh, work, whether that's recovery, uh, film, all that little stuff, I think. Once I was able to learn that, just my play got so much better, uh, especially school. Just, like, if you, have to work, if you don't have to worry about a test or studying all that stuff and you're already, you're already a week past it, a week before it, um, your football players just be a lot better. And I think just focusing on everything else except the football, the football will come. Uh, at this level, everyone's good enough. But at college level, you're going to have to really focus on the other distractions and being able to take the distractions away from your life and be able to put your head forward. I think that's kind of the biggest advice that I was able to learn my senior and junior year of college. And I think I was able to be really successful on the field just because I was able to focus on those little things. So I think that's what I'll be telling the little kids coming in from right now. Got it. Could, could not agree more. It's been impressive just to see um, how you've been used, the things you've been you've done so far. And uh, my unofficial question, once again, uh, for those who might be interested in maybe trying to get a little dom in their life, um, yeah. what is your situation in terms of your status, young Mr. Crozier? Yeah, so I'm very similar to Keith. I'm single. Uh, right now, football has definitely been my main focus and everything. But uh, yeah, so I'm single. <laughs> football is uh, my girlfriend right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but if someone <laughs> was trying to maybe be your side, if football is your main, if somebody's trying to be your side, there might be an opportunity. Is that what I'm hearing? No, for sure. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Um, how how <laughs> might they reach you? you have Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. How, yeah. how does someone get at Dom Crozier. Yeah. Yeah. So my Instagram is at D Cozier, C O Z I E R. My Twitter is at It's Too Easy Too. I'm always open. I always follow back. So uh, that's me. Ah. Ah. All right. So in addition to helping you to maybe move towards a professional life, maybe we've helped you to find someone to spend that life with. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're not a you're not a bad looking young man. I mean, what the heck? Uh, no, it's sir. always no, always a pleasure, always a thrill. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, representation. Uh, thank whoever was involved. 
you're a very impressive young man. You are versatile in a league that demands versatility. So that's a, you picked a good time to be you. Um, <laughs> there's still a place, you know, for the Adrian Petersons of the world, but uh, there's fewer places for those kind of guys, and there's more places mm-hmm. for guys like you. So you timed it right. Uh, good plan on being born when you were born, Dom. Brilliant. <laughs> <Work on your>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but as I said, it's very much a pleasure. Look for an email that'll follow this show. If not later today, then, then probably uh, at some point tomorrow. As soon as you're able to provide uh, a photograph and a, an answer to the questions, I'll be able to build up your profile, which will appear on Nuts and Bolts Sports sometime in the next, hopefully, week. To, not week. Don't say that. More like two weeks. Somewhere in the next 10 days to two weeks, probably. Uh, there's a lot going on this time of year. It's funny because people think like football's over. It's like football's never over. But um, there's a lot going on. But I will definitely let you know. You'll get a, a, a direct message, and I'll tweet it out uh, when your profile goes live there on Nuts and Bolts Sports in the Blue Light Special section. It is always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, your talent, and your attention. All right. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Certainly. Gary Ramsey. Guess what? How you doing? It's just, it's just you and me for the next 32 minutes, sir. It's all you. (laughs) Uh, So thank you so much. Thank you so very, very much. So you play, as you know, a very important position. It's always been an important position, but now that they've emphasized the passing game, people who can get to the quarterback are amongst the most important people on the planet Earth right now. And you have that ability, young man. So there will be people who will be interested in seeing what you do and what you become because the days of, you know, people just pounding. I mean, there are some teams that like to run the football, but the days of, you know, 60, 70% run and, you know, 30, 70% pass, those days are pretty much gone. Those days are pretty much gone. Um, So let's talk about it. how did you decide? Because you mentioned you were 175 pounds coming out of high school. Um, Demarcus Ware was 6'3 and 186 coming out of high school. He, he went to Troy originally, believe it or not, as a slot, not slot, as a uh, possession receiver. I think he wanted to play the Z for them originally. And then things happened uh, physically and uh, opportunity-wise. And he obviously ended up becoming a Hall of Fame level 3-4 uh, outside linebacker. But he originally showed up at Troy, 6'3", 186, to play possession receiver. Uh, take me through the goal, the, the, your transformation. How did you go from being this guy who's built, yeah, like, you know, very much a wide receiver to now who you are now? How did this happen, and how, how did you decide that that was what you were going to be? Um, so, I mean, naturally, my entire life, I've always – tended to play defense uh, when I was younger, like when I was like, actually like a little kid, like early elementary school, I was always like, you know, 90 percentile weight and, you know, height. So I guess it's kind of, you know, just yeah, people grow differently. And as I went through middle school and high school, I definitely noticed that kids started to catch up to me and pass me. And it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, like it's, I waited till like, you know, my freshman year of college to really, you know, fully mature or sophomore year of college to fully mature and become the man I am today. But I mean, it's, it's, it's it really wasn't a choice. I mean, I guess it's kind of just it was God's plan to, you know, just me for me to grow now. And I'm really, I mean, I'm lucky. I ha- I'm happy I grew it in, in college, so I can, you know, experience, you know, playing flight football, grown men as a grown man. So, and you know, I deserve our our training coaches. There's a lot of the credit as well. Uh, we have an amazing uh, coaching staff as well, and our strength coach 
a master strength coach, Coach Beach. Um, he's an amazing. He's working on me now for these uh, pro days and the combines coming up, and he's he's transformed my body into as much as I can ever ask for a strength coach to do. I mean, I've become a lot more explosive, a lot more athletic, and just you know, been able to put some strength behind his long arms, which is always you know always a good thing. But um, yeah, just I've always wanted to be a dude's player. Um, I'm so happy that our coaching staff had a great uh, scheme to fit me, um, fit my athleticism and, and my length at outside linebacker and, and, you know, really being every every Saturday. So they deserve a lot of the credit because they put me in the right place to make a lot of the plays I did. Okay. And you mentioned your body has indeed transformed. What is your current height and weight? Um, so I, I think I'm 6'5". Uh, I went to a combine uh, this past week. I was 6'4 and a half, but we stood a little weird. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say 6'4". Six four and a half, uh, two two thirty is where I'm at. I waited at two twenty eight, but yeah, around two thirty. Okay. Got it. So you're almost exactly the size we mentioned, Demarcus Ware. Um, he entered his junior year at almost exactly your your dimensions. I think he was maybe seven pounds heavier, and of course he played, uh, you know, professionally in the two fifties. But I think he was he entered his his junior year at two thirty seven and. I think you're actually a little taller. I think he was six three and three quarters, or six three and seven eighths, or something. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere like that. Uh, and what, like you, have very long arms, and you know that bend that people always talk about—the ability to bend to, as they say, sprint underneath the tabletop. Um, pass rush. People always talk about you know athletic ability and things like that, but I don't think they realize how technical being a great pass rusher is. Yeah. When did you start to embrace the mental side of the game? When did that become a big part of your, your arsenal? Um, so, I mean, at, at Bridgewater, um, we, run, we ran a lot like a 4 um, when, when I came to Cooley, or Coach Everett, uh, Rob Everett, he's a really innovative mind in football nowadays, all over social media. Um, he does a lot with the Go Army Edge stuff. I don't know if you are familiar with that. But um, he's like one of those you know, founding people that created that. So, I mean, he just – he. He kind of introduced football as analytics and the math side to it to me as a, as an early freshman. I always I always knew a lot about football. I always knew a lot about schematics and stuff like that. But the numbers and just the you know analytics behind the sport are, are incredible if you really look into it. Um, so every game, every week throughout the my four years there, even after he had left to go you know participate in the AAF, which you know unfortunately is under undergo like no longer around. But he was had the opportunity to go work with the Memphis Express and. He was an analyst guy up there as well, and all the stuff translates no matter what level of football you're playing at. You know, you can always crunch numbers and figure out, get an advantage in every every Saturday, Friday, Sunday, whenever you play. But um, so luckily I was lucky enough that the coaching staff, after he had left, um, continued to continue this tradition. Coach Giancola is the defense coordinator at Bridgewater now, and you know he does the same stuff. Um, so you know, the watching film isn't it anymore. You have to really, you know know why you're watching film. You don't want to just click play and, you know, watch whatever because you don't know what you're looking for. But, you know, they have the ability to, you know, one third down and four with this formation. It's almost 100% guarantee they're going to, you know, pass the ball. So, I mean, it's just incredible what you can learn just by understanding a little bit more about, you know, crunching, the, crunching those numbers. But, I mean, like I, like like you mentioned, you know, having the ability to come off the edge, um, it's, not, it's only a, a small part of my game I can do. I played a lot of inside the box. Um, played a lot like the, like a strong safety would would play in the NFL, covering nickels and tight ends across the middle, and you know lining up in the alley and outside the hashes. And you know I was one of the most versatile positions on the defense, and I was um, really lucky to have like I said a defense coordinator and defensive staff that you know wanted me to move around and 
whether I needed to rush the pass or, or up in the A-gaps or cover slots, I was willing to do it all. And I believe if you quit the tape and quick play, you'll see a lot of interesting things that a lot of people can't do. Man, you sound like Isaiah Simmons <laughs> with all those different <laughs> things you're doing. Uh, wow. And, you know, you measured kind of close to him. And obviously, I mean, no offense, you're a good athlete. I don't think you're about to go out and one four three nine. Oh yeah. No, but no, if you do, that. let me know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm only half kidding. Uh, but you do look quick. Do you know yeah. what? I mean, I, I don't. I know obviously you're still undergoing training. Do you know what you're likely to run when you're when you're time? Um, I got a combine this past week. Um, so I had I really had really good jumps. Um, I got 34 inch vertical and 10 foot broad jump, which were all you know, over average of what you're expecting from linebackers in this year's draft. Um, my shuttle time was pretty good. Um, a 40, I ran low 4.8, but the way the the way the combine went, I unfortunately was the last group to run the 40. So I was after two hours of other testing, I was the last group to run the 40. So I expect my time to be in the 4.7. So I'm not going to run out of going to run Isaiah Simmons' time. No, no one, no one realistically expects anybody to run that time unless. They are, and of course, he was a highly regarded track athlete. He was, he made it to state in 200 meters and long jump, uh, competed on a four, a very good four by 100 team. Um, well, he's, yeah, I guess we can just leave it at that. He's an utter and complete freak. Uh, you are a really athletic football player, but closer to a normal human um, in terms of some of those things, at least. Uh, but yes, you certainly do a lot of the things you look for in. Uh, the modern, uh, what these call a drop end back in the old days, back when, you know, you, <laughs> I'm showing my age, but back in these days, it was called drop ends. Uh, some teams use also, uh, you know, as you said, a guy who is uh, sometimes a guy who's a Sam uh, linebacker on certain downs, and then he suddenly walks up and puts his hand on the dirt and plays D end on some downs. I mean, it's a, you're playing an evolving position, and the ability to cover tight ends and things like that is also super helpful. Because then you don't have to be pulled off the field, right? You can play on all all three downs. Um, tell me, you mentioned how much film study has helped you. Tell me about a play, particularly like a, a game-changing play that you made because of your commitment to film study. Still there? Oh, you are not. Okay, well, I will fill some time. I'm, uh, well, hopefully, Gary calls back in, I'm hoping. Uh, but yeah, Gary Ramsey is a very versatile player with a diverse skill set, long arms. Uh, he has room for 25, 27 pounds, maybe. I think he could probably, without losing any quickness, could put on 20 to 27 pounds, no problem. He has a tremendously long frame. Uh, as he mentioned, he's he's matured late, physically speaking, uh, and so hopefully he'll call back in. But if you haven't uh, checked out Bridgewater, and most people haven't, uh, they play at a, I'd say, a high-level D3 program. Uh, obviously, maybe not the highest, but high level. Uh, obviously, the the highest level is probably the the ODAC conference in in Ohio. Uh, they're and then obviously, ah, I think Gary has returned. Is it, there he's Hello? back. Okay, good. No problem. You're back, Gary? Awesome. 
No problem. I was just having to sort of brag on you while you were away. So good, you're back. Uh, better to have you talk about you than have me talk about you. So um, I, I do want to spend a little time talking about, you mentioned just a moment ago, uh, film study and the mental side. And we talked about that developing, especially since you're going to play most likely in a situation where you're asked to be more than one kind of football player. You might be asked to play stand-up linebacker on certain downs and then put your hand in the dirt like you've been doing and then and rush the passer on other downs. So I wanted you to tell me about film study, a play that came from you having spotted something in your, you know, in your pre, in your preparation, in your study, a play that you made because of something you spotted on tape and tell me about what play that was and how you made it. Um, so our first round of our, of the national, the national playoffs or D3, uh, we played Delaware Valley, which is a, uh, class that they just score a lot of points and they just, Get out on you quick, and they get out on you time and over the over with. But so they were the number 19 in the country coming into that week, and we were like number 21, I believe. And we hosted them at home first round, and uh, they had a really they had a great tight end, uh, Dan Allen. He's going to be, you know, I believe I saw on Twitter he's going to be participating in Villanova's pro day, and he's just a you know a D3 All American caliber kind of guy tight end. So we knew that they wanted to get him the ball across the middle, and like you know, get him the ball. Um, so they would throw a lot of digs to him as well. And if, and if you were jumping the digs on him, they would throw digs from the number two receiver, number one receiver behind it. So, you know, you had to really be – had good eyes and really uh, know where you were in the window. So, like I said, I mean, I played more – I've yet to put my hand in dirt in, in college yet. And, you know, I've been playing outside linebacker and, you know, stand up. And I've had the ability to cover. So, in our defense, especially on third down when I had the interception, um, there was um, – it was third down, it was 13 – and we were um, trying to get off the field, and it was uh, lined up in the slot, and uh, did my drop, and the quarterback took a five-step drop, and I knew that if you took a five-step drop, likely there was a dent coming behind me in front of me. So I looked in front of me, and my receiver in front of me had already ran out to the flat, so I knew for like 100% positive that there was a dent coming behind me. And I flipped my eyes to number one, and he was already starting to come in, and then I stepped my eyes back to the quarterback, uh, got in the lane, and the ball was on the way out, and just jumped out and made a great play, and got our team the ball back you know, before halftime, put some more points on the board. And it gives a team like that, if you can get them off the field and get and start possession on their side of the 50, you know, you're putting you're getting yourself a better chance to win. And unfortunately, we came up short that game. But you know, going to halftime, that was a big play to go into halftime on and continue to carry momentum in the second half. They got it. And for those of you who are not familiar with uh, we we talked a little bit about Bridgewater. Uh, you guys play in a fairly competitive conference. Talk about some of the, the – the teams you've played against, and obviously about your uh, postseason or or playoff experiences. So, um, so the first three years at Bridgewater, we kind of you know had a had some shaky years. You know, scored around 500 you know, the majority of the time, and it's kind of you know unperformed performing in my opinion. And you know, a lot of games we the table. There wasn't very many games we went out and won by accident. You know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't very many games where we weren't supposed to win. And we won. There was a lot of games where we were supposed to win and let it slip out of our hands in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, a lot of those seasons could have been a lot better if we were, you know, all been on the same page and had the culture correct. But um, going into senior year, you know, everything kind of gets fixed. Our coach staff really, you know, put them at work, you know, made sure the players were on board and we eliminated a lot of bad characters and ended up, you know, getting the culture right. And that going into that year, we ended up last year we were undefeated uh, ODAC champions, which is the Old Dominion Athletic Conference in Virginia. Yes. Um, we played teams like Very familiar with the Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. Atlanta, Sydney. 
Uh, Christopher teams. Newport is yeah, uh, there. Yeah. Yeah, I got saying those teams that the uh, the Randolph Macon and um, and Hamden City have the oldest uh, rivalry in football. I believe it's like, it's almost like you know it was a children year old rivalry, which is incredible. But um, so it's it's, it's a really it's a history and uh, tradition rich conference and a lot of great games and. It does, like, people like to believe that you know, G three football is not entertaining. It's not much competition. But I mean, I dare you to go watch the you know, water rain off the game you know, late in the season while we're trying to you know clinch the playoffs. It's a, it's a really big game, and a lot of people are out there, and you get the entire town behind you, and it's an awesome experience. Um, the biggest game this year out of conference, we played Stevenson University, which is a powerhouse in the MAC up in um, the same conference Delaware Valley plays in. Um, they're in Baltimore, they're, they're from Baltimore, Maryland. And they have a lot of great athletes and a lot of talent up there as well. Um, this year, we went up there on the road and ended up um, beating them pretty handedly um, in week two and kind of, you know, put us on the radar and, you know, watch out for Bridgewater because, you know, the team is always a powerhouse in D3. And if they went up there and did that to them, then maybe, you know, they're the real deal. So, uh, like I mentioned before, after that week, we just went on a roll. Um, there were games where the Stars were the playing past halftime because we were beating people so bad. Um, me and my linebacker coach always, always stood around that, like, you know, my numbers are pretty good still this year, but they're kind of kind of slanted because I probably played about two less games than anybody else in the conference because we weren't we were coming out at halftime. So it was um it was it was awesome, you know, preserving your body for the playoffs. I um, wish we could have had a longer run, um, but I'm blessed to have, you know bring bring playoff football back to Bridgewater and play such a great team at Delaware Valley in the first round. Is you know we set up Bridgewater for the future, and I believe a dynasty is is in is in the forecast um, at Bridgewater. Okay, got it. And talk to me a little bit about when you first got there, what we call your, your welcome to college football football moment. What was the moment that sort of woke you up to the fact that this was, I mean, obviously you come from a big town high school, you know, uh, high school football. And some people, as you said, may yeah. not realize, a lot of people say, well, it's division three, you know, Four or five guys in six or seven years have made NFL rosters from D3. And actually, the number's more than that, actually. <laughs> it's higher than people think. But, um, yeah. you know, Pierre Garçon has had a pretty nice career, people. And there's more coming. Ali Marpet's having a pretty nice career. There's more coming. Uh, the the gap between Division Three, Division Two, FCS, FBS, it's all narrowing. Uh, there's really good players everywhere. But uh, talk to me about how sort of how that process worked for you, and who are some really good players you've played against? You know, even though you're playing at D3. Yeah, so you mentioned what was your what was your ghost like your uh, welcome to college moment, and I think a lot of people could probably relate to this. Is um, you always get told when you're coming out of high school that you know college football is a whole different story. You're not the big guy on the block anymore. You're not playing high school football. You're not a senior the big man and walking around the hallways and are going through a new place and you're a freshman, you're the small fry, new guy, new come the block. So I think the biggest thing, the biggest welcome to college room for me is uh, checking the depth chart the day it came out and seeing I was like the sixth, the sixth outside linebacker in the depth chart was probably the biggest, like, you know, slap in the face, like, yeah, you got to wake up and get on your grind because, you know, nothing's going to be handed to you. So that was probably the, that was probably the moment where I realized that this is different, you know, there's a lot of Gary Rainey's out here nowadays. I just, you know, I'm not the only one that could play play football and put a helmet on. So definitely kind of, you know, lit a fire in my butt and got me working hard. And luckily I was looking at the start for the final three years, sophomore, junior, senior year. So 
freshman year took a little bit of getting used to, but we ended up, you know, getting on the right track come sophomore year. But um, some of the great players I played against, uh, you mentioned Pierre Garçon. Uh, my cousin, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, uh, he played against Pierre Garçon in the early 2000s when the Bridgewater was going to the national championship and stuff like that. But he went to Mount, uh, Pierre Garçon went to Mount Union, and um, like my cousin went to Bridgewater and they played in the national championships. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show that, you know, there's talent there all over the place. You know, he was a, you know, 10-year extended veteran, so, I mean, a lot of people can't do that from any level. I mean, the average NFL career is three or four years. you got kids from D3 going, having long careers. You know, Ali Marpet's probably down having a long career um, since, you know, he's already an all-pro type of guy, and he's already in his fifth or sixth season. Um, so, personally, myself, best player that I played against. Um, uh, Major Morgan is a receiver from Hamden, Sydney. Um, everyone should get to know about him. He's six foot three. Um, tall, athletic, just jump, jump out the gym, go up and get a receiver. Um, he's under the same age as I am as well. Uh, he's under Corey Williams out of, uh, um, out of Houston, Texas as well. We're under the same agent. Uh, he's going through a lot of the same process as I am, trying to find a pro day and attend his combine, trying to get his name out there. Um, running back-wise, Trey Frederick, uh, the running back with Randolph Macon. Um, he's an early graduate. He was a fifth-year senior this past year, and I believe he broke the uh, ODAC rushing title for the most career rushing yards in, in the conference. So, when guys like that are coming through and you're playing them for four years, it's kind of, you know, it's crazy to, it's crazy to you know, go against them just, just for that long. And I believe he decided um, a professional contract playing while well, he's leagues in America. I think he's on the Vermont brew now. But, I mean, he had, he had a chance to play pro football. I'm sure he'll be working his way up the ladder here soon. Uh, Quarterback-wise, best quarterback I played for sure is, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was the quarterback at Stevenson a few years ago. I think he's actually a coaching intern on the Chiefs right now. His name is Dan Williams. He played at Stevenson. Uh, he was a captain there. And I believe he's like an all-conference guy. But we came to Bridgewater my junior year, and he knew he was just reading the defense. He knew he knew what we were doing more than we did, and he was just calling stuff out and just making sure making sure people on the same page. You know, blitzes. We just couldn't get to him because he knew where blitzes coming from, stepping around the pocket and all over the place. He wasn't the most mobile guy in the world, but he would just run around and make a play with his feet, and, and he wouldn't get into us. But, I mean, I was kind of the best quarterback I played in my time at Bridgewater. But, like I like you mentioned, there's talent all over the place. You got, you know, I just I was looking up names while you were in here earlier talking to guys before me, and you got D1AA and D2 guys that are All-Americans that are going to have great opportunities to the next level. And I'm glad that I'm um, even on the phone with you right now with, with great company like that. It means that, you know, I'm making it. I'm doing pretty well for what I'm doing. Coming from D3 level, and I'm excited with the next step, with the next uh, chapter as a tour for me. I got it. And yes, it's been tremendous uh, fun, sort of watching. And I, I mean, it's just hard because there's so much talent and so many good football players. There's so many different places. Um, but I would love to see uh, more attention given and. You know, obviously, there's a few opportunities out there, but I don't think there's quite enough opportunities out there for guys from places like Bridgewater, you know, and Christopher Newport and John Carroll. And uh, I mean, obviously, everyone kind of knows about, you know, uh, Mount Wisconsin Whitewater. And obviously, you know, usually everyone at least knows the name of Mount Union. Uh, but there's more than yeah. two Division three programs in, in college football, people. There's, there's other programs. So I would urge people to check out some of the other uh, D3 programs. So uh, tell me a little bit more about how you changed your body. Uh, obviously, something that people don't always understand about D3 is you don't have, I mean, even though it's 
there's talent, but there's not always the same resources. Um, food and 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 you know even sometimes the physical facilities may be uh, you have to be more creative. Uh, what and obviously you still have a lot of growth potential left. But what things have allowed you to change your body over your time? Uh, I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of places. I, I mean, I've seen it firsthand when you're visiting visiting schools or even on the road in visiting locker rooms. I mean, some schools really don't have the resources to, you know, provide for their own athletes. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of unfortunate, but I'm lucky to say Bridgewater has amazing facilities. I mean, like like I said, we're like one of the only schools I can even think of that has a master strength coach. A lot of a lot of teams are trained by their, like, you know, defense coordinators or a receiver's coach might, you know, run them through their lift. Not at Bridgewater. At Bridgewater, we have a full-time strength and conditioning coach. Um, coach Beach was a JMU, a JMU alum. He won the national championship at JMU. And, you know, like I mentioned, he's been the guy that's really running me through these, all, my, all my training and preparation for the pro day, which is coming up here soon, a couple of weeks. Um, so, like I mentioned, like, you know, I came in around 180 pounds. I'm leaving at 230. That's 50 pounds gaining in four years. And, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, a lot of people say because they uh, come close to the such great gains in that short amount of time. But, like I said, you know, God did a lot of it for me, you know, natural biology, you know, finally growing in, becoming finishing puberty and becoming a grown man. Um, but like I said, like you said, he's working with me for explosiveness. Um, we got a full effort, like I mentioned, full time. He has assistance as well. So there's always time to be in there and get in a rehabilitation if you need to have a little hang-ups or something like that. Um, our athletic training room is great. Um, Sam uh, Sam was our uh, um, was our tra- uh, athletic trainer this year, this season. And he took us under his wing a lot, whether it was, you know, getting treatment right after the games, which is always a hassle on him. He had stayed longer. He was already always okay with it. You know, I think at Bridgewater, you never had an excuse not to, not to be better, not to be better than you were yesterday. Because there's always, there's always resources, as long as you got to open to help you elevate your game. Uh, whether you're injured or not, there's always a training room. There's always, always an option out there to make yourself get better. It depends on whether you want to take that opportunity or not. And, you know, I, I can say I did a lot of the right things, I can guess, and I've, I've been lucky enough to finally develop in the play I want to be, and I've still got a lot, a lot of work left, but I believe the team should see that this guy, you know, I'm at six foot five, long frame. There's still more weight to be put on me. There's still more possible strength that you can add on my body. I've got long arms, long legs for a reason, and there's a lot of weight that you can add. And I'm not full, I'm not done growing yet, and uh, the tape should speak for itself where I can play football at a high level, and I think I can. You mentioned letting the tape speak for itself, and I want to spend a little time on that. If I'm maybe at a, another team's pro day, and then, you know, afterwards, a lot of the guys who are covering it, a lot of the guys from NFL teams end up at the same establishments, eating, drinking, talking. If I wanted to point to a game, I'm trying to sell an NFL scout on you. What's the game I should show him to get him to want to watch more of you? Um, the game we show is our, is our conference championship game, uh, Randolph-Macon. Um, played there week, uh, week nine of our season. We were both undefeated in the conference. We were 9-8 uh, now. They were 7-1, uh, but out of conference loss. So the winner of that game won the conference without a doubt, no matter what happened next week. Um, they came in and um, had the two best games of my career. Uh, I had 12 tackles, a sack, had two tackles for loss. Um, they just just straight up dominating football because they came out one of them on the ball and we held them to uh, one of their one of their years lowest uh, rushing totals. And then the next the following two weeks in the NBA playoff, uh, Delaware Valley, I had uh, nine tackles, uh, two for a loss, um, an interception. Just, just making plays in big games, and, you'll, and if you click the film on it, you'll see a lot of 
third and short stops to get them to punt the ball out the field, fourth and goal stops, uh, sacks on third down, plays in the end again to make uh, to get them off the field. And I think I think what people want to see is some big big situations, and that was the biggest situation in my college career. And we definitely I definitely stepped up and made plays when needed to be and helped my team win. And I mean, it wasn't just a one-player thing. We had a great defense, a great coach staff, an amazing quarterback, and just being able to help them and put my best foot forward was awesome. But if there was one game, I would say I'd definitely be Randolph making and close second would be Delaware Valley in the first round of the NCAA playoffs. Got it. And I I look forward. The only problem, obviously, and I, I'm not the first one to say this, I have coaches, friends in the coaching ranks, and so I found a little bit of footage out there. It is hard to find tape of you. Um, so if you have if you have some stuff out there that I haven't found yet, you know, we'll talk off air. But I'd be love I'd love to get a hold of it and be happy to share it with some of my friends in the scouting community. No doubt, I appreciate it. I'll get that. I'll get that to you as soon as possible. Excellent. Now I want to spend a little time. On, we talk about sort of the trans, physical transformation and accomplishments in the in the weight room, and I'm going to talk about also the coaching staff. You mentioned that your coaches have worked really hard on developing you. Um, what do you think it is about the coaches that you know allowed you to click with them, and which coaches do you think have had the greatest impact on you developing as a player? Um, so. Came in at came in at Bridgewater. Um, coach Michael Clark, our head coach, has been there for now 26, 25 seasons. So when you have a coach like that, you know he's, he's been in the game forever. It's not a situation he hasn't seen, and he's he's a player's coach. So I mean, a lot of times at Bridgewater, you naturally football's not going to football's going to end once you leave Bridgewater. Um, so he, if football is over with me tomorrow, I can always you know reach to him and have multiple connections to get a job or get get connected with the right people. You know, make sure when I leave here, I'm not you know confused about football. So I think that was a really big, you know, nice, nice reassurance to have that, you know, I built this connection with him and created, uh, created a, a network of people that forever, will, forever will be there. Being a Bridgewater graduate means a lot, you know, especially in the job world around the area nowadays. And I can say just because I played Bridgewater football under Coach Clark that, you know, uh, I got connections forever. But um, coaching-wise, uh, Coach Everett, uh, Coach Rob Everett, who's uh, now, you know, working with the Bill Army stuff, he had a big, big big impact on me because, I mean, he was a, kind of responsible for recruiting me as well. And he was a linebacker coach as well. He was coordinator for the first three seasons I was at Bridgewater. Um, he, had, he, had, he had faith in me to put me out there as a sophomore, which is, you know, not really easy putting faith in someone who hasn't played a lot of football as a freshman. Um, put me out there as a sophomore, you know, let me let me get exposed to the elements. And I, I came out there and blew and blossomed and played well. And everything that we were rolling, um, Coach G and Coach Giancola is our defense coordinator now. He's one of my best friends at school. He's a funny dude, always got something to say, always joking around. But he loves the game and is really serious about it. Um, he, I mean, he always jokes. He's, he's always in my in my corner with anything I'm facing, whether it's, you know, he's getting to the next level or trying to get my film out there, uh, getting in contact with the right people. I can always count on Coach G to make sure, you know, I was always prepared and always ready to go for whatever was in front of me. And and, and, and the newest coach I've had is Coach Perky. He's from my area, actually. He grew up in he went to South Carroll High School, which is only about 20 minutes away from where I live right now. And um, he's, a, he's a good dude. He's a Frederick County guy. Uh, he's one of the best recruiters I've ever met. You, know, you can look at look at Bridgewater's Twitter right now, and they're, they're getting heck, a whole lot of recruits from the Maryland area, which is one of the areas we probably didn't get that many recruits for in the past. 
Um, he's a hell of a recruiter. Um, he's a great coach. He's a young guy. He was a damn you. Um, was, was responsible for a national championship there as well as a GA. Um, he knows how to win. And this year, I mean, I think having a younger coach, uh, just to have like a, have a good a good friend as well as an awesome coach that knew what he was talking about, it was really good. It was really good for all of us. Um, like I said, I'm, he got helped me out recently getting into the Jammies Pro Day. Um, put his neck on the line a lot of spots, and you know, really was you know pushing for us to make sure we got that extra chance to get exposed and for exposure. And you know, I, I think I can thank all those guys a lot. And you know, without them, I would definitely want to be this this week nine in today. Okay, got it. Okay, so let's let's keep chopping wood, keep plowing. To arrive as this very thin young guy, you begin to see the field. Um, you mentioned the film room and how that changed you, and of course, obviously, the weight room changed you. Tell me about your accomplishments. Uh, what things maybe you've enjoyed doing most and best in the weight room? And, uh, you know, obviously things where you still need to work, but give me an idea of what your, um, you know, what your weight room numbers have been like. Um, so coming in, coming in, I definitely was, you know, I wanted to be in weight room wise. And I think, I think after the first year of freshman working out, being exposed to a college, college, you know, strength, strength program really got me right. Um, I just said, I bench, I'm benching over 300 pounds, um, hitting 225 around 17, 18 times. Um, my bench max is probably sitting around 325 right now. Um, have a pretty good hand clean around, like, you know, 295 pounds, 300 pounds as well. And just the, the jumps there. I, mean, I probably couldn't tell you. I could hardly dunk the ball coming in high school. Now I can throw the ball off the glass and run there. I mean, I grew a little couple inches, but, you know, that doesn't come from just growing. That comes from hard work and, you know, our, our strength coach making, making sure we're getting right. Um, the squad isn't the best, um, but, I mean, that's always something to improve on. Um, but uh, like I said, the hang clean, showing explosiveness, uh, uh, not lacking upper body strength, having a good bench, uh, just you know being uh, being able to be mobile and uh, be be safe on the field as well, and be limber enough to be flexible, and not and not if I get contorted the wrong way, be be down be down for injury. So I definitely believe that you know working out Bridgewater and the strength conditioning program there, I became a healthy more healthy athlete, and just a lot more explosive and a lot more having the ability to be athletic in all phases on the field. You mentioned that you just are coming from obviously participating in the combine. Uh, tell me about the the postseason. Obviously, uh, you guys had the playoff run, and even before that, you were probably hearing things about some interest in you, perhaps as a prospect for the next level of football. How did you decide what, in terms of participation, what you wanted to do in terms of things like all star games or scrimmages, combines, etc.? Uh, how did you? Formulate your plan for that. Um, so, so as the season went on, I'll, every single kid I won, everybody will tell you I had the goal of playing professional ball since I was a little kid. So, I, I, as the college career went on, you know, you had to be realistic and see when you put the numbers down, you know, make it happen. Uh, at the junior year, I had a good year. Um, I was probably one of the only kids in the conference to be a three-time all-conference player this past season. Um, after graduating, three-time all-conference is not. It's a pretty good accomplishment, but you know, putting the numbers on the putting the numbers on paper and the film out there was most important to me. So I didn't want to worry about what was going to come after college. I wasn't putting the work while I was while I was on the field in college. So after a great senior year, um, a, few, a few few accolades, first team all conference, you know, all state, being a team captain, um, 
I sat down with my our coach staff and I was like, you know, like what 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 what's my chances and what's the what's the possibility to go from here if I want to keep playing football? And um, what they recommended me was was you know find find someone that's willing to represent you, and um, that's what I that's what my family sat down and did and. You know, we're, I'm thinking of social media and, and, you know, networking and trying to find out those much connections as possible through whatever social media, emailing or, you know, texting through Twitter, whatever it is. And um, I was uh, lucky enough to come across Corey, Corey Williams on the NFLP website uh, and, and Instagram, actually. Um, shot him my, my tape and my uh, introductory uh, email, and uh, he got back, back to me pretty quickly. And ever since then, I've been signed with him for about a month and a half now. And uh, it's been a great process. It's been helping me out a lot, getting me, getting me, trying to get me in front of the right people, and uh, helping me try to get pro days lined up. Uh, luckily enough, where well, we were able to get the JMU, uh, James Madison pro day, which is about two weeks. And um, but before that, you know, just trying to, you know, see, we'll figure out whether an all-star game was even an option. Uh, there was a few all-star games, a couple across the country, was in Minnesota. Um, I naturally, you know, the Senior Bowl and you know, the NFLPA Bowl and the HBCU Bowl as well. Uh, I was lucky enough to be invited to the ACCU uh, Dream Bowl, which was uh, held in Virginia uh, at, like, after New Year's around January, and also the Podium Bowl, Podium All Star Bowl, which was held down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was invited to that as well. Um, didn't wasn't able to make out to any of those. Uh, kind of complicated uh, money wise, and getting getting out there to fly and getting across getting across the country to go down south to play in a game. But I was blessed enough and ex- happy to have the invitation to go to that. Um, a few weeks later passed, and then I had gotten contacted by Jimmy Kimball at, at the National Scouting Combine that he would be interested in inviting me to compete in front of, you know, scouts from all, all from all over the place and get my name out there and um, participate in an actual structured combine in front of people, in front of scouts and with other athletes from all over the country. And I'm glad they accepted, and uh, we had that about two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago now, and went out there for some great numbers. Uh, called out a few Canadian coaches and a few NFLPA scouts and NFL regional scouts that were there as well. But right now, our biggest thing is to continue to get better every day. And uh, whoever, whoever, you never know who's watching, whoever who's putting on your, your YouTube videos of your, of your highlights or, you know, talking to your, talking to your coaches uh, or trying to figure out more about it. So biggest thing is to put your best foot forward every day and hope it all works out in the long run. Okay. Certainly that all makes sense. Uh, so I have a few uh Official and then obviously one or two unofficials uh, left. So tell me about your favorite football players to watch and why. Who do you like to watch and and what do you think you get from watching them? Um, my favorite player to watch is Patrick Lamar Jackson. That's my favorite. I'm a Ravens fan and we have the best quarterback in the NFL and that's awesome MVP. Um, he's going to get two ball here in the next few years, but I mean he's just so electrifying to watch, and he makes football fun to watch for him. Whether you don't know much about it or not, just watching him run around and make plays is incredible. Um, if I had to compare, my, if I compare my own game to these player self, um, I guess you know I'm a big Madden guy, and uh, if you know if you play Madden, you know Anthony Barr is a big deal Madden because because how electrifying, how uh, how athletic he is at linebacker. He's six foot five, fast as God knows how, and do like go up and get the ball, can stop the run, rush the passer. I, I kind of consider myself, you know, like Anthony, Anthony Barr type of player. Um, I have the ability to cover slots and tight ends, uh, rush the passer, um, fit the box, and do whatever a linebacker would ever have to do on the field. A coach can expect me to do that. Um, play 4 3 well, a 3 4 stand up. If I have to run for my hand, then I can do that as well, rush the passer. 
and just doing whatever the coach would need you to do to, to help the defense win and, and stop it, stop off of scoring points and getting yards, and I can do that. So Anthony Barr really shows shows me that my skill set could translate to the next level. Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, Anthony Barr is a guy that a lot of people were confused for lack of putting about ugly putting it about him coming out because they didn't know what he was. And then, as I spoke about earlier, football changed in such a way that the answer became more obvious. He's all of the things you thought. And now football makes you do all of these different things. You know, so the ability, as you said, to yes, not just drop a, a hook curl zone area, but actually run stride for stride with some of these super athletic tight ends that have, have started testing the league. You know, when if you have to cover Travis Kelsey, you might want to you might want to be a pretty good athlete in order to make that happen. And then being able to rush the pass from yeah. down, be able to fight through blockers to stop the run, uh, being able to be intelligent enough to diagnose run pass options and all the other I mean Offenses have really all the advantages, Gary. I mean, they've done everything possible <laughs> to make it easier to play offense. Hey, we'll let the offensive linemen run, I don't know, five, six yards downfield and almost never throw a flag on them for being downfield because offense is fun. And, uh, you know, they allow, they allow, uh, they barely allow uh, defensive backs to touch receivers anymore without there being some sort of penalty. And, when there isn't one, everyone loses their mind, right? I mean, uh, ineligible downfield happens, I would say, probably on 90% of run pass options, and there's no flag, and everyone's fine with it. But, man, if there's a big play and a defensive back makes some contact and there's no flag, well, the wide receiver goes nuts, the fans go crazy, people demand an investigation into the outcome of the game. So yes, they love offense, Gary. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but but defense still wins championships. So let's let's get into it. Um, you mentioned obviously the way you've been used in your scheme and the things that you can do and the things that you hopefully get a chance to do going forward. So let's just take you into the future. <laughs> Uh, I do think that you're going to bounce around a bit just because, mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, a 230-pound guy from, from, from Bridgewater who with good but not mind-blowing testing numbers is going to be in a camp, but he's not, he's not like to be drafted. I think you're worthy of it. I, I have a feeling you're likely going to be brought in as an undrafted free agent. So that means special teams, Gary. That means special teams. Tell me about your your knowledge, your approach, and your preparation for being coming a special teams asset. Well, I mean, without it, I mean, without a doubt, you got to be realistic. Any 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 rookie needs to be ready for special teams. Whether you're a big boy from Clemson, Ohio State, or from Bridgewater College, you got to be ready to play special teams. Because I mean, NFL, all three, all any any stage of football, all three stages should matter the most. Whenever um, I was little, um, playing special teams always important. You know, the coaches weren't going to put their you're gonna put the best players on, on the field at all times and make plays. And you know, at Bridgewater, I played. We played our pride team, which is our punt team. Um, our best, a lot of our best players were on the pride team. You get down and make sure we never giving up uh, explosion plays for the special teams game. Uh, make sure we weren't giving up big punt returns, stuff like that. So, 
I've, got, I've been playing punt for the past three years at Bridgewater. Um, I've had experience running down on kickoff or hit squats in freshman season. Um, I've been prepared to, you know, learn whatever it is I got to do to, to contribute to a football team winning. Um, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a defense player at heart, um, but I'm extremely prepared to play special teams at the next level. Um, whether I need to, you know, get my kicks up right to, to, to block on punt, uh, be a gunner on uh, on the kick on kickoff and get down in the plays, or block on kick return. I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it is possible. And I've always been a, a student of the game, willing to learn and make stuff happen. Well, excellent. As you probably know, or if you don't know, you, you're learning very quickly. The first, you know, 11 spots on each side of the ball, the GM, you know, player personnel, head coach has complete say over starters and even the second team guys on both sides of the ball. Okay, there's only 53 guys on a roster. You usually have at least one punter, one place kicker, and a long snapper. Okay, so between the first two strings, you know, the starters, right, and the backups on each side of the ball, and then the special teams guys, that by itself, you know, if you just do the math, <laughs> that's about 47 out of 53, right there. <laughs> so that means the last six guys on the roster, that's really determined largely by your special teams coach. You know, that fifth wide receiver, that uh, that sixth linebacker, that, uh, that fourth running back, that fourth tight end, the one that you keep or the one you don't keep isn't based on how well he plays, whatever his supposed position is. The special teams coach says, well, that guy's only on one special teams unit. This guy's on four. We got to keep this guy. If we cut that guy, you know, we you only have one spot to fill. Because this guy, I got to fill four different spots on my units. I get the math doesn't work. So when you get to camp, Gary, find a special teams coach and find out everything about what he likes and what he wants and be that and you'll have a job. That's great, dude. That's great. That's, that, is, that is great advice, girl, because. I, I remember after after the season, I sat down with my coaches, and the, the second tape we put together after my career mix, career full tape, was a special teams tape. As you know, coaches, uh, I believe the Arizona Cardinals came in and asked, can, can you play special teams? And the first thing we had to do was put together a special teams tape where if, if that ever happened again, be able to be able to show, 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 show a scout or show a team that the, the guy has experience playing and he can get down there and make plays when necessary. And I mean, I, I, I appreciate the advice. It really is great. I got to get there here, so whoever I can, and tell them that I'm willing to do whatever it is to make the, make the 53, and whether I need to play, whether I need a long snap or hold on punt, a hold on uh, field goals, I'll make it happen. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, learn a long snap. What the heck? If you have a friend that knows how to long snap, you know, <laughs> buy him a, I don't know, a pizza, whatever it is that you can afford, and say, hey, teach me the long snap. So funny story. Jared Allen, who of course became a Hall of Fame level defensive end, managed to survive cuts his first year in the league with the Kansas City Chiefs because he knew how to long snap. And had a lot, they lost a long snapper. So they had about five or six days of practice where they had no long snapper except Jared Allen. So they couldn't cut him because he's one of the long snap. Later they got another <laughs> long snapper, but at that point, 
he'd impressed enough as a defensive player that his, his safe was played. His safe, his place was safe. But yes, if I if I were you, and it's up to you, you're a grown man, you do it, I would go each week of whatever it is I'm doing and find one more thing on special teams to teach myself how to do. So if I hadn't covered kicks before, I'd work on that. If I hadn't long snapped before, I'd work on that. If I hadn't been a personal hunter protector, I'd learn how to do that. So that you never have to say no when they say, hey, we need people for blah, blah, blah unit. Oh, yeah, I, I can be on field goal block. Oh, yeah, I can be on field goal protection. Yeah, I can do that. I, I did guard on field goal protection. I did, you know, up back on, on um, you know, on PAT protection or whatever. It's like, try to make sure you can say yes to everything special teams related. If you can literally be on every single special teams unit, and you look like at least something as a football player, somebody will have a, a job for you. If you're if you're that good of a special team player, there's always I mean, look at Matthew Slater. Probably the second favorite player, at least for Bill Belichick, probably the second favorite player on his roster is probably Matthew Slater. And he's their special teams captain, right? He's the special teams guy in New England. He's probably gonna be a special teams coach um, sometime someday in the near future with New England, but yes. That's the ticket. Okay, so my last few questions. If you were able to go to that scrawny teenage boy that you once were, Gary, and have a conversation with him about his next few years of his life as a student athlete, what were things you, you'd like to tell that boy, that 175-pound boy who was about to embark on this, this uh, journey of becoming a student and an athlete at the collegiate level. What would you tell him that you think would help him to be even better? I think I would just remind him that you're just a natural, a natural competitor. And I mean, I think mean, it's easy to get discouraged about whatever situation you come in if, if the stuff's not going your way. Um, I mean, I, ever since I was a little kid, I've always been competing. Um, when I was in like middle school and Late elementary school, I was uh, running uh, nationally ranked in track. I was a nationally ranked herder, hurdler, uh, second second in the nation in the pentathlon. Just a natural athlete, and I mean that didn't come that didn't come by accident. That comes through experience of being willing to compete. You know that comes through hard working, but you know being willing to adapt to your situations and make stuff happen and to make the best of it. Um, so I would just tell them to constantly to remember that you know you're born you're born for this. You you work you deserve to be able to compete with the best of them. No matter, no matter where that, you know, your situation not going best, whether you're not the first person with depth chart, first person getting reps, you deserve to be here, and you deserve to compete with the best of them, and you deserve this opportunity to play at the next level because you work, you put in the work, and and, and you got the film to show for it, and you, you're going to work your you're gonna work your butt off wherever you go. So I think the biggest thing I would say is you keep, you keep, you keep your head down and be like a pattern that you were meant to be, and everything will work itself out because that's what I'm doing right now is competing. And, and I understand that I belong. I deserve to be here and belong here with the best of them. Now, how long did you compete in the decathlon? Uh, I was I was in the decathlon for I was nationally I uh, medaled the nationals for two years. Um, when I was 11 years old and 12 years old, I won uh, second place and I was fifth place the next year. The year before that, the triathlon, I uh, was uh, medaled eighth in the nationals. And then, and before by 800 relay, we medaled fourth. And um, so, yeah, all of my time and all of my time across throughout middle school and elementary school, 
But there was, our family vacations were trips to AAU national events. Uh, I had the ability to go compete in Tennessee uh, at the Des Moines, Iowa, the Drake Relays, um, the Virginia Beach and Norfolk State, uh, North Carolina A&T, all over the place, um, just running track with the best of them and trying to, trying to get out there and just continue to become a better athlete. Okay. So uh, what made you finally decide to, to stop competing in track and field? Uh, it wasn't really a decision that I wanted to make. Um, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the interview, I was kind of a, a late bloomer. I mean, I was, I was I was a big kid when I was younger, uh, like tall and strong. I was like an early elementary school. So that's how I on throughout late middle school, 78th grade. I began to, you know, develop plantar fasciitis in my in my feet and several disease in my heels, which kind of, you know, made running on hard surfaces you know, not pleasant at all. So just needed custom insoles, uh, cortisone shots in my feet to see if I'd be able to, you know, just oh. play football. Because if you know tracks in the spring, and it, 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 uh, it propels you right in the football season. So if, if I didn't stop running track, I wouldn't be able to play football at my level I wanted to. So we had to, we had to stop running my, my, my um, seventh grade year to make sure I was ready to go for football season because I wanted to start rehabbing my feet to make sure I was getting them right. Got it. Makes sense. Well, uh, I am always sorry that you know, something beyond your control prevents you from being able to continue to compete at something, especially something that you apparently love. And it's always cool to see decathletes in the NFL. There have been a few. Um, Jay Novacek, probably one of the best uh, combinations of decathlete and uh, an NFL player, a guy who was a, maybe not all, maybe not Hall of Fame, but Hall of Very Good, uh, tight end with the, uh, Cowboys during their dynasty run of the late 80s, late 80s and into the uh, mid 90s was a uh, Western Athletic Conference champion, if we serves you correctly in the decathlon. Uh, Rafer Johnson, who of course didn't play much in the NFL, but had, a, I guess, a one or two year NFL career as a defensive back, was a gold medalist in the decathlon in the 1960 Olympics. And his brother, Jimmy Johnson, is a Hall of Fame uh, corner. Uh, so a lot of people don't realize that, that the other Jimmy Johnson in the Hall of Fame, uh, obviously the coach just made it, but uh, Rafer Johnson's brother has been in the Hall of Fame. Uh, played, I think, most, mostly for the 49ers, which is correct, but he was a terrific uh, corner back in the back in the 60s. But uh, it's a tremendously difficult event. Well, it's 10 events. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's not an event. It's 10 events. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy hard because of the different things that you're asked to do. You have to be, you have to have endurance and you have to have speed. You have to have agility and you have to have strength. And, you know, it's everything. You have to have everything. <laughs> so I'm always intrigued by people that manage to do that at a high level for a while. So hats off to you just being able to even compete in that sport. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, last two questions. So one's an unofficial, one's an official. So my my last sort of official question uh, sort of goes to the things that you you really still want to work on. Like obviously you have a lot of strengths and you do a lot of things well. What are the things that you think when you go back and critique yourself? Uh, what do you see great greatest opportunities for growth and improvement? Um. I think, I mean, I, I've had the ability to play so many different spots on the defense, whether it's, you know, like I mentioned, um, rushing the passer, playing 
playing the box and covering spots and tight ends uh, outside the hashes. I think the biggest thing I like to do is just continue to work my pass rush game, continue to, you know, work counter moves and just learn more about it. Because, you know, pass rushing isn't something you just naturally pick up on. It's something you learn and you have the ability to, you know, watch other other great people do it. You pick up um, pick up skill sets and techniques from them. I think, you know, pass rush was one of the things I came into college. Um, that was probably my least experience because I played, I played uh, corner and safety all throughout high school and when I was younger. Um, so pass rush is something that's probably one of my best assets nowadays, but it's also, you know, something I probably um, I'm the most raw at. So I want to continue to, you know, develop my pass rush, which I mean, being with a great coach and great like, like NFL, all throughout the NFL and professional football, there's great coaching. And just learning, you know, hand fighting and all that stuff and just how to, how to how to manipulate tackles and they can do whatever you want and just you know, be a ter- be like terrorized offense all day. Um, that that'd be one of my my one thing I like to you know really improve on as well because right now I believe I can I can move with the best in my linebacker, one of the most athletic linebackers I feel at, at my at my at my level in college. Um, so if I can continue to add a strong passers game, would be would pretty pretty dangerous to to deal with. Excellent. And now my unofficial question. Uh, once again, you know, you're tall, rangy, handsome. There's talent scouts who don't care about football, who are check, possibly checking you out. Um, for those that are interested in perhaps uh, off-the-field activities with Gary Ramsey, uh, what is your status relationship-wise, sir? Uh, right now, I am uh, married to the game of football for the next for the next few years. So right now, I uh, know there's no ladies in my life right now. Uh, we're, we're willing to talk to anybody, but right now, we're just, you know, focusing on football, and we're going to make a career out of this while I can. So you're another one of those married to the grind kind of people, you're not, not really looking for companionship? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to be, yeah, I'm not one of those guys that are, you know, uh, I can say hi to somebody and be, be polite. Yeah, my goals are the first thing on my mind right now, and you know I only get one shot at this thing, so I want to make sure I'm the best support and uh, limit my distractions as much as possible. Okay, so ladies, if you're not out there trying to help him get bigger, stronger, faster, or more more complete as a player, I guarantee he does not want to hear from you. So if you're trying to get get with Gary Ramsey, you better be. I guess you need like a kinesiology degree or something. Uh, right about now. Okay, got it. Got it. Um, it is always a pleasure, young man. It has been a real pleasure. Um, I've only managed to find two games, and one of them is like not even a whole game, and actually it was somebody shooting another player. So they're not following you; they're following their loved one. Um, but luckily, they were playing against you. So, so at some points I managed to spot you. It's hard, right? It's hard scouting guys from your level. Not because you guys can't play, but because there's not as much exposure. There's not as much attention. But there's talent. There's every year there's five to seven guys I see in D3 who, if you drop them at Auburn, or if you drop them at USC, or if you drop them at Washington, if you drop them at Indiana, or you drop them on the campus at um, you know, Texas, they would hold their own, no problem, with, against whoever. And you're one of those guys. Uh, there's a wide receiver, Nick Murray, I've seen as an absolute beast. That's like, this guy, this guy can play against anybody. You know, I wish you, I wish you and the three other guys had managed to get to the Super Bowl because it would have opened some eyes. But it's been a real pleasure. You'll be getting an email 
shortly after this, uh, if not today, then then some point, some point tomorrow when you respond, just attach once again answers to the questions, some of which are similar to the ones you've answered today. Also attach a photograph of yourself. Um, since it is for publication, you know, keep it clean, boys. Um, I did get one hot yoga picture from an offensive lineman once. I wasn't quite ready for that. But hey, if you feel it represents you, that's fine. As long as it's, you know, publication quality and you feel okay about, like I said, it's sort of being there to represent you. It is always a pleasure. I, I get great excitement because, as I mentioned, you're making time for me in this very busy time of your life and so much is going on. So I really thank you so much for your time. I thank you so much for uh, giving up yourself when there's so much being asked of you right about now. And I really think that there's so, you have so much potential. And I just hope you get a chance to show it to everyone because I, I believe you you have it. I believe you have the thing that they look for in the modern edge defender slash linebacker slash. I mean, you could do, once again, she said, you can do a lot of the different things that Anthony Barr gets asked to do. And that's that's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy to do all those different things. And you have that ability. So I, I can't wait till you get to show them. Show them what you can do. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm gonna I'll make sure I'll send you some uh, some tape on me. Uh, can I can I shoot that shoot that on Twitter and your DMs? Can I message you that uh, the link to those videos? That would be perfect. Anything you send to me, I will be I will be awesome. hurriedly breaking down as I write the article about you. So I look forward to that, ladies and gentlemen. Please, if you truly love football, first of all, if you truly love football, just watch more D two, D three, and NAIA just in general. Just do it. Um, whether or not those guys make it to the next level, please give them more of your attention because one, you'll see some great football. I mean, Lamont earlier talked about PSAC football. PSAC football is, I mean, that's, woo! Those, there's some good old, clean old fashioned, I won't say hate, but some good, strong dislike uh, being shown by those guys on that field. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of that, um, you know, almost like being fighting cousins, like cousins who are around each other a lot. And they, the PSAC's like that, a bunch of cousins that are, that are maybe a little too close to each other, so they fight a lot. Terrific football. I mean, I mean, we mentioned uh, ODAC, right? I'm, I'm from Virginia. I know quite, ODAC football, Virginia has a lot of good football players, and Maryland's a lot of good football, Delaware even, has a lot of good football players, and even North Carolina. I'd say North Carolina, you know, those states have a lot of good football players. They, they do not all end up in the ACC. They don't all end up at Florida or Florida State. There are guys who can flat out ball who do end up at places like Christopher Newport, do end up at places like, uh, you know, Bridgewater. So check them out. Uh, it is once again always a pleasure. I, I look forward to hearing more from you. Oh, last question. I uh, sort of asked this Pro Day. Um, do you also, I know you mentioned that you came from a combine. Is there also a Pro Day arranged? Yes, uh, I'll be I'll be performing at the James Madison University Pro Day, JMU's Pro Day um, at March 19th. Uh, so we had the opportunity to get over there and uh, compete with them. You know, you did mention that. I should have remembered. You did mention it. So excellent. I will want an update when you complete your pro day as well and how things go. I think your some of your times and some of your numbers will be improved. So I want to update that as well. Once again, I do thank you. I wish you the very best of luck. Have a fantastic experience because whatever happens, very few people get to do what you're doing. So enjoy it. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I had a great time talking to you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Certainly. Have a great rest of your day.
Well, that was a great show. Um, not a chance to catch up with Lamont McFadden, who I've been trying to talk to for quite some time. He has an amazing story, which I'm going to be writing about. Uh, got a chance to talk to Keith Wetzel, who's not finished with his collegiate career, has decided to grad transfer to Buffalo, where I think he's going to do great things. Uh, got a chance. Uh, we, we thought we had Quentin Randolph, but some things came up at the last minute. Quentin, we're going to try to get you on uh, for next time. Got a chance to talk to Rashad, and Rashad is a, a, a mountainous, a mountainous individual. Uh, has played at times in the 350s, but has slimmed himself down to the 320, 330 range and trying to get even a little lower than that. Uh, he has a lot of lot to work with there. He's a talented guy. And I think that the, the future is bright. Dominic Crozier is another guy that football is sort of moving towards him. He's small. He's quick. He can catch. Uh, he can return punts and kickoffs. He can carry the ball out of the backfield. He may not, you know, be banging it up, you know, at a a Bob 30 or a power sweep 25, 30 times a game, or, you know, even inside zone. But if you want to run him on some draws, some, you know, the sort of gadgety kinds of things, he'll get you seven, eight yards of carry. You do that five or six times a game, it starts to add up. You throw him the ball in the backfield another three or four times, get him eight to 10 touches, and he'll get you 80, 90 yards, maybe a TD mixed in for flavor. This is the new NFL. You don't have to be 230 pounds at running back to be effective, as we've seen uh, demonstrated by guys like Sproles and Westbrook, and you know even more recently by guys like you said you mentioned Tariq Cohen. Uh, always a thrill, always a pleasure. Uh, just a terrific, terrific, terrific group of young men. Uh, and I'm not to say it, a, a smart and good-looking bunch. In addition to you know being able to play football, uh, some of them are taken. Uh, ladies, if you get a chance to check them out and of course obviously uh, more importantly people who just want to see great football played uh, when you do get a chance to check them out please do so there's a lot of talent and a lot to work with and like I said you know they have a, a lot there so once again I just want to extend my final thanks before we close this one out uh, to all the guys uh, obviously uh, just to get to, to get a chance to know Keith Wetzel, who uh, terrific young man, uh, to get a chance to talk to Gary Ramsey Jr., who is a, a an interesting talent, uh, Lamont McFadder, uh, who's torn it up at Cal PA after starting his career at Ball State, uh, Rashad Miller from Benedict, who's another handful of a player to deal with, all great men, uh, all terrific to watch, and like I said, uh, Dom Crozier, terrific player. Uh, who, like I said, really fits into the modern NFL. Uh, I want to thank them all, and we'll be doing this again in one week. It's always a pleasure. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.